Tuesday was everything we thought it would be. It was super. Go check out the latest Daily Wire Backstage Super Tuesday 2020 edition. Join me, Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, the God King, Jeremy Boring, along with special guests, Dave Rubin, Senator Ted Cruz, and many more as we discuss everything Super Tuesday. Take a listen. Well, hi there. I'm Jeremy Boring, and welcome to Backstage Super Tuesday 2020 edition. Will Democrats fill the burn, and will Medicare cover all of that? Will Liz Warren quit another race she doesn't belong to? Does Joe Biden know where he even is right now? Here to answer those questions and more, I am joined, as always, by Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Andrew Clavin, and the lovely Alicia Krause. But first, we know you have a lot of options when you're looking for a presidential candidate. Do you want an aged white man or some other aged white man? Do you want a gay guy or Amy Klobuchar? If you're anything like me, the answer is no, no, I'm slightly curious and definitely not. That's why I'm trying Mike Bloomberg. With Mike Bloomberg, you get a presidential candidate who knows what it's like to be incredibly rich. That's pretty much it. That's his entire appeal. But he also hates guns and sodas. And hey, who doesn't? Drew, you like Mike Bloomberg. Like him. I love him. When I'm sitting on my private beach in Southampton at that stately beach house I bought somehow, I think there's no one I'd rather have a presidential candidate than hashtag super Mike Bloomberg. You think you love Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> I love Super Mike Bloomberg. I love Super Mike Bloomberg so much that I'm never going to fly coach again in a Bloomberg administration. Listen, we all love Mike Bloomberg. And for a limited time, when our listeners enter promo code backstage on their ballots, you get 15% off and free installation. That is hashtag Super Mike Bloomberg promo code backstage. Hashtag Super Mike Bloomberg promo code backstage. Order today. It's going to be a long night tonight, so we'll be getting to a ton of member questions. And if you guys want to ask the guys questions tonight, just go over to dailywire.com, navigate to the shows page at the top, click on the backstage button, and then type your questions into the (coughs) chat box next to the video. Now remember that only members get to ask the questions, so if you're not a member, become one tonight. I think you can even use a code that was just in that really weird Mike Bloomberg commercial. Anyway, some of the questions already rolling in are, how often do Jasper and Jeremy uh, dress alike? What are Drew's (laughs) hair secrets? Why does Ben say culinary wrong? Hmm. And if Knowles gets the coronavirus, does that mean Alicia gets to sit in the big boy chair? (laughs) All of those questions and more might be answered by the guys tonight. So, Log on, make sure you're a member, make sure you ask all the questions, and we'll try to get to them later. Thank you, Alicia. We're here joined today by a very special guest. He's the host of The Rubin Report. He is the author of a brand new book, Don't Burn This Book, Thinking for Yourself in an Age of Unreason. And he was the closest, most nearby person we could get who would work for for like SAG minimum. SAG minimum? I thought I I I was getting some of that Bloomberg money. Don't don't I get that just by sitting with you guys? Hey, I don't know what kind of ads you do on your show. Uh, Guys, before anything else, I just want to say I just voted at one of our many incredible polling stations. But you don't have a virtue signaling? uh... Well, I put it on my sunglasses and I left it in my car, but I did vote 
and uh, I'm fairly certain I have coronavirus. Yeah, that's... And I just want to share it with some of my favorite conservatives. Freedom Gold. isn't free, Dave. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> so good to see you. That, that, you. that was a gay joke, right? Did you guys see this video of Mike Bloomberg today, speaking of the uh, coronavirus, ta- getting pizza from craft service? Yes, where did, was he raised? Yeah, what is he raised? Who licks wings? Wings and wings alone are the only time you would lick ribs wings and ribs, right? Nobody licks that many times. And then and then he touched the the coffee thing, but not he didn't just touch the side of it or touch his own mug. You didn't see the rest of the actual spigot. The rest of the clip where he actually went and made a peasant lick his fingers after was the part that really was disgusting. But he paid very well, so I had no problem. That's why I'm voting Mike Bloomberg. Speaking of voting, it's Super Tuesday. And uh, there are already a few early results coming in. Joe Biden is killing it. Joe Biden yeah. is, he is killing, killing it. it. Well, who could have predicted this? Oh. I mean, except for me. <laughs> I, I did. I, they, so I predicted. We had it. an argument before the show. We did. I, I said. I said before the show that Biden was going to kill it. I said that on my show, I would not be surprised if he ended up with a majority of the of the delegates tonight. Uh, in fact, I even went through state by state and predicted it. Mm-hmm. So if you wish, at a certain point, we can go through state by state what the predictions were. Well, let's look at it right now. And yeah. let okay, why don't we do this? So then, here's your super he's, Tuesday guy. He's clearly guy. blessed by that, uh, that thing, you know, what, that, that thing. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> it's the thing. <laughs> the thing, the thing, the thing, the thing. is in America. He doesn't even speak. <laughs> he he's, like, he's actually been touched, touched by God <laughs> yeah. or just touched. One of, the, one of the two. I don't know. He's okay, so let's, let's look at how these delegates break it down. So there are a bunch of states on the ballot tonight. The basic rule of thumb that you have to have in mind is that if you don't cross 15%, you get zero delegates. My prediction going into tonight was that Biden was going to overperform. Sanders was going to perform just as expected because his people love Bernie Sanders and that Michael Bloomberg was going to collapse. That's and Michael Bloomberg w- was, yeah. was not going to do anything because Bloomberg's poll numbers nationally were a placeholder for in case Biden fails in South Carolina. Yep, right. So if Biden failed in South Carolina, you would have seen Bloomberg rise. He didn't. You saw him blow everybody out in South Carolina. Therefore, Bloomberg starts to recede back to the pack. I also think that in most states, Elizabeth Warren is being overrated. I think that that's not true in maybe California and Massachusetts. So here's how we break it down. Alabama has 52 delegates that are up. Okay, right it's now- It's worth noting that for the Democrats, all the delegates are, are awarded proportionally, right? right. Correct. No there, they, 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 which is why Biden had a shot at getting back in this thing, right? If the, Republican, the Republicans actually should run it this way, they should. Because the fact is that Donald Trump ran up a delegate advantage in the early contest by taking winner-take-all mm-hmm. states with 30% of the vote. And so it didn't right. give anybody an opportunity to consolidate, right? The Democrats had an opportunity to consolidate the field, even though Bernie basically won the first three states, or at least competitive in Iowa and then won the next two. Okay, so Alabama had 52 delegates who were who are up tonight. The poll average is all according to 270 to win. This is their polling average. They had Biden leading Sanders 45 to 21 with Bloomberg clocking in 18, Warren at 11. So I had predicted... I did all these before the show and before Super Tuesday began, so I, I was not cheating. I predicted that Biden was going to win 50% of the vote in Alabama, that he was going to blow everybody out, that Sanders would win 18, and that everybody else would finish below 15%, which would give Biden 39 delegates to Bernie Sanders' 13. Already they have called Alabama for Biden, which, of course, is not a great shock. Okay, next state, we have Arkansas. So Arkansas has 31 delegates. The poll averages had Biden leading Sanders, and they had Bloomberg coming in second. So I didn't really see that. I saw I saw Bloomberg and Sanders surpassing the 15%, but not by much, and Biden blowing everybody out. So my great my great assumption is that the South Carolina assumption was going to be was going to go for everything, meaning states with a heavy share of black voters were going to go overwhelmingly for Biden. Mm. And that after South Carolina, that was increasingly true. This is true in Arkansas. Arkansas also has a blue-collar white population. It is not a heavily college-educated population, so that's that means that it tends to cut a little bit 
in favor of Sanders in some ways, but against Warren, oddly enough. So the delegate count there would be Biden 18, Sanders 6, Bloomberg 7, and Warren 0. I think Warren's going to get shut out basically across the South. Next state, we have California. So this is the big prize tonight. California has 415 delegates who are up for it. The big assumption going in tonight is that Bernie Sanders is going to run away with California, that Biden might finish even below 15 percent, which would be devastating for him, that maybe Elizabeth Warren would finish below 15 percent and that and that Bernie was going to run away with it. Some late breaking polls in California showed that Biden was within spitting distance. So the poll average from 270 to win going in was Sanders 33, Biden 20, Bloomberg 15 and Elizabeth Warren 14. I have Biden more competitive in California. I have Sanders winning 33 exactly where I think the, I think the polling on Sanders is exactly where the polling is on Sanders. I don't think there's a lot of play. in There's no joints. late breaking for Sanders. I, I, Exactly. There might be late-breaking against Sanders, but there's no late-breaking for Sanders. By the way, the exit polls across the nation are showing that a lot of Democrats said they made up their mind in the last 48 hours, which is horrible news for Bernie Sanders. Because if you love Bernie, you made up your mind six months ago. So I have... Also, by the way, uh, it's worth noting, I think that the whole uh, uh, problem that we have with early voting is that so many of these votes were already cast before people... So, yeah, maybe there were 300,000 votes cast for Klobuchar, Buttigieg, and other candidates who are not in the race, including Kamala Harris. So it's totally it's totally mad. Right. So so I have Sanders winning California, but narrowly over Biden. I have Bloomberg finishing below the 15 percent. I have Warren slightly outperforming because there are too many Hollywood idiots who who are going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. That would give a very close split Sanders above Biden and Warren really damaging Sanders in this particular case. Because if Sanders finishes above that 15 percent, that really hurts Sanders pretty badly. If he he can't run away with California, if if Warren finishes above the 15 percent, that would only give him about a 40 delegate advantage, 42 delegate advantage in California. Okay, next state, Colorado. So the going wisdom here is that Sanders did really well with Hispanic voters in Nevada and that Colorado has a heavy share of Hispanic voters and therefore he will do really well in Colorado. I do think that he'll do fine in Colorado. I do think that Biden is going to outperform anywhere. I basically took every poll average and then I added five to 10 points for Biden in every poll average because he had a national 10 point bounce after the last couple of days when every single Democrat came out and endorsed him. So I have basically... not every single Democrat. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, Obama's going to sit this one out because he's actually, in one way, it's smart. In one way, it's stupid. In one way, right. it's, it's, it's smart because he's afraid that if he comes out against Sanders, it actually mobilizes the opposition more. Mm-hmm. In one way, it's stupid because he should have endorsed Biden right out the, ga- right out of the gate. You don't think it's he's holding that, Michelle in his pocket? No, I don't. I, I think that Michelle has aspirations, but not for this election cycle. I also think you may be being overly generous with what motivates Obama. I actually think that he won't get involved in the race because the thing, the two things that he fears the most, one of them is a, any blow to his legacy and even more is being seen as on the wrong side of history. I mean, his entire view of himself is that he is the future. Yeah. If, he acts, if he endorses Biden, puts himself completely at odds with Bernie, and it doesn't work, he loses on both of the things that matter the most to him. That's why, yeah. that's why I think he won't uh, bring Michelle in, because if he comes in and destroys the Trump economy, then we can all see for real <laughs> that it is the Trump economy. Yeah. Okay, so Colorado, I have Sanders winning, but narrowly over Biden. Okay, next state, we've got Maine. So Maine doesn't have all that many delegates. It has 24 delegates. Sanders is expected to win. Uh, here, I actually think Biden might slightly underperform uh, in, in Maine just because where's his support? Doesn't really matter very much. But bottom line is that it ends up with a pretty close delegate split because there aren't that many delegates. So if you even score in Maine, you're going to get some delegates. Okay, next state. We've got Massachusetts. This one, the big question is whether Warren takes the state or Sanders takes the state. I have Warren taking the state because I think that Warren was surging in the late going with precisely the voters in Massachusetts. Nowhere else. Like, I don't think that Warren is picking up support anywhere else. Maybe California, maybe Massachusetts. If she doesn't win Massachusetts after the way the Boston Globe 
carried water for her for the last 18 Oh, massaged months. her. I mean, my yeah, goodness. So I, I think that she will end up pulling out Massachusetts. I think it's going to be narrow. I think Biden will cross the 15% threshold again because I think he's going to outperform. It's Warren, I, I, she's doing this for the delegate count, but it's interesting that she hasn't really been campaigning as much in Massachusetts as you would expect her to. Where, it, As you say, if she loses it, it looks awfully bad. It, it does look terrible for her if she loses in Massachusetts. How could she lose? <laughs> why, why don't we just ask her? All right. <laughs> All right. This next thing doesn't talk? Dave, we never refer to the statute. <laughs> oh, sorry. All, yeah. all similarities are purely Wait, that's who that is? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Minnesota is the other one that's really interesting tonight because Klobuchar was pulling very oh. close to Bernie Sanders, and then she, of course, dropped out yep. and endorsed Joe Biden. So I think that that does allow Sanders to win the state. I think he wins it fairly narrowly against Biden. I think... One of the trends you'll notice here is I don't have Bloomberg crossing 15% nearly any of these states. I have Bloomberg. You think Bloomberg's done? I think he's finished. I think that he has a horrible night tonight. I think that everybody who is going to vote for Bloomberg, he was riding just above 15 in a lot of these states. He's riding like 18, 19. He was never at 30, right? He was always at 18, 19. It's an important point that half a billion dollars doesn't buy you that many votes. If that turns out to be the truth, mm-hmm. it means well, a lot of here's the complaining thing. is not it, really- It didn't important. buy him the votes. It bought Biden the votes. Because all of his advertising, or a lot of it, was purely- against Sanders. Like a lot of it was directed against Sanders. So there there are two stories here. One is Biden's resurgence in South Carolina. The other is that Bernie does not play as a front runner. He plays as the guy who is outside shouting at everybody. He doesn't play as the front runner. That's what was so unusual about Trump because he felt the same way. He felt like while he's outside criticizing, then he's going to be what? But as soon as as he hits that front runner status, all the guns will turn on him. This was the conventional wisdom. And then he'll fall down on the job. The difference is he'd already built up such a delegate lead that it was nearly impossible to stop him. But isn't that the danger of what happens tonight, which is that Biden now takes the lead and that then fuels the idea to the crazed Sanders people who are crazed and will gladly burn this country down and they're going to burn down Milwaukee and I'm only being slightly facetious when I say it, that it now feeds the narrative. Oh, Bloomberg came in to just crush mm-hmm. our guy. Now yep. he's down again. The whole thing's they're, fixed, blah, blah, blah. They're already nursing this, yeah, by the way. If you watch, yeah, if you watch Sanders, the, that's the narrative no matter what happens. Yeah. I'm telling you, the party the doesn't survive this thing. I actually think this wow. thing is so out of control right now that I'm not saying the Democratic Party won't exist, but let the socialists have their own party. AOC, who's wrong about everything, she was right about one thing. Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders should not be in the same party. You can say what you want about Republicans. So Ted Cruz was against Trump, now he's for him. Marco Rubio is there. You could say, but they have the sort of basic set of ideas that we all kind of believe in the Constitution. The trouble is- The left has no sort of cohesive narrative that brings these people together. The trouble is you see Tom Perez, that chairman of the DNC, saying openly, AOC is the future of the Democratic Party. So the leadership, in some ways, has embraced this sort of thing. I agree with you. The Sanders supporters are totally crazed, totally devoted. But I think they are different in kind from the Trump supporters in 2016. The Trump supporters in 2016 love the American flag. They love it when he hugs it and kisses it. They're generally just patriotic, normal people. The people who love Bernie Sanders are actual socialists. I think it's just so much smaller. I think it'll be very hard for them to take And a lot of the people in the Democratic Party, when it comes to socialism, were lying. They were buying votes. They weren't really socialists. They were the Chris Matthews of the people who were like, socialism, socialism, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so so fast. By the way, the the perfect (laughs) example of what a failure this was is the aforementioned Elizabeth Warren. Right? Warren had a choice to make in the middle of this campaign. And she made the wrong choice. The choice was, do you go Medicare for all and try and steal Bernie's votes because you think that the real threat is Biden? 
and Bernie is more vulnerable? Mm-hmm. Or do you go after Biden yep. and move into that center lane? If Warren had moved in that center lane, she'd be the nominee right now. But Instead, she, but she made the big mistake of revealing what her plan was. No, yes. that's not a joke. They don't want answers. They, <laughs> yeah. they specifically, they don't, they think answers or math or reality <laughs> is a negative. They really believe yep. that. Well, because right? like, utopia so we, is blocked by math. Right. So, <laughs> so, so they don't care. The point is you just get there however you got to get there. So they don't want you to add up the things and go. So when she's like, oh, well, my Medicare plan is better than Bernie's, it's like, well, you the, just said something that might make some sense. Well, that has nothing she, to do with what we do here. She made a sort of Bloombergian argument, which is, I like all of these policies, but you shouldn't vote for the guy who has the policies. You should vote for me because I'm a more efficient manager. And you, nobody is going to be motivated <laughs> to do that. But she, she, she yeah. really, I mean, she did blow it in an, in an absolutely astonishing way. But it does show that what the Democratic Party really did, they made a bunch of mistakes. There are really three major mistakes that, and I agree with you, there's going to be a serious breakdown if, if Bernie continues to stay in the race, even if he wins 13, 1,400 delegates and finishes second, there's going to be a nervous breakdown inside the Democratic Party because the they made a bunch of key mistakes. One, they changed some of the rules of the primaries to make superdelegates less valuable, which was a favor done to Bernie. Right. And then they allowed Bernie to run as an independent inside their own party, which yep. they shouldn't have done. They should have made him re-register as a Democrat. They didn't make him do it. And then third, they they Joe Biden... So right now, the, the, the narrative coming out of tonight, assuming that Biden does well, which I think he will, assuming that Biden is the nominee, the narrative is going to be, well... Look at how he had a comeback. Here's the reality. This never should have been an issue. That's right. Joe Biden should have run away with this thing. He should have run away with it early. This should have been foreclosed. And the fact that he ran such a garbage campaign is the reason why the Democratic Party is going to split itself apart. Because if he had run anything remotely approaching a decent campaign, Bernie never would have gotten to the point where he was winning any of these primaries, not in a crowded field. So. But, but that also, sorry, well, that also brings up the real point that nobody really wants to talk about, which is when you're voting for Biden right now, whether it's the primary or in the general, you really have no idea who you're voting for because mm-hmm. there is no reason. I mean, this is just the sad truth. There is no reason to think that that guy can last four years of a president. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't mean it's sad. It's sad. We've no, all been through true. this, right? It's, We've all been through this right with there. grandparents or yeah. parents. Or Within something. eighteen months, he will have hit the average American life expectancy. Yeah. Within eighteen months from today. Well, I mean, and if yeah. you don't think that he is losing his mind, we have a clip for you. Yeah. Here is a clip oh, of Joe Biden reciting the Declaration of Independence <laughs> at his rally yesterday. All men and women created by. Go, you know the you know the thing. You know how we talk about it. Are we the people? He's a Pentecostal. That's, that's I, not, not, I never knew. But he's you know the thing. You know like the from, thing. Like from from the Fantastic Four. The thing. <laughs> it looks like he's full of bricks. That one. That I got coronavirus today <laughs> so that I could go out there and vote for that old senile man just to stop Bernie Sanders. You know, yeah. That's we, what I did today as an can American. We pause okay? for just a minute though and reflect on this. That Donald Trump has actually been great for the Republican Party. We thought, yes, I, we yeah. thought, even I thought, suspected that he was going to be damaging to the Republican Party. But the Republican Party right now is more uh, is more attuned to going into the future than it has been for yeah. decades. I was with you guys on election. You're night. so high, dude. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know what to tell you. It is true. I don't know it what's in true. that cigar. Like, okay, He's, let's let's okay, let's let's calm down for just a second. Dude has 41 percent approval rating. The economy is is in trouble this year because of coronavirus. Ah, the, the, okay, ah, if, you, if you think that the supply chain disruptions are going to magically heal, and this is a V-shaped recovery, that's incorrect. Is, and the reason it's is, incorrect is, is because it has nothing to do with the person? United States. Who it doesn't have person? to do with Trump. Who is it's not Trump's person? fault. Who is the person who has been disrupting the supply chains to China? Who is the person who said that that's what should be done? It yeah, doesn't matter what he said. He hasn't disrupted the supply chain to China in this such is, a significant this, way that this is... The, I mean, the, the, way the, I Dell, know, the, the dude, Dow lost here's, 10% how I know, here's how I know you're wrong. I know you're wrong because just before the stocks dropped, my wife said, we should sell our stocks. 
And then about two days ago, she said, we should buy back those stocks. <laughs> well, every, everybody, every, so everybody is assuming that there is going to be a V-shaped recovery. It's not Trump's fault. I'm not saying this is Trump's fault. It's not Trump's fault. But we have all said, and it's true, that if the economy slows significantly, that's a real obstacle for him because he's got to have a booming economy. Against Bernie, it's less of an obstacle because you can compare mediocre economy to, you know, complete collapse of world economy. <laughs> yeah, right. but, if you, but if it's, if it's Biden, I've been saying for a while that Biden's advantage in the election is that he is dead. Right, that he's actually like a corpse. Yeah. Like that, that, mm-hmm. That's actually his, his advantage because if this election is a referendum on Trump, it's a problem for Trump. If this election is a referendum on Bernie, it's a problem for Bernie. That was true a year ago. I don't think that's true anymore. Uh, I, a year ago you said that and I thought, yes, I understand that, but I don't think that's true anymore. Okay, tell, tell I, me, so let, let me go back to the conventional wisdom for just a second. Mm-hmm. Bernie was a bad candidate for the national election for a couple of reasons. One, he can't drive out minority voters, obviously true from these primaries. Yeah. Two, he is death for suburban women. Suburban women cannot stand Bernie. They still have families. They still are the soccer moms. They still do not want the old geriatric socialist. Trump is not great with suburban women. Joe Biden is pretty good with suburban women. He is better with minorities than Trump. So he can duplicate Hillary's performance, which means that those states are competitive and people don't despise Biden the way that they despise Hillary. No, nobody despises Biden. You don't. You voted for the guy. Well, I voted. <laughs> I, I mean, I actually went there and voted for Biden just to stop Bernie. It's. I mean, I'm registered as an independent anyway, so I had to actually. You know, you're not registering today, but I had to, you know, click something saying I'm a non something. But you didn't have to show an ID card, of course. I I voluntarily showed it. I honestly don't know that I had to show it, but I voluntarily. I mean, Drew, all I'm saying is that you may very well be right. The Republican Party is in great shape. I'm going to wait until right after the election to declare the Republican Party is in great shape. No, because, I, I, because no, the, data, the data ain't in. That's it. fair, and the, the future is always. Because 2018 unknown. didn't go great, I'm, right? I'm just, what's that? 2018 did not go great. 2018 was was this, this yeah, year has been unbelievable until that stock blip, which after all, you know, they're, they're panic and they're crazy. I mean, this is like, this is like not this is a flu. No, it's not play, about the flu. It's about systemic underlying issues in, in slow growth rates in the European economy that were finally made clear to investors when the entire sl- supply chain stopped. It has nothing to do, by the way, it, it doesn't have anything to do with Trump. And even the coronavirus was a triggering factor, but it's because China has a weak economy that has been based on debt. That's and right. it's because yeah. Europe has a very weak economy that's based on bad underlying policy. And if Trump thinks we're going to inflate our way out of this, he's incorrect. Okay, the Fed Reserve dropping a 50 basis points today. Yeah. Is and the giant, market went down. Of course it went down because the market looked at that and they said, oh, right. The, the, yeah. the market said, this is worse than we thought. If the Fed thinks that we have to drop this thing 50 basis points, that means that we're a little bit uneasy. Dave, where's your retirement? Well, I would just say that uh, to, to dumb it down just a tiny bit for the average folk, I would say that I think most people at this point think Trump likes America, and I think most people at this point think the Democrats don't. Mm-hmm. Biden obviously likes America, and he'll occasionally say Constitution, right. but, but he can't do it. He yeah. cannot do it. But he likes Imagine America. that guy in a debate with Trump at this point. Yeah. Th- this thing will not end well for them. So I'm, I think that I although I do think it will be Biden, I, I think who they people, choose as VP is way, way more important at this point because you're not really voting for Biden. You're voting for a placeholder. Yeah. And if the progressives can somehow extract VP from him, if, if Sanders can somehow do that, then we've complete, this whole thing was a sham in the first place. Well, if you think that was good commentary and... <laughs> You'd be the only one. <laughs> You'd be the only one. Head over to the Ruben Report it, and check out Dave's show. Buy his book. Burn this book. Uh, don't burn this book. Well, don't you can burn, burn this no, book. I would implore people to burn, burn it. it. That's the greatest thing. Yeah, they can buy another Please copy. Burn the hell out of this thing. Yeah, 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 I love it. On Earth Day, you could burn it. Yeah. Uh, head over to the Ruben Report, Dave. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, guys. I'm going to get you're my live streaming check. tonight. I'm, I'm on with Beck in ten minutes, uh, and then uh, live stream tonight at six o'clock. Get out. Dave, you already gave me the Wuhan, so good to see you. All right, see you guys. 
<laughs> Can he go? Somebody help him. Somebody help him. Let him release him from his bonds. There's, there's nowhere to go. I'll go. We've quarantined when, like The coronavirus is not the only threat out there. There are others. <laughs> That's a hell of a pitch. <laughs> For example, you should wear a seatbelt. You should get a flu shot. You should never look at your 401k, especially not this week. And you should buy Ring. Ring gives protection at every corner and helps you create custom, affordable security for your home. Ring's video doorbells let you answer the door and check in on your home anywhere, anytime. It's an amazing piece of technology. You guys have it. You know, I live currently, this is true, I live in a hotel. I am only able to see my home by way of Ring because I have flooded my house. You know what's great about this? No, seriously, I'm up all night. You know, I never sleep. Yeah. And instead of getting up with a baseball bat and walking around, because what yeah. good is yeah. that? You can actually look at this thing and say, oh, everything's fine. You know, I'm going not back to sleep because I never sleep. But at least I'm not worried anymore. Also, Los Angeles has turned into a bag of garbage. It's, it's bag just of, a yeah, giant yeah, yeah. bag of garbage. And that means that <laughs> they're... They, they, they're no, 100% agreement they, there. They, they're, they're lying about... Uh, it, by the way, like, the mayor will lie about the crime rates. Like, they just job the crime rates to pretend that everything is fine. Quality of life here is is horrible. And that means that there's a lot of crime, like a lot of breaking and entering, a lot of oh, yeah. a lot of local crime, people people doing stuff that, that they shouldn't be doing. The corner from me. You know, oh, really? this yeah. is why sweet little Elise is good with a gun, but when I'm on the road, <laughs> I'm glad that I have Ring so I can just check in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Ring.com, I've got Ring devices all over my property because not only am I paranoid, I'm paranoid for a reason. <laughs> Go check out <laughs> Ring.com. You can get a special offer on a Ring welcome kit when you go to Ring.com slash backstage. The welcome kit includes the Ring Video Doorbell 2 and Chime Pro. It's all you need to start building custom security for your home today. Head on over to ring.com slash backstage. That is ring.com slash backstage. Again, it lets you keep control of your property. You can finally see what's happening on your property and make sure that nothing nefarious is going on there, which, again, in this city is actually a useful thing. Ring.com, use that slash backstage and go check it out right now. So before we continue with uh, the predictions for the night, we actually have some hard data to share, and then we're going to take a few questions from the audience. We have some early states already calling. All of these are on the East Coast. Uh, It's going to be a long night because California is late, and it's... Obviously, Pacific time. Uh, but we can say now that Bernie is called as the winner in Vermont, Joe Biden in Alabama, North Carolina, and Virginia. So That's a big night for him. So far— uh, And by the way, blowing it out in Virginia. Blowing yeah. it out. Blowing and, it out. And this goes to your theory about the South. It's going to be a great night for Biden in the South. Yeah. 93% of the vote is in in Virginia. 54% for Joe Biden compared wow. to 23%. For some reason, okay, by the way, you know, bring up my predictions. Now I'm curious about how I did with the predictions. How did I do on the prediction on Virginia? Do we have the do we have the Virginia prediction up there, guys? Okay, because all right, so I underestimated Biden. I wow. had I had Bernie about where I had him, but I had Biden winning fifty three of the ninety nine delegates. That actually is not going to be far off. I had Bur- I had Biden at fifty at thirty five percent and Sanders at seventeen. I had Bloomberg at fifteen and Warren at eight. Instead, right now it looks as though it is Bloomberg at Warren at ten percent and Bloomberg not even charting yeah. in Virginia, wow. this, this, wow. which goes to my, I didn't believe in my own theory enough. I should have believed that Bloomberg <laughs> was basically DOA. You know Man, what? flushing $500 million dollars reason, directly down the toilet. Reason, my for some God. reason, black people don't like Bernie's plan where they do the work and a white man in a big white house takes all the money. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a big white house in three of them. Yeah. Let's hear from some of our Daily Wire subscribers over at dailywire.com. If you give us money, you get a above-average chance of getting a question answered. How's that for a pitch? <laughs> Alicia, what are we hearing? 
That's the best pitch I've heard you get no. in a real long time. Come on. <laughs> it could be a really long night, guys. So we'll be taking lots of subscriber questions. And this is a really good question. Do you think that the primaries are going to end today with a clear winner, or will Biden and Bernie have to duke it out for longer? Well, I think if, if the night is going to keep trending for Biden, as it looks like it will, then Biden is going to be the clear front runner. We saw, you know, if you look at just the, the real clear politics average before the Buttigieg and Klobuchar endorsement, it looked like Bernie was just going to clean up on everything. When you factor in the, the votes that were baked in for Klobuchar and Buttigieg, all of a sudden it completely flips. Biden is killing it. It looks like that's what's playing out right now. The thing about Bernie Sanders is he's not going to let this thing go. He is not going to say, well, Joe, you've got the clear path to the nomination. I kindly bow out. Goodbye, everybody. That's not Bernie Pretty Sanders. Yeah, I, was they, gonna, I was just going to say. I'm from yeah. New York. You know, know, actor, you know. They, already they already took my Chris Matthews from me. Unbelievable. <laughs> no, they took it from me. They took my Bernie from me, yeah, too. Got up in the morning, coming out of the show, coming in and I'll run by. I can't even use it anymore. I feel so you around. took my Bernie from me. You, can't, you cannot take my Bernie Sanders from me. Stop that. Stop taking my Bernie Sanders from me. Well, we're going to get that all the way to the convention because there's no way that this guy's leaving before them. Well, he didn't last time, right? I mean, he came in seconds, and then he was like, the superdelegates should save me from Hillary. <laughs> so now he was, uh, the problem is he went on record as, if I have the plurality, then I should I should take it, right? Yeah. So consistency being the hobgoblin <laughs> of little minds, he, he is obviously not going to stick he, with that. He also said that he would release his medical records, as I recall. Yeah. That, that is that accurate. before the heart attack. I, I don't, I don't, don't think, think this, is gonna, think this is going to be decisive tonight. I, to, yeah. to answer the, the viewer's question, I don't think this is going to be decisive. You don't think it's No, I think they're going to come out, I think they're going to come out around with the same number of delegates, maybe Biden even still a little bit behind, hmm. and I think that uh, Sanders is going to have a perfectly good reason. Remember, there's only a third of the delegates, right? So the, there's a perfectly good reason to stay in it if you're in the same trouble field. is it's a third of the pledged delegates but well, then you have another 16 percent of the super delegates all of whom are going to be for joe biden well you think all of them would be for joe biden but see this, bernie thinks he can walk into that convention yeah. and basically blackmail them into supporting him and i don't that's think true. that's true yep. and, and, I you do may, that, and you may be right i know you're an ultra ultra pessimist but you may be right milwaukee could be a genuine uh, it could be show. a disaster i mean it, because it is true that bernie's people are the most likely to just not vote for whoever is the, the non-Bernie. The best thing for the party, <laughs> the best thing for the party, and I don't mean our party, I mean their party, yeah. is for Biden to emerge as a clear frontrunner tonight because then all the momentum's going to shift behind him and he's going to end up with a plurality of the votes going into the convention. If he, if he ends the night tonight and Bernie is still ahead... It's going to be a hard slog, I think, all the way. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst thing for the There are not many southern states left. So there's right. Florida, where Biden will really outperform because Bernie has decided to embrace Castro. Which is, <laughs> yeah. So he's going to Florida with hey, Florida Democrats. And he's like, you know what I love? Cuba. You know what I hate? Israel. Really? It's like, oh, this is a winning strategy in Florida, <laughs> really? you moron. Really? And Literacy then, programs are bad? Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> I just, I just love that he loves Cuba and hates Israel. It's like, what <laughs> also, is wrong with you? Don't, just, doesn't America have a literacy program? <laughs> it's called well, schools. That, it's called school. Yeah. I, I, I do, uh, it, it is amazing how communist defenders will find a program that exists at, in every westernized country that is not communist and has been fine, completely successful and be like, wait, but Cuba had the great literacy. Yeah, like, so did everyone else. <laughs> yeah. like, what the hell are you talking about? It's My Jewish community has had 100% literacy for a couple thousand years. You know what they need to do? Murder the Kulaks. Elisha. Speaking of that really fun, potentially brokered convention, uh, <laughs> Daily Wire member wants to know, if you were to coin a slogan for the DNC, what would it be? If I were to coin a slogan for the DNC, what would it be? Help. I think. <laughs> please, please help me. I, I thought I thought Bernie's slogan should be "Stop me before I win more." That would be. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I've got a pretty good one. I think. Uh, Democrats, twenty twenty. You know the thing. 
You know, <laughs> you know the <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, the only thing that they can campaign on is Trump, and that will be the campaign, especially if by this goes back to the point I was making, a lot easier to make Trump the centerpiece of the campaign if Sanders is the nominee. If Sanders is the nominee, he's obviously the centerpiece of the campaign, an octogenarian communist who was completely jobless until the age of 39, yep. who knocked up a woman, not his wife, had a child, ran well, that woman was on welfare, and he was on unemployment for mayor of Burlington as part of the Liberty Union Party, calling for the nationalization of all major industry. If you make that guy the nominee, fairly certain that that'll probably be the issue. If, if Trump is the issue, then honestly, it's, it's, it's any, it is anybody's ballgame. Like, it's easy for us to sit here and say that this is Trump running away, but the fact is, this is a 50-50 country. It's been a 50-50 country for a long time, and and then the question is, can Trump beat? Will Trump beat Trump? Is is, is really the big the big question? But I, but Texas, I, by the way, tonight is going to be the other one that's that's big. If Bernie is able to show well in Texas, yeah. then he could have a big night, even if all these other southern states go toward Biden, because there isn't a heavy black population among Democrats in Texas. There is a heavy Latino population. The again, wisdom was that Bernie does well among Latino voters. Although apparently Biden has been very performing very well in Virginia among Latino voters, according to five thirty eight so far. So we do have a few states that we can call, and then we'll take a few more questions. Uh, Oklahoma has just been called, and for Joe Biden, I think we may be able to throw up a little bit of uh, information on the screen here. No? Okay. And Tennessee as well being called for Joe Biden. So right now, Joe Biden has six states in which he has emerged. Because here we go. Oklahoma, Ben, and you can compare this to your... Yeah, Oklahoma has Biden narrowly. These, These are early counts, though. Um, so the, these, uh, th- those, I be- so we will see, you know, how that actually ends up. I, I don't think that is the final count. The, the statistics not, I'm seeing are, are 25 to 21 right now for, uh, but, but that's very early on. I mean, this is like with 2% voting. Uh, uh, the assumption is obviously that Biden is going to continue to, to win that. I think that my assumption, this is not final count. Thank you guys. Yeah. This is about a 2% count thus far. I'd have to go back to my prediction to see what I actually predicted in Oklahoma. I think that I predicted a, a, like a 30 to 20 win. Well, you know, to you, that you will want to know before you make your final prediction. The race is actually over now. We've got breaking news. Kirsten Dunst has endorsed Bernie Sanders. <laughs> she chose Super Tuesday to announce it, so the race is over. We the one from, it. like, the cheerleading movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you remember from way back in no, the... No, she anyway. was in, like, a Fargo season, right? She's hot. She's good. I like her. I, I could, I, Calm I, down, I, who, who, Wait, who'd she... Uh, She's going to get fired from MSNBC <laughs> by morning. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed your career. He does always do it for me me in the green room. So, uh, yeah, I guess he's out. Another race being called right now. My prediction was 30-20 in Oklahoma, Biden over over Sanders. Another race being called right now, American Samoa and (laughs) Ben. Looks like Mike Bloomberg made a showing. I did not include Mike Bloomberg. I I did not include American Samoa in in the voting. The number of delegates in American Samoa is extremely low. Let me me see how many delegates it is. It's, It's like six delegates or something. Honestly, Michael Bloomberg should have just bought the yeah. island of American yeah. Samoa for five hundred million dollars. He certainly could have done so. Right? I, I, now I'm going to look up. I'm retire, doing right? it. I'm looking up the American Samoa GDP. Yeah. Okay, the American Samoa GDP, 2016, 658 million dollars. Oh, oh, the guy he could have literally it. bought the entire <laughs> island, and and he could have turned it into his personal fiefdom <laughs> and been king of American Samoa for the amount of money that he spent on winning those six there could be in American Samoa. Everybody could lick their fingers. No one could drink sodas. It'd be just like a, a complete paradise for me, Mike Bloomberg. And Tennessee. Can we see the, the numbers for Tennessee? It looks like they just... Uh, someone is calling here Tennessee for... 
Biden. Okay, if they're calling Tennessee for Biden, the latest results I've seen, it's about 25-24. Bloomberg actually showing pretty strong. But again, that's really early. It's with like 4% of the vote reported. So these percentages don't mean anything yet. What does mean something is that the people who are forecasting and looking at how people are performing in various areas of the state have called it for Biden. If they're calling it that early with 4% of the vote in, those ain't the final percentages. The final percentages are big wins for Joe Biden if they're calling it with 4% of the vote in. My prediction, by the way, in terms of Tennessee, was I had Biden walking away with the state with 40% to 16 for Bernie. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the poll average did have him up, but it had him up slightly. Again, I think Tennessee is an area, I I think across the South, people are rejecting Bernie Sanders' brand of socialism. I think they're not interested in it. And I think that the the exit polls, again, showed that a lot of people made up their mind. So it was interesting. It said something like three in 10 voters made up their mind in the last couple days of the election, almost all white. Okay, that is horrible news for Bernie Sanders because all the black voters were supporting Biden in the first place. If three in 10 made up their mind in the last 48 hours, that means a lot of votes kicking over to to Joe Biden. You know, you can't you can't think about what happened today in Nashville uh, without imagining that that has some major impact on how many people were able to make it to the polls today. Sure. Yeah. Well, by the way, uh, there is some Dallas County, Texas early voting that shows Biden beating Sanders in Dallas County, Texas. If Biden wins Mm. Texas, that's that's a very good night for Biden, especially if he wins with any sort of significant numbers. Massachusetts, apparently, like the very early vote, Biden is showing well in Massachusetts. He's showing, actually, in the, in the very early vote, Biden is actually topping well, both Sanders I, and Warren. I, I, thought, I thought Biden But that's too early. You did? I did really? be, wow. because that, I of the, coming, yeah. after Buttigieg and Klobuchar uh, dropped out, if you look at the polling averages, Biden all of a sudden jumps to the top of the fact. Yeah, so and, I like I said, a, and like I said, Warren was not there. She was off campaigning somewhere else. He yeah. thought like, she. I actually have a theory about Elizabeth Warren. It, it, it runs contrary to popular opinion, uh, and I want to share it. But first, I want to talk about our friends over at Raycon. Oh, I love Raycon. So, you know, I've only been reading ads for a short time now. You guys, seasoned professionals. And because there is a perk when you read ads, sometimes you get a little something in the mail from one of the advertisers. They want you to try out the product so that you can say how great it is. So like, I've seen you walking around wearing these Raycons. They look so cool. I've seen you walking around wearing Raycons. They look so cool. The only advertiser that sent me a free sample was Mike Bloomberg. (laughs) And and it was was American Samoas. Yeah, we walked around. We ate pizza. We licked our fingers. (laughs) It got a little weird. But what can you say? The the pay was there. Uh, But Raycon actually sent me a pair of these Raycons so that I could be as cool as you you guys. Oh, great, aren't they? The E25s. These are the greatest uh, (laughs) earpods that I have ever worn. And I'm going to just go ahead and admit that I was a little skeptical because I'm an Apple guy and everything's all apple apple this apple that well now that they're made in china it turns out you can't get (laughs) it i put in i put in these raycons unbelievable i'm i'm never going back they're so good it's a better fit Mm -hmm. it's a sleeker look the sound quality is terrific with raycon and the e25s you get six hours of of playtime seamless bluetooth pairing more bass and a more compact design that gives you a nice noise isolating fit and that is one of the amazing things when you're wearing them when you're listening to music they're not, I don't believe they're noise canceling, but they no, block out close. so much you of the. Children scream at me routinely, and it is a very useful thing to have noise canceling. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I listen. I listen to them when I hike, and the wind uh, it gets blocked out entirely, which can because I listen to audiobooks, and sometimes I can't even hear when I'm using the usual. The usual. That's fine. The usual. I, I can't. I can't hear anything with these. I just have, everything is crystal clear, oh, and, I love, and you don't look like an insect, which is a big thing. For me. <laughs> <laughs> don't look like an insect. Pick up a pair of Raycon E25s. Ben, you love them. 
They are fantastic. Not only are they fantastic, they fit your ear really well. They have yeah, a variety of fits, do. which is really useful. The, one of the differences in that and other forms is that it's not a one-size-fits-all. They actually send you a, like a, a card, and it has on it a bunch of different fits right. for your ear. comes in a variety of colors. They look really good. Get 15% off your order at buyraycon.com slash backstage. That is buyraycon.com slash backstage for 15% off Raycon wireless earbuds. B-U-I-R-A-Y-C-O-N.com slash Backstage, by Raycon.com slash backstage, get 15% off. 15% By the way, getting back to our uh, previous topic on the minority vote, there's an exit poll coming out of Virginia. Joe Biden apparently got 63% of the black vote compared to Bernie, who got 18. Absolute blowout. By the way, Massachusetts exit poll, Sanders 30, Biden 29, Warren 25. Wow. This brings me to my theory about Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren stayed in the race. Uh, when Pete Buttigieg dropped out, when Klobuchar dropped out, they all went down to Texas along with that one guy, you know, the, the guy with uh, the skateboard and was taking with the burger guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they endorsed Joe Biden. And someone, a conspiratorial friend of mine, said, you know, Warren is in on this too. The reason Warren isn't getting out is also to help Joe Biden because conventional wisdom is Elizabeth Warren has run to the left. Uh, she made that choice that Ben was talking about earlier, not to be the moderate candidate. She ran to the left, and she is leeching some support away from Bernie. Right. So the combination of the moderates all consolidating and Warren staying in gives Biden the clearest path that he has. I actually don't think conventional wisdom is right. Mm. I don't think anyone on the far left supports Elizabeth Warren. I think the only people in America who believe that Elizabeth Warren is a far left candidate are Republicans. And that's because it's just an easy thing for us to say socialist, socialist, and we get a lot of clicks on our websites and a lot of retweets on Twitter. The truth is, Elizabeth Warren's career has been a mostly moderate career, Democrat career. In other words, in the election, she said a lot of really left-wing things, but that's the reinvention of herself because she made a a conscious decision that she could run to the left and pick up the AOC contingency and the the leftovers from Bernie. But I think there is only one actual radical left-wing candidate and that's Bernie. And I think there's only one radical left-wing candidate from the perception of radical left-wingers. Are, are, and, you, are you saying that Elizabeth Warren might pretend to be something that she's <laughs> not? What? what you're saying? I think this is right. And one of the pieces no, of wait, evidence you, uh, that I... Do you think she's trying, she's trying to destroy Bernie? Is that what you're saying? But no, I'm saying that that was, a cons- that was one theory earlier. Yeah. I actually think that she thought that her lane was to the far left. Oh, yeah. I just don't think, yeah. I don't think it's true yeah. of her. And I don't think anybody on the far left bought it. When you look at the people who support her, it's Hollywood actors, yeah. Yeah. and it's Wall Street. And I think that's because when Wall Street started thinking Biden couldn't win, and they started panicking about Bernie, they, they actually knew. All this socialism talk from Warren is just that. It's just talk. She's posturing to win. But I think that all the actual socialists know it, too. I think they go, eh, Warren, it's all Bernie. So I actually, contrary to conventional wisdom, believe that if Warren got out today— the majority of her support is going to break for Biden. Biden. Yeah, I think that's right. I go to green rooms, you know, with some of these radical left-wing guys. And so I would bring up Elizabeth Warren. They all hate her. They really hate her. And they hate her as a fake who's taking away well, votes from For Bernie. the same reason they hate Pete Buttigieg, by the way. Yeah, Despise right. Pete Buttigieg. And, and the Warren people hate Bernie right back. I mean, they feel like she's the more intellectual Bernie. She's the person who knows what she's doing. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite possible that they don't move over to Bernie, even if Elizabeth Warren got out of the race. But, man, is she just the John Kasich of the Democratic Party. Oh, my God. You know I mean, she's, <laughs> she's just sticking around for no apparent reason. If she loses her home state, what a disaster. Well, if she her. loses her home state, she will drop out. She has to. I mean, yeah. she has no choice at that point. Texas is going to be a nail biter. Texas, Texas looks like it's going to be real close between Biden and wow. Bernie. Wow. New York Times is predicting that the night will finish with 
again, it's very early, but they are predicting that the night will finish with Joe Biden in a delegate lead of 583 to 580 oh, over wow. Bernie Sanders, oh, which is gosh. just nightmare Glory. scenario for the Democrats. It's yeah. actually the greatest thing. I, I mean, for me, it's a statistical tie. I hope they end up in a statistical tie at the convention. It would just be incredible. It would be the war of attrition, the hatred. Uh, yeah. You know, there's and a then, big question, though. Will, will Biden do better than people were predicting in California? I sort of think that he will, and but unfortunately, that's going to be the last state that we're getting into. Well, and one thing I will that, say, they, there they are a lot of rich people in California. In yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of wealthy people in California who like to talk, talk, but actually want to keep some of their money. That's right. So here are the latest results from Texas. Joe Biden at 25.62%. Bernie Sanders at 25.61%. <laughs> now, of course, nobody is, nobody's reporting yet. That's still very small. But, but Biden did do well in Dallas County, which is not where you would expect him to do well. The urban areas are, are sort of the areas where you would expect him to do a little more poorly because co- any college town, any, any place with young people, you'd expect him to do pretty poorly. Um, but, you know, again, my prediction thus far has held up that, that Biden is having himself a very good night. And honestly, like, it makes me happy for the country. It does. Because I don't. I hope most Democrats don't believe all of the insane communism that Bernie Sanders spouts. There are some exit polls showing that a majority of the Democrats voting in Texas and California have a favorable view towards socialism. But they, they said the same thing in North Carolina. And Joe Biden is blowing people out in North Carolina. Yeah, okay. And so what that really says is that people don't mind the word socialism. But when they actually look at Bernie Sanders, they're like, this guy is nuts. Well, they also think of socialism as not so- The socialism they're talking about is Denmark. not socialism. Right. They, they think it's Denmark Denmark. or Norway and, or something. And, and, and even actually, there, they don't even know what the hell is going on in Denmark what's going or Norway. On. They, they, if they understood they that, that, Nor- that, that yeah. Denmark was like 65% tax rates on everyone making 65 well, grand, they, yeah. they would have there a There may be one deal. other component to this, which is that millennials, even though they are the dominant voting demographic, still don't vote. They don't vote. They you don't know, I've been saying this for months, and I think it was born out in, in, in all those early states, especially New Hampshire drove this home to me. New Hampshire turnout for the Democratic primary was lower than 2016. And the youth vote, which is supposed to drive the big growth, was even lower. So it, it just seems to me they want to tweet, they want to scream, they want to make TikToks, but they're not actually showing up yeah. for their candidate. Yeah. Statement from Michael Bloomberg. Great, statement, a breaking statement from Michael Bloomberg. Quote, as the results come in, here is what is clear. No matter how many delegates we win tonight, we have done something no one else thought was possible. In just three months, we have gone from 1% in the polls to be a contender for the Democratic nomination. So we- I have some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's hear from a few more of our DailyWire.com subscribers. We're, we're here for the long haul tonight. We're not going to be able to do a discussion after the show for our all access members, as we usually like to do after one of these. But after four hours, tough luck, guys. <laughs> we'll have to find a time later in the week to join you guys. But we do, for that reason, want to take as many questions from our DailyWire.com members as possible. Alicia, what are you hearing? Yeah, we got a lot happening tonight. We will be here for the long haul. I will have to pump and dump, not because I'm drinking the fine bourbon that you are, but because of all the (laughs) caffeine that the baby cannot have. So, by the way, Tulsi Gabbard, good for her. I think my home state of Oklahoma gave her a delegate, which is more than Elizabeth Warren can say. Nice. And everyone wants to know, what are the guys' predictions for the House and Senate, along with which way the White House is going to go in 2020? if the election were held today? Well, I think that it's obviously a very tricky question because who the Democrat nominee is yep. is going to have a major impact on the down ticket races. If, if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, I think that it could be, it could be a complete blowout for, uh, for the Republicans. I think we could, yeah. we could take the House, we could take the Senate, we could retain the presidency. Joe Biden is a major threat to Donald Trump. I know that you guys don't think so. And obviously, I think Donald Trump can, can win. I I told Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump two years ago in the West Wing, I said, Joe Biden is the biggest threat out there. They said, really, Biden? I said, yes. It isn't because he's a gifted politician. It isn't because he's 
alive. Not, not showing <laughs> dementia. It isn't because he's living. <laughs> it's because with suburban housewives in particular, it's because with moderate personalities, it's because Clint Eastwood yeah. won't vote for Donald Trump. It's because there is a contingent of people in the country who are tired of all the winning if the winning yeah. means this complete chaos all the time. And what Biden promises is a return to when that nice Barack Obama was the president. Now, do I think Barack Obama was nice? No. Do I think that there was not that there was a lack of chaos during the Obama administration? Of course not. But one thing that Obama was really, really, really good at yeah. was standing there looking good and having a completely subservient media yeah. that to this day says there was not a single scandal during his administration. And so if you weren't politically engaged, that was just eight years of feeling good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody just felt nice. You know, and that I, I, Biden represents that. I disagree with you in fact, but I don't disagree with you in principle. <laughs> I mean, in other words, I think, I right this minute, I'm incredibly optimistic. Right this minute, I think Donald Trump, first of all, I think Donald Trump is doing a tremendous job. Yeah. Do I wish he would be quiet? I, I never talked, I, I was sitting the other day at a, uh, one of these events, I had to give a speech, and I was sitting with all these people who love Donald Trump, and they, they love him. And then every, every now and again, I would just say, you know, I sometimes wish he would shut up, and they would go, oh, yes, we all, I mean, everybody wishes he would shut up sometimes. Sometimes, However, but I don't know, they, the Mike Bloomberg stand-up routine, it's pretty good, I really like it. He's incredibly funny. I think people are beginning, you know, he is a New Yorker, and you and I have seen him from the start mm -hmm. and recognized him as somebody we knew. Mm -hmm. I mean, the two of us, you know, we knew who he was, we knew what he was talking about. The rest of the country is catching on to this, and he's doing a terrific job. He is doing yeah. the best job of any president I have seen since Reagan. It is an amazing, amazing performance from a guy who, like, I never expected Who it. would have predicted Who would have predicted it? But when you say I'll have you, what she's having. What? <laughs> when you say you, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> when you say you disagree, yeah. uh, because you're optimistic. No, well, I, I, I'm optimistic. I actually yeah. think that Donald Trump, it is Donald Trump's to lose. And yeah. what I agree with you on, on is that Biden, obviously Trump believes that Biden is the biggest threat. He has been playing for Bernie. He's playing to get Bernie in there. Yeah. Biden is really in trouble. Biden cannot speak and, and yeah. after a while, I mean, what, what's the guy, a meathead, the guy, uh, the producer, Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner. Yeah, he yeah. said, I looked at Joe Biden and I saw a president. <laughs> I thought, yeah, dead president. <laughs> In the 1890s. You know, if you look at all the presidential races in recent memory, the, the more, charismatic, more charismatic candidate always Since wins Kennedy every Nixon. time. Yeah. And I think this is only truer in the age of TV, mass media, new media, everything. If you put Donald Trump on a stage with Joe Biden, I agree with you entirely. There are a lot of people who are pissed off and they wish Donald Trump would shut up and all yep. of that. But nobody wants to see a season of Joe Biden. They want to see season two of this Trump reality show. Or so, they want to see season three of Barack Obama. Right. I mean, or they don't want to see season two I, I, Trump. See, I mean, like, yeah. again, listen, I want the guy to win. I'm going to vote for him. I'm not going to vote for Joe Biden. I wouldn't. I would never. I'm not voting Democrat. I will vote for Trump. I want Trump to win. I want Trump to skunk Joe Biden because despite all of the talk about how moderate Joe Biden is, he's not actually moderate and yeah, he's not close to moderate. He doesn't believe okay, it. Okay, we all, we, all, we all understand this. He said he wanted Beto O'Rourke to run his guns program for God's <laughs> oh, yeah. sake last night. So, like, we're all on the same page on this. But just in terms of election analysis, he is, Trump is going in with a, with a 7 to 10 point deficit against Joe Biden nationally. Nah, that, that doesn't mean... Fox News poll, poll yesterday, that, Biden 49, Trump 41. That, that poll means... Yahoo News YouGov poll the day huh. before, Biden 50, Trump 41. There is not a poll nationally in which Trump surpasses 42% when people for a year. Polls, they all say the same thing. The poll doesn't mean anything but. There is no but. There is no but. The poll doesn't mean anything. Look, we got four people here, two of whom didn't vote for Trump but will. 
Okay, yeah. that's fifty percent. There is no. There, there's no question that there's going to be a coming home effect. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people who didn't vote for Trump in the last election. Who, but is that enough to close a three million person popular vote? So let's put it this way: against Bernie Sanders, I think Trump had a shot of winning the popular vote. Against Joe Biden, I think there's almost no shot he wins the popular I'm, vote. I'm not sure. I think I agree. that uh, no, I, the other thing about also the, the map the map for the map for Biden is much broader than the map was for Sanders. So the map for Sanders mm-hmm. was basically Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan. He had to win those. Biden will play in Florida. He will. He'll play in Arizona. He'll play in Georgia. He'll play in a lot of the states that, that he opens up the map a little bit more for no, the Democrats. He, he does. That, he's he's going to uh, lose the Bernie bros. I think I don't think they'll show up. For him. Uh, I think that's right. But again, for the, the big problem for Republicans in 2018 is Republicans did show up and so did suburban women. And Republicans got skunked. So that's right. it's so the, the, what we need right now, if you want Trump to win, you need two things. One, I, I've said it a thousand times. You've said it. We're all saying it. He does need. I'm, I'm not saying I want him to show discipline. He needs to show discipline for the good of his campaign and the good of his country. He needs to actually show some discipline. Now, do I have a lot of hope he's going to? No, but he does need to show that if he wants to make anyone feel sanguine. He doesn't need to show 100% discipline. No, just like like take it down from a spinal tap 11 to like an 8. That's it. Okay, but he needs to do that. And also, he does need a solid economy that does not go into a skid. Okay, and he has pegged his hopes to the stock market. I mean, he's been shouting about the stock market since the first day he got in office, and rightly so. So when the stock market takes a 10% dump in a week, even if it, like yesterday, a big day, today, very bad day, right? Jumped 1,200 points yesterday, it was down 700 points today. No one's been able to sort of price in the uncertainty in the stock market. And again, it's unfortunate truth that every eight to 10 years in this country, there is a recession, right? I mean, every, literally every eight to 10 years in this country, there, there is there a recession. We're overdue. If, if, if Obama had not sat on the economy so This is bad, right. That's, that's of course right. He delayed the effect of the recession breaking in because the economy didn't grow fast enough under Barack Obama. So there has been this, and that won't be Trump's fault, obviously. I'm not blaming Trump for anything I, I that's happening it, with I the economy. I, I just think, I think that... Like, run a good campaign is all I'm saying. Just run a good campaign. Well, you know, he runs, he runs a different campaign. That's the first thing. You know, he does. He runs a different campaign. He can still win without a, the popular vote. I think he's going to get the popular vote. And I think one of the things I've been saying for a long time is I think a lot of black people are going to vote for him. They may lie up until the moment they, they may I think a lot of black people polls. would vote for him if Sanders were the nominee. I think it will be hard to overcome Biden. And I think if Biden is the nominee, that it's actually mathematically virtually impossible for Trump to win the popular vote because California just has so many people and New York has so many people. And that doesn't, that doesn't change the electoral math, but at 100... First of all, I don't even like this term popular vote. There is no national that's popular vote. Right. That's, that's, that's a good point, a, too. Yeah, it's a non-existent a phenomenon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to think that more Americans will vote for Trump than would vote for and Biden, I think is wishful thinking. Other, I don't think it's the, possible. The other thing you guys leave out is that, like, there is turkey on people's table. There is food on yeah. people's table. There no, are yeah, people I, with jobs. I agree with that. that but I, just, I literally just said this. Yeah. But, it, but the turkey starts to leave the table if it gets up and walks off the table. Yeah. <laughs> you got a problem. And I'm not talking about, like, if I'm not talking about a full-on recession. I'm talking about if the growth rate is 1%, then people are going, because Trump Trump has made, Trump made the same error that I think to a certain extent George W. Bush made, which was, and that Bill Clinton never made. Okay, just politically speaking, always soft pedal exactly how well you think things are going to go. Trump was saying 3%, 4%. Correct, Trump was saying 4%, 5%. It's very easy for Joe Biden to cut an ad with Trump saying it's going to be 5%, it's going to be 4%, it's going to be 6%, we're going to, and then it's like, I, 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 disagree. I disagree with this because, A, I don't think ads mean anything in yeah. the era of Trump. <laughs> and, B, I think, I don't think people feel growth that quickly. I that's think, that, that's my I think that if they're, if the news is the collapse of the economy, Trump is boned. If, Correct. If there's, a, if there's a massive economic event, if there's a 2008-level economic crisis, which yeah. we're in the middle of, I think this is a blip because I think corona is nothing. I think it's taking all the Democrats' power mm-hmm. to make corona into something because they, they know this is Trump's Achilles heel. But— it is funny. 
the, this is the worst uh, financial moment we've been in since 2018 when we were in an election, which was the worst one since 2008, which is the last time that it would have been viable, that it would have been uh, beneficial to the Democrats to push us into one. I think they're going to use all of their power to hurt Trump. If this happens one week before the election, he's, he's I mean, uh, the, the stock market drops 10 markets. I, I think this and coronavirus, if Biden is the nominee. And if Biden the, is the, the nominee. other thing is that I think this coronavirus is going to be really, really bad for the Democrats. They look awful. They have covered themselves in dreck. I mean, they they really have gotten out there. You know, I mean, when, whenever you hear Chuck Todd say, what do you mean the Democrats are using the coronavirus? You know that they are using the coronavirus <laughs> politically. Course. And I think that that has, is disgusting. Now, how many people pay attention to that? I don't know. I think what people do pay attention to is they pay attention to food on the table. They pay attention to the dignity of a job. They pay attention to the fact, the unbelievable fact that for the first time in three years, the suicide rate is down. That was the Obama yeah. suicide rate. That was, a, that was the globalization suicide rate. And, and Trump has turned that around. Well, the, the one, that, the one that's area something where, people feel in their lives. The, the one area where Trump is going to be effective, and obviously this is true because it really did hurt Joe Biden in the early polling, is he's going to hammer the Hunter Biden stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's well, going you to saw just the, oh, yeah. hammer the Hunter Biden They're stuff. already reopening this. You know, uh, during impeachment, they said, we're going to call Hunter Biden before the Senate. We're going to investigate him. And then everybody knew the minute Trump gets acquitted, they're not going to actually follow up on the investigations. Well, all of a sudden, Joe Biden wins South Carolina, and look what people are talking about yeah. again. They're going to investigate Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden, who, the, the left, they just can't help themselves, run a major piece in the New York Times covering his art studio that he's opened up to paint with a Porsche in the garage, 12 grand a month to pay, a new wife, a new kid on the way, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Doesn't and and good. by the way, is, is the new wife having the new kid? Just never, to, nevertheless, just there are two new kids. <laughs> nevertheless, <laughs> if Joe Biden is the, if anybody's the nominee, they can win. If Joe Biden is the nominee, Trump has a real problem. And if Joe Biden is the nominee, I don't believe Trump can win the popular vote. Although I do think he can still win the presidency. Also, I'm not sure that any person running as a Democrat besides Bernie Sanders will actually get on a debate stage with Donald Trump. Hmm. I think what we're going to, we're going to get to the fall and they're all going to say, I'm not going to validate his presidency by standing then, then on a debate stage. They'll, they'll lose. lose Joe Biden yeah, would I, look so well. I don't, think, I don't think that. they'll do that, but I think that, that Joe Biden, he, here's the one, so he has one significant disadvantage in a debate with Donald Trump, and that is that Donald Trump in a debate is just a WWE, oh, pick up the chair and smack somebody in the face yeah. guy, right? That, that, that is what he is. He will, he will go up there, he will say, Hunter Biden is corrupt, Joe Biden will say he's not corrupt. And I'll say, well, of course you would say that because he's your son, right? I mean, like, that, 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 that's exactly what he will do. Yeah. The, the one thing that could look bad, and it's, it's so weird, it's such a weird dynamic, because Biden is senile and old and doddering, if Trump looks like he is stomping him, like curb stomping him, it, it might not actually be great for him. Like, if you, if you look too mean in debate, if you look like too mean in debate, it actually can hurt. Now, now Trump, for that may be baked into the cake already. Yeah. But, every, but in, in the primary debates, you see, one, the ones who go on attack too much or are really, really attack dogs, like Warren, it didn't help her polling at all. If people have a generally warm view of Biden and then Trump is really mean to him, yeah. then it actually could could cut against it's him. Like so the it's Rubio, kind of hard It's to like the Rubio Christie murder-suicide pact from 2016. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of things that people are worried about out there. There is a, there is a disease that is at work in the world uh, that we should take very, very seriously. Uh, it's the flu. Mm -hmm. And the flu is bad. You should get a flu shot yeah. and you should wash your hands. Obviously, there's this other one that I'm not that worried about, but maybe your mileage will vary, and it's the coronavirus. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's a good reminder anytime that there's uh, talk about, uh, uh, about horrible diseases or horrible tragedies like the one that happened in Nashville uh, last night. It's a good reminder that we all need life insurance. I went over to Policy Genius just this week. 
I have, guys, the, the insurance policy that I carry on Ben is, <laughs> it is life-changing. If, if I ever cross Jeremy, <laughs> chances of my death are so unbelievably high. But what it occurred to me is that while I would profit greatly from the death of Ben Shapiro, yeah. I would As lose, who wouldn't, right? Yeah. I would lose money if my wife were to die. <laughs> so I thought, well, I gotta get a life insurance policy on her. So I went over to Policy Genius. This is actually true. I also looked at getting one on me for her, but that's not as funny. I went over to Policy Murray and Double Indemnity yeah. for her hair. I went over to PolicyGenius.com. Um, it's an unbelievable service. Uh, we have an insurance broker with our business, yeah. and I asked uh, our, our office ops people to have them price out life insurance for me because I actually wanted to put Policy Genius to the test. I went to Policy Genius, put in all my information. Within seconds, I had quotes coming back to me for life insurance policies. Two weeks later, I got a report from our company broker with their rates. It took two weeks to get them. They were printed on paper. You, know, you had to pull the perforated edges <laughs> off the end of the dot matrix printing. And the rates were worse. Really? <laughs> Policy, yes, it's, I'm absolutely telling the truth. Policy Genius, within seconds, gave me better rates than I was able to get from our uh, insurance broker with complete ease, with complete simplicity. It was an unbelievable thing. Wow. Now, if anyone close to me dies, I am going to <laughs> clean up World Bank. But also, if you're a responsible adult and you're the person who dies, make sure that your family has left with enough money <laughs> to actually handle your funeral expenses. Nobody knows what's around the corner. It could be a truck, could be an anvil, could be coronavirus. Nobody actually knows. And this is why you need PolicyGenius.com. Everybody gets the future wrong. Just look at how I bet in 2016. Better get life insurance right and insure against the only real inevitability, which is death. So go check out PolicyGenius.com right now and competitively shop for a policy that is definitely going to pay off at some point down the line. <laughs> for someone. The only good for someone. We're, we're getting a Super Tuesday exit poll just comes out from NBC. This is on voter age, the test of the Bernie bros and the yeah, yeah, millennials yeah. and Gen Z. Uh, 65 plus, 29%. 45 to 64, 35%. That's the biggest number. 30 to 44 is 23%. And then those young voters, 18 to 29 Way down there at 13%. Wow. Of course. Just wow. not showing Of course, because it's always stupid bull crap. There's, there's yep. always... Everybody who does this ridiculous... Yeah. The youth will do that for me. They're going to cut out in the record numbers for an old geriatric man who's spouting crap from the 1930s. He learned at CUNY. And, and then like, by the time they vote, they're smarter. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They never so, show up. They're always like, oh, the young voters... Are gonna, it's going to be a youth wave. Yeah. A youth Rock wave. vote. Vote or die. Yeah, here's, here's I remember the, I, they, I, remember I gave a speech for, for Vote for Die, by the way. I, at one Did time... really? Oh, yeah. This no. was like... Yeah, this is back... 2012, maybe? So they had me speak at University of Michigan, I think. Like, but really north, like University of Michigan on the border with Canada. Yeah. And they were, and it was a it was a vote or die event. And I remember I started off by saying, I don't think any of you should vote. And they were like, <laughs> <laughs> You're saying we should die? Is that, and, yeah. and, and somebody was like, Why? I was like, because you're stupid and you don't know what you're talking about, and you shouldn't vote. You should stay home until you learn things. And yeah, the voter die was like or, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vote, vote or learn. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we have some early numbers coming in from Texas. Obviously, these are still Tejas. very early, but I want to look at the Mexicans say it according to Michael Bloomberg. But they Did are. You see this? No, Michael Bloomberg was walking around Tejas, with 128 yeah. campaign staffers in, in Texas. And somebody says to him, Texas, he goes, you mean Tejas? Yeah. They, she uh, said, what? What did you say? Te what? And he's like, Tejas. It's how you say it in Spanish. Tejas. <laughs> no, that's not a thing. Yeah. He buys all his friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, Listen, I'm a good friend. <laughs> I will never say a negative word about my good friend. No, so let's hurt. look at these early numbers out of Texas. They're kind of surprising, and obviously this is early, and things could change. But right now, uh, the early the early results are in, and they're showing Bernie Sanders significantly up mm. over Joe Biden in Texas. That's very I early. Also, a lot of the a lot of the early breaking voter numbers are including the early votes. 
It's already been tabulated. And so those have been cut very heavily for for Sanders. You've seen this early on in most of the states, this sort of of early lead. And so you should take all of the early numbers knowing that Biden's surge is going to be late in the the count. And that has happened in literally every state. As the state's counts accrues, Biden is going up in, in every state. So Tennessee is a great example. Early What's on like in the Tennessee? night, Well, Tennessee right now, 21% of the vote is in. Biden is up 28 to 24. They called that early on in the night. They called it when it appeared that it was dead even, right? So right. everybody was recognizing that, that Biden was, was so from our from our delegate uh, our delegate room, we have a whole thing set up. It's like Fox News, except that if I were to stand up and walk the way Megyn <laughs> Kelly used to, if someone were to follow me with a camera, we'd trip over things in the dark. We'd have to go to the next <laughs> but we do have some guys over keeping us up to date on these numbers. Uh, and in Tennessee, we're seeing Biden at 25, uh, Sanders 24. So to Ben's point, yeah, Biden's starting to pull away in Tennessee. And we have updated numbers for Oklahoma, too, I believe, which are— uh, You know, it's interesting to look at in Texas before the Buttigieg, all that stuff came out. Uh, the poll averages did have Biden—or did have Bernie, rather, up in Texas. Uh, so that might bear out. Look at this. Ben, to your point— Boom. Biden I'll, really surging yeah, now in Oklahoma. I, call, I called this one. I said 30 to 20 in Oklahoma for, for Biden. So yeah. a few of these I hit spot on. And if Bloomberg stays above 15%, that's actually bad for Biden in the long run, meaning we can all look forward to all of those voters eventually breaking breaking Biden, yeah? Yeah, and the, the conventional wisdom right now, emerging from 538 from New York Times, is that Biden is going to emerge from this thing with a slight lead, which is, which is an amazing— Unbelievable. I mean, uh, we, we should note that that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it really is. Like, to—this to, to, is the first candidacy of my lifetime where a candidate has declared a firewall and, and it held. And me too. Yeah. yeah, I was really surprised. I always say, you know, the guy who waits for the firewall is just going to get Rudy Giuliani, screwed. right? The Florida yeah, that, firewall. That, exactly. And then but, you had Hillary with her blue but wall. No, this actually did work. Right. They, and I don't even know if it was the, down the to him five, or the fact that he was up against five, Bernie. The 5 5 two, one strategy was apparently excellent. Yeah. 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 The, you know, one week ago, Bernie Sa- or Joe Biden rather, was dead both figuratively and literally. And now he is only dead literally. <laughs> figuratively, he's doing it. Right. <laughs> it, it, does, it does tell you something, though. This is what I call the one-run rule. If you watch baseball and a team is one run ahead and you look in their dugout, they're happy, they're talking. The other team is down and depressed. That's one swing of the bat. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean anything. So those first three primaries were tiny little primaries. And well, also the demographics was, were wildly and different. everybody right? was just calling this. I mean, the there were no black over. voters anywhere yeah, in those first exactly. three states. That's that too. Yeah. I mean, there, there, there were less black voters than in like the MSNBC back room yeah. Over, yeah. over there. Yeah. But listen, I, Ben, you talked about this this morning. I actually think that we have to give the Democrats some credit here. Mm-hmm. The Uh-oh, Republican great. Party <laughs> is not capable of doing what the, Republic, what the Democrat Party did in the last 48 hours. They identified a threat to their order. Mm-hmm. And they took immediate yeah. concerted action, which required them to break probably the egos of several of their candidates. And maybe the kneecaps of some of them. Yeah. And maybe the kneecaps. And they forced the consolidation, yeah. which the Republicans were incapable no. of doing. Well, in we, we, should, we should be incapable of it. That's not our brand. Yeah, That's not what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to actually be responsive to the people. And the people wanted got what they wanted. And uh, That's not true. Yeah. This, is, this is actually no, a you place. Think it's not true. No, no, no. It's this true. is a place where I actually think... <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys are just wrong as a matter of fact. When you are the front runner in your party's uh, primary election and you have the, you have, not the majority, but you have the most Morality. support, you are therefore the front runner, the election becomes a referendum on you. Right. If you get a plurality of the vote, but not a majority of the vote, that means that the majority of the people specifically did not want you. It does not mean. That, no, wait, wait, wait. It doesn't mean that, though. It does. I mean, no, it means it means the majority wanted somebody else more, no. but it doesn't mean they didn't want you. No, you that's what it, that, the second th- choice. This is the mistake. This is the mistake. The front runner becomes a referendum on the front runner. 
the fact that there are multiple other choice choices to oppose the front runner keeps the the anti front runner vote from ever consolidating. Does it though? But couldn't you just say like, huh? I, I don't really like that yeah. front runner. I prefer the second person. But if you know, if this person loses, yeah. I'd take the front. I think runner. that's the way people think. I no. think that's how yeah. people. No, think. because this is where this is why if. If Marco Rubio had gotten out before Super Tuesday, if John Kasich, but in particular Marco Rubio had gotten out before Super Tuesday, Donald Trump almost certainly would not have gotten the nomination. Now, if you want to say that by November, only Trump could have defeated Hillary, that's a completely different conversation. No, 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 that that is a different conversation. But I also think these conversations, I hate these political conversations where we say if so-and-so had done that, because each person is playing the field that he's got. And so each person is playing the game that he plays. But But you're making a defense of Trump his strategy to win. No. I'm not talking about no, that. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not only saying no, that the, no, no. the wisdom you're just that saying says, you can't, you couldn't well, predict out. If, if the front runner yeah. has a plurality and not a majority, like, that means he lost. It's like it's like I, when the so Democrats I, I say they, they, it's like when the Democrats say he didn't win the popular vote. He wasn't running for the popular. Okay, vote. But that, no, I'm not no, talking no, no, about no, that's that. not that's not what he's saying. That is not what I'm talking. What Jeremy is saying is he's actually making the argument that Democrats were making about Bernie Sanders winning a plurality of the delegates but not a majority. That if he finishes with 1,600 delegates and Biden finishes with 1,500, that does not mean that Bernie Sanders ought to win the nomination. It right. actually because means that Bernie Sanders should majority. win the nomination. Right. Right? And so, the, and so the, the case that Jeremy is making is that if you win a plurality, that, that means that most of the population actually did not want you to be the nominee. That doesn't mean you're not the winner. You won. I you mean, won. the process is the process. Right. But right. it means that to say that a majority of the people wanted this candidate is factually untrue because the votes are the votes. Yeah. A, a majority of people did not want that candidate. But again, but the, again the, the, actual each- problem, the actual problem for Republicans, by the way, was a systemic one, less a... Like, more I think about it, I, I do admire the discipline of the Democrats. They, they are a more disciplined party. They just are. But the, I will say that the, the advantage Democrats had here is that because Biden did so well in South Carolina yeah. and because there was no actual front-running challenger to Trump in quite the same way, mm-hmm. right? like Rubio had, had outperformed Cruz in New Hampshire, for example. Uh, so Cruz wins Iowa. And then Cruz finishes fourth in New Hampshire, I believe. Uh, and then... Cruz won South Carolina. Cruz won did, South did Carolina. Not. So Cruz, Cruz won South Carolina. And then we hit Super Tuesday. And at that point, if you're Rubio, you would have this surge where you finished third in Iowa. You finished second, I believe, in New Hampshire. And so there was this case that you were still competitive. So it was, it was really a fascinating sort of, of mathematics there. And also, again, by the time Super Tuesday was over, because it was all winner-take-all states, the election was over, basically. You know who might have an opinion about this? I, I feel like we might know somebody. <laughs> it's Michael Knowles' friend, Senator Ted Cruz. Oh, hey, Senator. Hey. How's it going? How you doing, <laughs> Good to see you. Gentlemen, it, it is great to be with you as, as we toast the demise <laughs> of Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> and Elizabeth Warren. I mean, that's that's an odd toast. If I had <laughs> Michael and Elizabeth. If I had a 32-ounce soda. socialize the universe in peace. <laughs> we had 32-ounce sodas and some no, pow wow chow. <laughs> Senator, I don't know if you followed. It looks like Bloomberg's going to pick up American Samoa. So it's not over yet. He's still... Look, look and, and all you have to do is send a million dollars to each and every voter in America <laughs> and you too can win. And I got to say, so I just listened to the last 30 seconds and Ben, I love you, but I do got to correct you. No, Marco Rubio did not beat me in New Hampshire. He took fifth place in New Hampshire. Oh, you're right, because I forgot Christy killed him. Yeah. You remember Christy like did the drive-by shooting where he was a mob hit. By the way, I was standing next to Christy on that debate stage. When, when Christie leans in and begins pounding 
and, and then Marco comes back with the same robotic statement. And I got to admit, all the rest of us just sort of stepped back and said, Chris, go right ahead. We'll, we'll just read the paper. We'll be back in a couple minutes. <laughs> did anyone ever do more for less than Chris Christie did? So by the way, we had a Chris Christie moment in the first Democratic debate with Bloomberg when Elizabeth Warren just filleted Bloomberg. I mean, just carved his liver out and served it with fava beans for dinner every time. <laughs> yeah, performed the ceremonial 2016 Christie Christy Rubio murder-suicide. Yeah. It is ceremonial. And I looked at yeah. it, it was exactly that. It took, it took Warren out, but it took Bloomberg out too, and this is in many ways the, the fruition yeah. of that. Sen- Senator, can I ask you what, you what you're seeing down the line now? As you're looking at the results come in, what are you looking at in terms of the, uh, the end game? Look, it sure looks like it is shaping up to a one-on-one battle between, between Biden and Sanders. Um, I still think Sanders is in the stronger position. I, I, mm. I've said for a long time, Sanders is where the heart of the Democratic Party is. Mm. They are angry. They are marching with, with, with pitchforks and torches. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, um, you know, I don't know if you, did y'all start the show like, like playing the theme song from The Empire Strikes Back? <laughs> and like, you know, the degree to which the Democratic establishment in the last 24 hours yes. has yep. come oh, yeah. and just unified. By the way, so-called moderate Joe Biden has now put Beto O'Rourke yep. as in, am right, we're going to take your guns in yep. charge of gun policy. That, and, that'll be interesting in the and general And we're only election. hours away from him putting Eric Swalwell in charge of our natural gas policy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a low glow. <laughs> so, Senator, I, I want to ask you, you know, looking forward to the general election, who do you think would be a more durable candidate against President Trump? Obviously, the, the Trump administration seems to believe that, that Biden will be more durable, which is why President Trump is tweeting at Bernie Sanders that Bernie Sanders is being cooed out of the nomination. <laughs> <laughs> Trump trying to use reverse psychology on the Bernie Sanders supporters, which is really fun. But uh, who, who do you think is a more durable candidate, given that one is an octogenarian communist and the other is not alive? <laughs> which is which again? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, uh, the best thing, I think, for the president and for Republicans is ongoing chaos. And, mm-hmm. and so is, is the Democratic Party just slicing themselves apart? I don't know if you saw, uh, you know, the Democratic candidate for Senate in Arizona, Mark Kelly, is running against Martha McSally, endorsed Biden. So I had some fun tweeting that apparently Mark Kelly doesn't want the votes of any Bernie brothers. <laughs> um, you know, this puts all the Democrats in an awkward position. Mm. Um, conventional wisdom is that Biden is the formi- more formidable candidate. I'm not sure. Maybe that's right. Um, mm. Maybe not. Look, Bernie is dangerous in that, in that he has the potential to energize a whole lot of people who wouldn't show up otherwise. And if Bernie loses, I think some of his hardcore supporters may be so pissed off they don't show up and vote at all. So, so I know a lot of Republicans and conservatives are, are eager. We want Bernie to be the nominee. Mm. 
that's all fine and good if he loses, but God forbid the guy wins, the damage that, that would be done to the country would be truly terrifying. Senator, you know, in, in 1980, we saw that unity ticket on the Republican side. You had the conservative Ronald Reagan. You had the more establishment George Bush. Now, obviously, if that happened in a Bernie Sanders ticket, there would be no reliable vice president because they're both almost 80 years old. But do you <laughs> see, would it be possible, regardless of who wins, that, the, that if Biden wins, he picks a far-left progressive as the VP or vice versa? versus if Bernie gets it, that you could see a more establishment person to, to unify the ticket? Look, you could easily see that, and you can see some of the math. I mean, you, you, you could see Biden. I don't think it would surprise anyone to see, say, a Kamala Harris added to the <sighs> ticket. Um, <sighs> and, and, and that would be a, a serious ticket. Listen, one of the reasons that Hillary lost is, is that African-American turnout was not as high as it historically has been. Uh, so I think any Democrat looking at, at, at a VP pick, um, there is a strong attraction to finding someone who's going to energize the African-American turnout. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Stacey Abrams you know, you, for Sanders, probably. I, I think Sanders, it would be Stacey Abrams, mostly because wow. I don't think wow. I don't think Biden would pick Kamala. I think the same math works, but also personalities, they've got to get along. And, and I'd, I'd be surprised if if Bernie rather picked Kamala. Yeah. yeah. Although, although it'll be interesting to see what the Biden, what the Biden Kamala Harris ticket looks like in their policy on, bu on forced busing. <laughs> Talk about bringing the 80s back, yeah. <laughs> Senator, well, you know, what they're going to do is they're going to bus voters to the polls. That's, that's, <laughs> that's guaranteed. So, Senator, you have a unique perspective because of the people who are on the ballot tonight. You personally know and have worked with many of them. Joe Biden was president of the Senate when you were yep. elected to the Senate. Obviously, Elizabeth Warren is one of your colleagues in the Senate, Bernie Sanders, is up there on Capitol Hill with you guys. What do you, uh, what do you make of these three individuals? I mean, we don't we don't know them. We only know them as these sort of figures who we either fear or despise, or uh, but or you know mostly them as despise. Yeah. Mostly <laughs> despise. So look, on a personal level, actually, a lot of the kind of public impressions are are pretty accurate. So so Biden is a, a <laughs> Biden is is an affable guy. I mean, I mean, it's hard to dislike Joe. I mean, he he's um, I, I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'm certainly the only person in this discussion who, who's ever received a, a, a Joe Biden back rub. <laughs> How was it? And so, so it was during, if you remember 2013, we had the battles on gun control. Yeah. And, and Joe Biden came to the Senate floor because you had Dianne Feinstein, you had all the Democrats pushing gun control proposals. And Joe Biden as vice president was ready to, to gavel in this historic victory for gun control, and, and we ended up beating all of their proposals that undermine the Second Amendment. One of the leading proposals was was being pushed by Joe Manchin, Democrat from West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And and Joe and I get along very well. Joe, actually, Manchin, like Biden, they're both nice, affable. It's hard to dislike them as people. And so I went over to talk to Manchin, and I was just telling him, I said, look, I disagree with you on this proposal. But I was commending Manchin. I said, look, thank you for the way you're arguing this. You're not demonizing. You're not vilifying your, your opponents. You're making an argument on policy grounds, and you're letting people disagree with you on policy grounds. And as I'm saying that, I'm talking to, to Manchin. I'm on the Democratic side of the aisle, and Biden comes behind me, <laughs> and he puts both hands on my shoulders. He begins rubbing my shoulders and rocking back and forth. <laughs> And I got to admit, I'm I'm a freshman senator. I've been there like uh, I don't know a few months, and I'm sort of like, dude, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and Biden turns to Manchin and and says, Joe, there's nothing worse 
than a smart Republican. <laughs> and I was just like, uh, thank you, I guess. Sort of, so, you know, with that said, I mean, the, fa- the fact that Biden is affable, I mean, that, that does cut in his benefit in a general election, obviously. Likeability yeah. matters an awful lot. Bernie is not likable. Elizabeth Warren is, is unliked by members of all the races to which she claims heritage. <laughs> so let's... <laughs> so. He's not done yet. <laughs> yeah. She said she's not dropping out. She Did said she she's really? no, yeah. She yeah. said she, she's never dropping out. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Never. Not until there's a DNA to prove other tests. <laughs> <laughs> and even then, she's won one one point one thousand twenty four yeah, delegates. What is Elizabeth Warren like? Um, so she got elected the same time I did. We both yeah. were elected in twenty twelve. We we were freshmen together. Uh, look, Elizabeth is pretty strident. I mean, she doesn't she doesn't hang out with she doesn't hang out with Democrats. She doesn't hang out with Republicans. Mm. She's she's a true believer, and she's. Mm. She's pretty strident. She's pretty in your face. Bernie, listen, Larry David does the best political impersonation <laughs> oh, I've ever seen in the history of politics. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, I told Bernie once at the elevator in the Capitol, I said, Bernie, Larry David does a better Bernie than you do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Bernie is kind of that, like, gruff old guy yelling at the neighborhood kid, get off my lawn! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, Except he doesn't own the lawn. It's been collectivized. <laughs> well, there is. Well, he actually owns three lawns. <laughs> but it's so you remember back in 2017 where I did three different CNN town yeah. hall debates with mm-hmm. Bernie. Yep. After everyone, Bernie would leave. Like I'd stick around with the college. We did them at like like GW College. The kids would be there. I'd stick around and take pictures with the kids and talk with the kids. And like I'd take pictures with the Bernie kids because Bernie had left. And just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a great SNL skit uh, back in 2016 of, of of Bernie losing Iowa because he wouldn't shake the hands of five people who'd sneezed in their hands. If you go back, it's a classic, and there's there's some truth to it, just personality wise. Wow. Do you do you think uh, we're all sitting around talking, trying to? trying to deduce the Trump of it all. I mean, the guy is about 10% lower than he would be with a similar performance if he were a little, a little less Trumpy, maybe. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't th- I'm not sure he would be there if he were less Trumpy, but he's there. Is, is, he, is, he still, is he in the kind of trouble the polls show him to be in, where they show Biden so far ahead? Or is that really just pre-election nonsense? The, the truth of the matter is, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I think our country is incredibly volatile. Right now, if the election were held today, I think Trump would win. Yeah. Um, I think we're in a good position, in significant part because I think the Democrats hurt themselves badly with impeachment. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, the results of impeachment were much the same as the Bill Clinton impeachment. The Bill Clinton impeachment, Clinton's numbers went up and the House Republicans' numbers went down. Same thing happened here. So... Right now, we're in pretty strong position. I do think a lot of Republicans are sort of premature, prematurely jubilant. Yep. They, they're like, okay, we've won. Listen, 2016 of 100,000 votes flipped, Hillary Clinton would have been president. Yep. This is an amazingly divided country. I, I think it is entirely possible a Democrat wins. It's entirely possible a, that this country could elect a wild-eyed socialist like Bernie Sanders. That terrifies me. Now, I don't want that to happen. And I am fighting hard to stop it from happening. 
But the way we stop it from happening is every conservative has to realize this is a real possibility. Yeah. Well, I, I got, I, now, that you're, now that you're a podcaster, Senator Cruz, <laughs> and a successful one at that, this is obviously the last time we'll ever speak to you. <laughs> <laughs> you're officially the competition, yeah. and uh, our, our airwaves are no longer You know what I will point out, though, Jeremy? If uh, people are interested in learning about that battle against socialism, they can tune into our latest episode of Verdict with Ted Cruz, <laughs> which features the senator's Tia Sonia, where she talks all about the reality of socialism. You're fired, too. That- <laughs> Senator, thank I you so much say, for- Jeremy, that is a damn fine co-host you got. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're the first Senator. one ever to say yeah. <laughs> You're a good politician because you're a good liar. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for making some time for us tonight. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Senator. Hey, you guys are awesome. And next time, the only thing I'm disappointed with is I don't get a cigar because I'm sitting in my, in my dining room in D.C. <laughs> and I, I, I may pretend to be courageous in politics, but I don't have the courage of standing up to Heidi Cruz. <laughs> You're a wise man. <laughs> a wise man. Thank you, Senator. Good our, our friends over at Bravo Company Manufacturing are, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't awesome. have favorites. They're one of them. They're, they're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. Favorites. These guys, when the founders crafted the Constitution, the very first thing that they did was to make sacred the rights of the individual to share their ideas without limitation by their government. Even Drew gets to say his terrible, terrible (laughs) ideas, and the government (laughs) can't come in and do anything about it. That's the First Amendment. The second right that they enumerated was the right of the population to protect that speech and their own persons with force. And that's why, as hard as I am on Drew... I uh, never encourage him to buy ammunition. <laughs> I took Drew to buy his first firearm. You his did. ideas were better back then. <laughs> now, never again. That's the Second Amendment. Owning a rifle is an awesome responsibility, and our friends at Bravo Company Manufacturing make the absolute best rifle. They do make the best rifles in the business. And with Beta O'Rourke seemingly going to be in charge of national gun policy, now might be an excellent time for you to check out Bravo Company Manufacturing. Started in a garage by a Marine veteran more than two decades ago, BCM builds a professional-grade product built to combat standards Bravo Company Manufacturing is not a sporting arms company, which, of course, means that they are awesome because guns are not for hunting primarily. They are not for going and shooting targets primarily. They're for keeping you safe and for dissuading the government from violating your rights. To learn more about Bravo Company Manufacturing, head on over to bravocompanymfg.com. You can discover more about their products, special offers, upcoming news. That is bravocompanymfg.com. If you need more convincing, check out more about BCM and the awesome people who make their products at youtube.com slash bravo company USA. These people not only understand the Second Amendment, they understand how to make the guns that make the Second Amendment mean something. Go check out bravocompanymfg.com. This is actually a really important concept that we, that I like to talk about, which is that a right only exists if the right is used. Mm-hmm. Like, freedom of religion right. doesn't mean anything if you have no religion. You have, if you like the idea of freedom of religion, practice your religion. If you like the idea of freedom of speech, speak. In law, if you have a copyright and you don't enforce it, you lose the copyright over time. You have to actually exercise your rights in order to have them. That's and you should an own. Excellent point. Maybe it won't shoot you. Oh. <laughs> you should own a firearm. Yeah. If you believe in the right of people yeah. to defend themselves, you should take the responsibility of owning a firearm. I only bought a firearm when I was like 22. Yeah. And it was, and it was, it was, it might have been later. I, I think I actually only bought a firearm in 2012. Yeah. Wow. So, and I, I when you were had ideological, well, actually, I got that, it was to that. Now I'm, I'm going to change my Joe Biden story. It was 2013. It was right after the Piers Morgan interview. Mm. So I'd gone on CNN, I defended the Second Amendment, and then I got death threats, and then I bought a gun. So the great irony is I was on the air defending the Second Amendment, and then I was like, well, I probably should own a gun at this point, and everybody should. So we have some results that we need to talk about here. A lot of things uh, are happening in real time, and they are starting to call uh, some projected winners in a few of these states. We can now say that Joe Biden is officially the projected winner in North Carolina. Uh, Do we have the most recent North Carolina numbers that we can look at here, guys? 
we knew that Biden was ahead in North Carolina. Now he's projected as the winner with 34.5% uh, of the state I get to Sanders, 23.1. Bloomberg did make that 15% threshold. He's at 16.6 at the moment. What that means, though, as I look at this, this means because of, because of the nature of how these races work, that really means that Biden represents about, 50, the, the moderate lane represents at least 50% of the vote mm. in North Carolina, which is a, a terrible defeat for Bernie Sanders. But it's not a completely bad night for Bernie Sanders. Uh, we have him projected now as the winner in Colorado. We'll take a look at those numbers. That was called right off the bat, though, by the way. Again, because the early polls were, were so bad for Biden. That thing was called, like, with 0% of the vote in. Sanders at 36.0 in the most recent count. To listen to this, Bloomberg, 24.1. Wow. Biden, 20.8. Still, if you consolidate uh, the moderate lane, the moderate candidate would have been victorious in the race. Right. Uh, and if my theory holds, that in, that would include the Warren numbers. But I guess that has yet By to By the way, the, the numbers in Massachusetts with 11% reporting, Biden still had... Biden's up 32, Bernie has 27, Elizabeth Warren at 24, yeah. which is just delicious and richly deserved. She deserves every, every, every moment of the suffering she it's has. It's the only thing that gets Warren out of this race. If she loses Massachusetts, there's just no way she stays in the race. Well, Bloomberg has already bought $7 million worth of ads after, after Super Tuesday. But really? he's different. He's worth $50 billion. Yeah, yeah that's he's found what out what his is. play is. It's all the money, yeah. We found that embedded in his fat so, fold or something. Like. So, I, so I, have, I have a question, basically of Ben, I would like to ask. You know, we keep talking about the way people look and behave and the way they come across to people, all of which is legitimate and important and, and real. We don't talk enough about policy. And one of the policies that keeps coming up is health care. And yep. I keep getting letters from people saying, you know, you know, I, I uh, conservative people who say I may vote for Bernie because my health care is too expensive. Is there something is there something that Trump should be proposing besides destroying Obamacare? That, no. that we know? Never, that, ever, no. I mean, isn't... Well, uh, wait, I agree well, with you. So wait, wait, wait just a minute. The, 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 our healthcare system has been incredibly damaged, I think, by in, government intervention. Isn't there a proposal to... Draw well, do, that do back you mean, Drew, are you saying, are there po certain policies? Yes. That yeah, that, or are you saying there's a comprehensive No, plan? no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, should we be oh, saying, yeah. should we be well, saying, of course hey, we should allow, like his original proposal to allow insurance sales across state lines. Exactly. Right? Obviously, obviously he should support. do that. Excellent. Um, you know, there, there are certain, uh, he, he was trying to pass a price transparency bill that would be, that'd be, that would be fairly, fairly useful. Yeah. Right. But if, if we're talking about things that people actually are going to perceive as changes to the healthcare system. The answer is no, because the status quo is always more popular than whatever comes next. Right. This is true whether you're in Great Britain, where the healthcare system is completely failing. But if anybody proposes any significant changes to NHS, well, they, they get crushed. Oh, but that's and, a, and that's a religion this, to them. But you made this point earlier. People don't like policy. People only like platitudes. Anytime a politician in an election this announces is, yeah. their actual policy, this this is exactly they go into the this is exactly what I'm getting at. This is exactly what I'm getting at. Is, uh, to me, healthcare should be more and more free market. You bring yeah. out a TV set, it costs $6,000. A year later, it costs $600 mm -hmm. because nobody has ever said everybody has a right to a TV set. If, if, the minute yeah. somebody yeah. says well, that, the TV set costs $6,000 forever. Right. So what I want to know is, is there a way that we, as conservatives, and Trump, as the lead, leader of the party, should be selling free market well, health Well, I'll give you a little data just point. The way Who knows? This could just be a coincidence. But uh, Virginia exit poll shows that the single most important voting issue by far for the Democratic voters was healthcare, and you've got Bernie Sanders risking to blow up the whole healthcare system, right. and Joe Biden saying no. I, I mean, that might be some evidence that people actually are taking this seriously. They well, don't want to lose their health insurance. Well, what people are serious about is that, they, again, they like the status quo, meaning nobody wants to lose their health insurance. The problem is that either direction you move in order to make significant changes to the healthcare system, 
people are going to have to get used to a thing that they're not used to. Exactly. So what that means is that since World War II, our employers have been providing our health insurance. You actually want to fix the system, you make individuals responsible for their own health insurance. Right? And then they pool 100%. their health insurance through voluntary associations. Mm-hmm. That is the way, and by the way, there are plenty of co-ops that do this. Yeah. And it's not bad. It's they're a very, very good thing. Successful. There are churches who do this yeah, all churches. the time, synagogues who do this. It's very good. Okay, the problem is that there can be no price transparency when your employer provides the insurance for you. You never see how much money they're taking out of your paycheck. The insurance program, the insurance companies are negotiating on the back end with the doctors, with the government sponsoring some of that. It's just too complicated. If it were your personal insurance and you actually saw the bill come to you and what you were responsible for and what the and what the insurance company was responsible right. for, then there would be a lot more price pressure in, in, in sort of these terms. It, it also happens to be true that one of the great problems in the in the health insurance system is is the fact that there are mandates and it should be this because we really don't have a choice. But if you show up in an ER and you don't have insurance, they will take care of you. Of course. Okay, the fact that that happens means that somebody else is paying for that. So where does that money go? Where does that money come from? It comes from the hospital upcharging other people who are at the hospital. Can I, and can so, I say a, one other thing that we've never talked about on this show before, where healthcare is concerned in particular? I heard Donald Trump, and when I say I heard him, I mean I sat as close to the president as you are to me now and heard him say, that he thought that America should have a single, a European-style yeah, single-payer healthcare system. Uh, I, I think that the dirty little secret of American politics is that politicians have so screwed up our healthcare system mm-hmm. over the last 40 years that they don't know how to clean up the mess. I, I no one does. And, and, I think, and I think that the elites, and Donald Trump is an elite, he, he isn't of the elite, yeah. but he's a billionaire. He's been very powerful. If you're the entire, president. You're, I guess you you're are the elite, president. Yeah. I think that among the elite, they all secretly believe in the inevitability mm-hmm. of a Medicare for all healthcare system and that there is almost no other way to change it because they, they can't see their way to I, any kind of reform. And I, I think that's the thing that hurts us on the right the most is that they'll talk about free market policies every now and then when they have to. But deep down, they've all kind of given up on health care. I, I completely agree with everything the two of you are saying. I, I agree with what you just said, and I agree with what you said. What I'm wondering is, I, I believe that a free market health care system would be the best health care system. Yes. And yeah. I, I think that there has to be a way to sell that as opposed to, like, an amalgam of crazy quilt things as but, an idea, as just as an idea. The problem is what people want from a healthcare system yeah. is not fully achievable with a private health care system. What I mean by that is that there are a group of people who simply will not be covered in a private healthcare system. There are. I mean, they're, they're just people who are, who are completely impoverished or deeply unhealthy, Chronically and health insurance will not, will not take we, care of them. Well, we believe right? in taking care of those people. Well, I mean, this degree. is why I believe in private charity. It's why I give a fair bit of private charity. But the problem is that what the American people want from a healthcare system is a bunch of elements that don't go together. They want affordability, which can only be had through competition. They want quality, which can really only be had through competition. And, and they then they want universality, yeah. which can be had only in the absence of competition. So you can't have all of those things. And so what we have is a weird sort of system where there's a universal baseline, which is effectively Medicaid. Uh, and that does exist. I mean, when people say Medicaid, Medicare for all, we have that's to. called Medicaid. I mean, that's, that's yeah. what Medicaid that's is, right. basically. Just raising the limits. It, it, it's just that you're, you're, exactly, you're making it possible for more people to get Medicare. The, of course, the, like the dirty little secret of Joe Biden's Medicare for some is that what it actually means is that employers are just going to throw people off and put them on Medicare, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because why would they absorb the cost when they could simply hand that over to the Medicare system? But the American people have to understand that the only way that they are going to get all the things that they want is to subsidize some form of very basic healthcare. And it has to be basic and it has to be and it has to be actually clearly stated how basic it is. 
right? This is kind of what Singapore has, where everybody at a certain basic level is covered. And then beyond that, you opt into the various options right. that you have available. Can I tell you what you should do as an individual, though? <laughs> yeah. As an individual, you should carry a, uh, a, a what are they called, Ben? The, the, the worst case scenario yeah, policy. Catastrophic. Yeah, catastrophic. Yeah, catastrophic, thank you. You should carry a catastrophic yeah. healthcare policy and you should pay for everything else. I agree. And that, that is difficult for most people because mm -hmm. they lack the discipline to save money. Mm -hmm. You have to put money aside for yourself when you do that, you actually do have the power as the individual to go in and negotiate rates. Mm -hmm. It's hard because there's no price transparency, right. but you do have the power to go in and negotiate right. rates, and they will work with you, and they will negotiate your rate. The problem is most people don't think about putting money into a healthcare problem until they're in a crisis, and the crisis is usually not catastrophic, which you should carry insurance for. That's insurance. People want assurance, not insurance. <laughs> right, right. And the problem with assurance is there is no connection between the purchaser of the good and the seller of the good. There's this middleman who controls all the pricing, marks everything up. The best thing you can do is either join one of these private co-ops. They're very, most, many of them very good, particularly the religious, mm -hmm. the religious ones, or get a very inexpensive catastrophic policy and go negotiate. Do the, yeah, work, no, every, the, the other big problem for why there is just always going to be some kind of government plan and they're going to push for a government solution and private charity would be great, but it's, it's not going to be sufficient for most people is because we don't view our health as a commodity. Right. We don't view our health in the way that we view literally every single other product and every right. other market. So there's, it is just an intra intractable problem, and it's why I don't really blame the elites for looking at this inevitability. But the thing is, we can stand athwart history yelling stop as conservatives. We can try to delay it. We can try to reform it and make it more free market, knowing that it's simply a different kind of market. I, I really do worry that the, the things that I believe in, the freedoms that I believe in, the free market that I believe in, are a hard sell, and the people who are assigned the task of selling it don't really want it because what they want is more power because they're yeah. in power. Well, every, it, every it, time it, I hear every time I hear Donald Trump talk about pre-existing conditions, this thing goes up my neck right. where I just think, please stop because that's a ridiculous. But when you talk about insurance, with you can't ensure that yeah. more than any other topic. Healthcare is so complex. Yeah. In the, because of the way that the government has has perverted the system. Yeah. And most people are just too afraid politicians, but even individuals, they're just too afraid. They don't think that you could just step back yeah. and handle that from a free market perspective. It is the one thing that, yeah. It, it's the one thing where we can't just stand uh, athwart uh, history yelling history stuff. Yelling yeah. stuff. Yeah. You cannot be a healthcare, you cannot be a conservative about healthcare in America. You have to be a radical. You either have to be a left-wing mm. radical or we've got to be right-wing radicals and say, no, we have to fundamentally change the system because the system we have right now is Badly broken. It's badly broken. Badly you know, broken it, because badly, of the government. But again, it, there's no way to do it without taking away somebody's plan, and that's the big problem that Obama ran into from the left, and it's the problem people would run into from the right, saying your employer shouldn't cover your health insurance, you should cover your the, health The insurance. other thing I will point out in defense of the American healthcare system, I know this is the least popular opinion you can possibly hold, but I think it's a very conservative one, is... We have a great healthcare system. We do, we have I know that there are so doctors. many problems. Yeah. No, we, have, we have great healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. We have a terrible healthcare that's system. That's right, yeah. Whereas... Uh, national healthcare in Britain is a wonderful healthcare system with horrible, horrible that, health. That's right. right. <laughs> it that's, helps that's that private exactly, insurance. That is, on top. That is yeah. exactly that's right. 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 By the way, the this is this is a piece of data that does go to the argument about Joe Biden being more durable a candidate than than Bernie Sanders against Donald Trump. Joe Biden has now received more votes tonight in the Virginia primary than Obama did in two thousand eight. Huh. Okay, so that means the turnout is dramatically up and not in Sanders areas, mm -hmm. dramatically right. up in Biden areas. Yep. That means that the the single, what, what that really says, the single consolidating factor for Democrats 
remains Donald Trump because it's not about Joe Biden and it's not really even about Bernie Sanders. It's the, the number one thing people are citing in, in exit Trump polls is electability. Yeah. And they think beating Trump relies on Bernie Sanders not being the nominee. And they're showing up in droves to vote for the dead guy because they want to beat Donald Trump. And so that's why whenever anybody is a little bit too sanguine about Trump's chances, just recognize the level of opposition to Trump has not declined since 2016. If well, anything, it's risen since Well, by, by the way, I, I, what I really agreed with uh, Senator Cruz about is that at any given moment, you're talking about that given moment. Yeah, that's this right. Is, this yeah. is a volatile, volatile situation. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you can tell from the statue behind me, <laughs> I have an eye for artwork. You do. You do. <laughs> I know how to class up a joint. I would say few yeah. guys can class up a Just joint. your presence. Just, your, Just me. Yeah. Uh, the right artwork on the walls can make an enormous difference. I know you you see us now, we're sitting in a, in a bleak and stark <laughs> black dungeon with very little uh, artwork. Where I did my show for a year while you guys lived in luxury <laughs> up in the penthouse. And we, if la- you were, we laughed at you, by the way. If you were back, to yeah. visit my home, <laughs> though, which none of these fellows ever do, but if you were to visit my home, you I, don't have, visit I, your love, home. I love artwork. You're in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I, homeless in I have original paintings on the wall at my home. Two of them are of my dog. I am that guy. I carry my dog in a purse. I'm sorry. Uh, artwork is a very important part of the aesthetic of any home, and that's why we're proud to talk about our friends Paint your life. Mm. You can have an original painting of yourself, your children, your family, a special place, or a cherished pet, thank you, at a price you can afford from paintyourlife.com. This really is a true painting done by hand by a world-class artist created from a favorite photo. It couldn't be simpler. It makes the perfect gift for birthdays, anniversaries, or special family holidays. You choose the artist whose work you most admire from their website and work with them throughout the process until every detail is perfect. And best part, there is absolutely no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. If you want to give a truly meaningful gift, you got to go over to paintyourlife.com. I got to tell you, this is the greatest service. I, it is. I, I was offered a freebie painting, and I was skeptical. I thought there's no <laughs> way, for, especially the, the prices are so reasonable. I thought there's no way I'm going to get something like those terrible modern paint, whatever. <laughs> so I decide I'm going to have a painting made for my stepbrother's wedding. I say, okay, that'll be his gift, and if it's no good, too bad. It's too bad for him. <laughs> This comes, this beautiful giant oil painting in a beautiful frame. The thing is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. It's jaw-dropping. The price is shockingly low. Uh, I love this thing. I recommend it to all my friends. I use them. It's it is amazing. Excellent. I, brought, I my, have I over my mantle. I brought into the studio because my wife kept using it as a dartboard, but like, <laughs> it really looks good. <laughs> yeah, over our mantle, we have a picture of me and my wife and my two kids, and it really is fantastic. If you have family members that you love, why not have a painting of them? And if you have a family member that you hate, why not have a painting of them that you can burn? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're just, there's so many different options. Works, you know? So many different options. Right now is a limited time offer. Get 30% off your painting. That is correct. 30% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word WIRE to 64000. That's W-I-R-E to 64,000. Text WIRE to 64,000. W-I-R-E to 64,000. Get 30% off your painting. It really does change the look of your house and it really is cool. And it makes you look like you could hang with Michael Bloomberg, frankly. <laughs> right. Not that kind of a price. Like, I'm going to get a painting of me standing astride a horse. I don't know why. Like, I'm, not, I'm a Jew. I've never ridden a horse. I, mean, I don't know what I'll do with the horse. But I mean, like, I'm going to be playing polo in it everything. That's my thing. Wearing your uh, reversa? Well, I, sorry. It's a, it's a moon face. Ah. It's a moon face. Elisha, let's hear from some more of our Daily Wire members. And you know what's really cool is that even if you're not a Daily Wire member, we still want to hear from you and we're making it possible to hear from you. If you're a re- registered Republican or independent or, you know, non-party affiliation, oh which we actually have here in California, you can still vote for a Democratic candidate today. How, you ask? Well, you can tell <laughs> us who you think will win the Democratic nomination by texting either Biden, 
Sanders, Bloomberg, or Warren to 83400. That's 83400. And we will analyze the results live numerous times throughout the show tonight. So again, be sure to text either Biden, Sanders, Bloomberg, <laughs> or Warren to 83400 throughout the rest of the night, and we will be giving you guys the live results. Okay, so you guys touched on this for a little bit with uh, Senator Ted Cruz, and this question is for everyone. Who are your VP picks for the candidates that are currently left in the race? Mm. Ben. So I think that the conventional wisdom, which is that Biden will pick Kamala Harris, is probably right. Uh, he, he wants to rack up some of those popular votes in California. And again, he wants to appeal to the black community. It makes sense that, that he would pick somebody like Kamala Harris. Although, is if Kamala he is Harris smart, popular in California? No, she is not. And she's not popular in the black community, right? No, she she right, ran yeah. and she lost. So honestly, if he were smart, he'd pick Sherrod Brown from Ohio. That would be his smart pick because then he'd be going after, again, that Rust Belt vote. Those are the votes that he needs to win. That's where he should be looking. I, I'm really opposed to candidates doing this routine where they pick somebody who is not ideologically sort of in the same lane. The reason being, it doesn't end up winning anybody over. Nobody's yeah. like, oh, well, now that he picked Kamala right. Harris, I think that he's much more radical than he was before. Instead, all you end up doing is, is sort of making your brand more diffuse. Instead, he should, he should double down. And what makes Joe Biden Joe Biden, which is that he seems kind of moderate, kind of Midwestern-y, somebody who kind of likes the Rust Belt. Uh, as, as far as Bernie, I think, it's, I think it's clear as day that he would pick somebody like Stacey Abrams. Again, she's extremely radical. She agrees with his agenda. She thinks that she won in the same way that he thinks he won in 2016. Yeah, yeah. And so, so why the hell not, right? The, the non-governor, uh, uh, the governor of Georgia from a parallel universe. Like, I, I, don't, see, I don't see why not. That would probably be next. Would Mike Bloomberg pick? A slightly poorer Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> Donald Trump. Donald Trump, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump is not slightly poorer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah. Mike Bloomberg is 50 <clears throat> times richer than yeah. Donald Trump. You know, it's very hard for me to imagine that that they go that uh, Bernie Sanders would go for Stacey Abrams simply because she's nobody. I mean, she's mm. a fake I, I agree thing. with this. I agree. She's, I, and I, I don't think they're that crazy. They're pretty wild, but he's a shrewd politician. And the, the only counterexample I would give, Ben, to your point on the uh, ideological diversity on the ticket would be the winningest ticket in recent memory, which was uh, Reagan Bush. Reagan was the conservative. Bush was the more moderate establishment guy. They did very well. I agree it doesn't win over a lot of voters. And this time it's a little different because both of those guys, Bernie and Biden, have almost 10 years on Ronald Reagan when Ronald yeah. Reagan was yeah. first elected. Yeah. What if Biden picked Hillary? I don't think Oh, that would be so great. It. We would I win think every that, state. I think that she wants a legacy so badly. To be the first female vice president, she wouldn't have taken that 20 years ago. Mm. I know. She was already secretary of state. I, th I think it's very A lot unlikely. of women have been secretary of state. I know, but I, th I think it's really unlikely that she'd serve as a second to, to Joe Biden. She'll definitely be an enthusiastic surrogate for, for Joe Biden. But again, I think that his... Also, also uh, Obama hated her, and yeah. uh, one could assume that Biden probably feels the same Why do you way. feel the need to specify Obama in that? So the best tweet of the night comes, <laughs> comes courtesy of our friend Matt Walsh, who just, who just tweeted, after his early primary wins tonight, a grateful Joe Biden gives all glory to the thing. Miserary <laughs> <laughs> name. Alicia. All right. I mean, Hillary Clinton is too busy with her potential podcast, guys. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be carried here on Daily Wire, but <laughs> you never know. So crazier things have happened, right? All right. Do you guys think that Bernie Sanders is badly motivated for the destruction of America, or has he just been thoroughly duped by communist governments over all of the decades? I, oh, go ahead. I think he's badly motivated. I think he's honestly motivated, but he's badly motivated. If you read his manifestos from the 60s and 70s and every public statement he's given since, he despises everything this country is built on. He despises our culture. He despises our civilization. He wants to rip it down to the bottom from every level, the political, the cultural, and the religious. 
religious, and uh, that's the that's the honest version of the progressive project. And he's uh, just finally telling it like uh, it is. See, I, he's not a I, Jew. I, he's I think, a true believer. I think the thing about Bernie Sanders, people say this about politicians all the time, and it's always sort of true that all politicians are a little crazy. I think Bernie Sanders is mentally ill. <laughs> I seriously do. I think that when you look at something like like socialism, like communism, and you're st- and you're actually talking that moment in the debate. Or actually, it was in a town hall, I believe, where people started booing his support of Castro. And he looked at them with actual disbelief and said, yeah. really? You think literacy programs are bad? And I thought, like, that's crazy. That's not, that's not like, well. He's you not a well person. You understand that Bernie Sanders is the guy in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood who slashes <laughs> Brad Pitt's tires? <laughs> that is who he was yeah. until he became elected I, mayor of... I, he of, was so lazy, he got kicked out of a commune. He's a, I mean, he was living, he was living in a derelict right. apartment yeah. and he ran for yeah. mayor. He ran for mayor for 10 years while writing bizarre editorials for the local newspaper about how women who didn't have enough orgasms got, got cancer. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's, a, he's, he's, he's a sick so, Which is proof that even a broken clock... <laughs> <laughs> Our That's next, a joke, yes. guys. It's not true. <laughs> Clay Travis is a sports journalist. Matthew's over here hosting the show. He's a sports journalist, a writer, a television analyst, and a morning radio show host for a nationwide Fox Sports Radio from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. He appears on... I can't read this guy. It's too small. (laughs) He's a sports guy. You all know him. I had to give this guy an introduction. He's Clay Travis. Clay, thanks for joining us. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. Uh, Enjoying the show, sitting here watching you guys. What are you seeing out there? What do you think of the night? Man, uh, I I don't know if anybody's made the analogy, and I feel a little bit like Dave Rubin, but I got to say, the Democrats executed Order 66 on (laughs) on, And uh, they absolutely, Star Wars reference, people out there who don't get it, they absolutely destroyed his campaign. And I got to be honest, I'm kind of impressed that they had it in them. Because, uh, you know, I think Bernie Sanders was going to be an unmitigated disaster for this party, and, uh, and they recognized it. And they were able to all come together. I mean, I don't think very many people 10 days ago would have said, hey, Amy Klobuchar is going to drop out. Mayor Pete's going to drop out. They're going to endorse Joe Biden down in Texas. Whoever wins Pennsylvania, whoever wins Ohio, whoever wins Michigan, whoever wins Minnesota and Wisconsin is going to win this election. That's all I'd be concerned about. The other 45-ish states really don't matter if you dominate the Big Ten. You know what's really interesting about your observation about uh, Order 66 is the Democrats actually fear Bernie Sanders more than Republicans do. (laughs) And I don't think it's just because they're worried about losing. I think they're worried about winning. I think Bernie Sanders takes the Democrat Party to a place that they're willing to pay lip service to, but that even they fear. I think so, too. I agree. I think that's a great point. Well, actually, Clay, I I think now would be a good time. Uh, Obviously, you're you're from Tennessee, and Tennessee just experienced a, a fairly large natural disaster. Uh, maybe you can talk a little about how people can help out in Tennessee, actually. We may as well do some good since we're sitting here being jackasses for hours. <laughs> yes. uh, well, it was awful. Uh, last night around 1 a.m., middle of the night, a lot of people in sleep, uh, sleep all over the middle Tennessee area. Huge tornado comes through. I believe the latest count is 25 people dead. Mm. Uh, tons Yikes. of damage right through the heart of downtown Nashville and on out to the east. Uh, there are uh, tons of relief efforts out here. I would encourage uh, people to just uh, are on social media. Just search like the hashtag Nashville Care, Nashville E of those. So, Clay, quick question for you. You know, you're, you're looking at this race, obviously, and one of the things that we've seen, you're, you're a sports guy, we've seen over the past few years sports become so incredibly mm. politicized. How do you think that that breaks down for election 2020? Obviously, there's a lot of opposition to Trump in, in sports land. Uh, I, I assume that that exacerbates with Joe Biden at the top of the ticket, but Biden seems a little bit less less 
interested in jumping into the culture wars than Bernie Sanders or Trump do. Do you, do you think that, that sports will continue to be what, it, what it's been for the past few years? Yeah, it's so fascinating. Such a good question. So I was at the Alabama LSU game down in Tuscaloosa that Donald Trump was at. I was at the LSU Clemson game for the national championship that Donald Trump was at. And I think he's made calculated decisions, whether it's the Daytona 500, whether it's those Southern college football games, to go to places that are the Washington National Stadium where everybody booed him. And I think that's reflective of it really matters what audience are in front of him. Donald Trump is wildly cheered in the SEC. He's wildly cheered in the South. Same thing at the Daytona 500. And uh, I, I think, to an interesting uh, perspective, we know Joe Biden is a huge Eagles fan, right? Uh, he's a big fan of Carson Wentz. He's talked a lot about him. I think that really factors in in a big way. I don't know if you guys agree, but when you talk about a Big Ten election, Donald Trump won the state of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and yeah. Wisconsin by a total of about 77,000 votes. That's smaller than the stadium at Penn State or Michigan mm -hmm. or Wisconsin. It's a crazy small number of people that are going to be involved. And I think come October and November, college football is going to loom large because, again, this is a Ten race. Who'd you vote for? Are we allowed to ask? Uh, I went in, you know, I hate, I, I am 100% opposed to Bernie, right? So yeah. I went in uh, this afternoon and uh, I voted for Joe Biden because I thought he had the best chance to Dude. knock Bernie out of the race. Did you not uh, hear so, what Mike Bloomberg was paying for voters? <laughs> yeah, I know. I you pocketed, sold too low. I, I should have pocketed some cash. But no, I, I look, you have an open primary here in Tennessee, so you can go vote on either side. And the number one goal to me uh, more so than anything else, is make sure that Bernie's not elected president. I consider myself to be a pretty middle-of-the-road guy. There's a 100% chance I was voting for Donald Trump uh, if it was Bernie versus Trump. I imagine that's the case for a lot of people who are very middle-of-the-road. Right. Uh, I, I think that Biden, not that it's going to matter. I'm from Tennessee. Trump's going to win the state by 20-plus points. Uh, but I think that when you really look at, uh, at the race, I think there are a lot of people who would consider Biden that would never have considered Bernie. And that's why if I'm Trump or I'm in the, in the White House, I kind of have to look at this move that the Democrats have made and admire how diabolical. Well, you, you know, know the, can, I, can I ask, the, the, the biggest sports story of the Trump administration, political story, has been Trump's defiance toward the NFL and the, uh, the, the kneeling at the flag. How does, yeah. that how does that read to sports fans? I have to say I was completely on Trump's side on that issue, that these are guys who are in their corporate uniforms. They should be saluting the flag that is obviously the country that supports their sport. But do sports fans look at that and think that Trump is intrusive, or do they look at it and think, yeah, about time somebody said this? I've argued that Colin Kaepernick taking a knee could have been the difference for Donald Trump in Big Ten country because wow. these are big football fans. And I think when you look at a 77,000 vote margin in those states, it's not crazy for me to think that people could have swung their election here. I agree with you guys. Look, when you are at work in uniform, uh, you don't have the right to advocate for any political belief that you have. I mean, if you were working at McDonald's and somebody walked up and ordered a hamburger from you and uh, you said, you know, meat is murder, everybody's like, hey, the McDonald's employee. Whether you agree or disagree with it, standing for the national anthem is good for the NFL's business. And uh, I think the owners recognize that. Roger Goodell uh, was too, uh, too afraid to actually stand up to, uh, to Colin Kaepernick. Because remember, David Stern had the same issue with Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf in the NBA. Yep. He immediately yep. suspended him and said, no, 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 you're not playing in this league. And it disappeared. I really do think that if that's the route that, uh, that, that Roger Goodell had gone from the get-go, that 
Colin Kaepernick might still have a career and that this ever would have turned into a cultural flashpoint in the game. Mm. Right. Clay, thank you so much for making time with us uh, tonight. We'll have to have you back on on election night so we can all see how this thing's going to end and decide whether or not, you know, we're going to need to head over to Policy Genius and get another wife. <laughs> hey, keep up the good work, guys. I'm just hoping I can avoid a 90% tax rate. That's all I'm <laughs> Exactly. Nice Thank you. Thank By you. the way, Biden is now, they declared Minnesota for Biden. Wow. Biden won Minnesota. Wow. wow. Which Bernie was well expected to win. Yeah. Klobuchar yeah. was actually running behind. And then obviously every vote that she threw to Biden went to Biden. How, how, I also how, predicted on the, my show today that he would win Minnesota, but no big deal. I'm not bragging or nothing. What's but, the, what's uh, the uh, gap? What's uh, it's narrow. It's, yeah. it's a narrow gap, but they've declared it for him. They're also expecting that Biden will probably win Texas at this point. So big, big night for Joe that's, Biden. That's a yeah. big night for Joe Biden. Uh, obviously. Wow. Wow. And in, in other good news, Roy Moore is no more. So Roy, Roy Moore is toasting that Alabama Senate. Oh, oh did Roy, Roy Moore run again? again? I didn't realize that. Uh, he, he, he never stopped running. Uh, uh, he stopped running a lot. <laughs> well, he, he did score at 7.5, which is even a little young for him. Um, but, yeah, but Tommy Tuberville and Jeff Sessions both clocking in at about 34%. In the Alabama Senate race, Roy Moore is uh, not going to be making the runoff this year, right. so that is that is very good news. So we don't, so yeah. we're not going to lose the Alabama Senate seat anymore. So that's that's good that's news, right. guys. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. Fantastic. Well, let's take a look at a few of the updated numbers. Uh, do we have updated numbers for Texas? Here we go. All right. Sanders still leading with uh, what twenty eight point six percent. Twenty eight point six to Biden's twenty three point one. So still a little bit of room. Uh, but only thirty one percent of the vote is in yeah. in Texas. So it's still yeah. early. And again, Biden made a big stand in Texas. Obviously, that's in Dallas uh, two nights ago is where he had his big consolidation party with all of the former yeah. candidates. And in, in North Carolina, Bloomberg did cross fifteen percent, which is actually quite bad news for for Bernie Sanders because it means that he split the delegates with with Bernie. It increases Biden's delegate hall. Bloomberg is polling right now in Texas at nineteen percent which I just don't think that's going to last. I think that that number is probably going to decline as time goes on. Colorado had been declared super early because 60% of the votes were right in. 60% wow. of the votes in Colorado were wow. early votes. Mm. Well, that it just goes to show you how dumb early voting it's is, some, guys. This needs to go. It's idea. terrible, terrible, horrible for democracy. It, it also doesn't make sense with how the process works. We have this primary process so that the campaigns can play out, right? You see what happens in Iowa and New Hampshire's out there. Right. Yeah. Things change. Yeah. So if you're going to have early voting, that's fine. That's a choice. But then have every state vote on the same day. Yeah. If you're going to uh, spread it out, then you got to get rid of the early voting. And by the way, going to mention, and this is wonderful news. Bernie Sanders spent his, he spent an enormous amount of time in Minnesota. His chief campaign operative there was Ilhan Omar. Really, he loses oh, the state. That's right. Which yeah, is that, that just is fantastic. Joe yeah. Biden spent five minutes there. He had one. Ca- By the way, it does show how the nature of campaigns has radically changed over time. So Bloomberg just saturated the airwaves with his ads to no effect. Yeah. Bernie has built up this national ground game, raising money, putting tons of people in every state to no effect. Biden walks in, and Trump did the same thing in 2016. No ground game, no money spent. Name recognition of 100% walks through it. That's right. Yeah. Right. It, this is a legitimate question, Ben. So Ilhan Omar is, is Bernie's chief surrogate uh, in Minnesota. He loses. I can't believe you're saying is those there, words. Is yeah. there a, unbelievable. She, she married her brother, by the way. Is there, <laughs> is there a world where the squad doesn't make it to a second term? Uh, the, so I think it's unlikely that AOC loses in her district in, in a primary. Uh, I, I think that Ilhan Omar is a little bit more vulnerable uh, because she could get primaried fairly easily by, by another Somali person, uh, person of Somali extraction from, from that particular area. Her particular district is very heavily Somali. Uh, and so somebody- I don't think they like her. That she, the ones who like her like her and the ones who don't don't. She's not overwhelmingly popular in, in her district. Tlaib probably sticks around. Ayanna Presley probably sticks around. I don't think these are people who are there for 10 terms. 
I think there's people who are probably there for three terms and then out. Yeah. Uh, especially because I think a lot of them have higher aspirations. I think that you'll see AOC run for Senate in New York and just get clobbered. Mm. I think that, I think that like, she has really outsized expectations. I wouldn't be surprised if you see AOC run for president next time around. Because she really believes that she is the heir to Bernie Sanders. Bernie's been trotting her around like that. Bernie ain't going to run when he's 84. I mean, I hope. Yeah. I, mean, but, uh, I wouldn't well, count Bernie out. I mean, he's like Ron Paul. He's, he's the Ron Paul. The, the trouble is AOC will still not be 35 yet, but she won't realize that that's a problem, so she might run for president <laughs> anyway. Hey, it didn't she's stop a microbiology over. expert. You stop that right now. She almost, she almost won. won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it is true, though, that uh, uh, Joe Biden, in the long time ago days when everything was sepia tone, actually was elected to the Senate before he was constitutionally eligible to serve. Really? Yeah. I did not He know was 29 that. years old. You have to be 30 years. Is it 30? This is 1322. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately <laughs> after Matthew Black. Whatever the battle he was thing. Thing. When he says he has a block on how to handle epidemics. He was 29 years old when he was elected to the Senate, and he had to wait for his birthday before he could be sworn in. Wow. Because he was too young constitutionally to serve. He has been in government since literally before he was constitutionally eligible to hold the office to which he was elected. Uh, We do have the national delegate map here. Let's take a look at how things are shaping up coast to coast. That's a lot of Biden right there. That is a lot of Biden. Wow. Yeah. So Bernie appears to have won four states here, and Biden wins all the rest thus far. Everything else. And this is our delegate count uh, so far. We have Joe Biden. Wow. Actually taking a pretty commanding wow. lead yeah. as of now. The before night California. Still, the night California. is still young. Yeah, that's right. California will make a, will make a dent. But. And there's Michael Bloomberg with his 11 delegates. Brutal. Massive, massive showing. Elizabeth Warren with her 12 delegates. I love that people who judge is not even in the race and he has more delegates than Elizabeth Warren and Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> Combined. That for, that for Bloomberg is just Well, listen, here's, amazing. there's actually something in I love it. He deserves and, it so and, much. And Trump people, must love it more than anything. Oh, uh, yeah. People at home may not understand because you throw around big numbers and then you never give context to big numbers. No. A, a general presidential election, the national candidate will spend about a billion dollars. Right. A thousand million dollars is what it will cost to win the presidency. Bloomberg is going to spend that on a primary <laughs> in which he gets... It's amazing. He'll at least get to seven or eight hundred. Well, American Samoa. I mean, <laughs> he, he's, he's not done spending. By, by the way, he's not done spending yet. He says yeah, he's going to yeah. continue pouring hundreds of millions of dollars Listen, into this campaign. Even yeah. if he were to pull, pull out of the race... The unique thing about Bloomberg is that he hired all these political consultants onto his campaign and gave them contracts through November. Yeah. The actual truth is many of them will break those contracts because they have ambitions to serve in the government, mm-hmm. and they'll have to break their contracts with Bloomberg when it's clear that he can't win so they can go join one of the other. Right. I, I have to say my, my novelist heart here is just looking at this fight between these two New York billionaires, Trump and Bloomberg, and I know they hate one another, and Bloomberg especially hates Trump because he feels that Trump took his job. He feels that he's supposed to be president and blue and Trump, this kind of fraud, this phony, this circus clown is is in the presidency. There's got to be, that's just got to taste so good. In oh, Trump's yes. Tongue. Well, it shows you this thing. You always hear, especially from the left, they say people are buying political office. Yeah, They're yeah. buying this. They don't. It doesn't work that it way. It didn't work, work for Bloomberg. Right. It didn't work for Ross Perot. It didn't doesn't, work for Hillary. It didn't she work for Hillary, as right? As Trump. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. And the reason that Mike Bloomberg just keeps getting it so wrong is he said it during the debate. He said, the the presidency, look, it's a management job and Donald Trump's a bad manager. And people look at that and they say, what do you view me as? You're supposed (laughs) to be the executive, the energetic part of our government. And you think, what, I'm just some middle manager, some cog in your company? He says it all the time when he talks about people. He seems to have a real disdain, a real contempt for them. This is the thing about Bloomberg. When he talks, when he says some of the things he said about minorities, 
they were true. I mean, stop and frisk was an excellent policy that saved black lives. Yeah. Saved black lives. But you don't talk. You know, every every young person who gets arrested in a in a poor black neighborhood is some mother's son. That's an actual human being who who's gotten arrested. Maybe he deserves to be arrested. Maybe tough policing is what that neighborhood needs. But you got to also think about the fact that these are human beings who are being you know, losing members of their families to prison. And he talks about throwing them up. The best. He got a thing. Look, you Xerox that black face and it's the same black face. And then you throw them up against the wall and you take the gun away. And he just despises people. Yes. And he does. He thinks about people. You know, you're drinking sodas. You can't drink sodas. That's not good for Listen, them. Listen, Fatty. Take well, that's yeah. what Biden says to them. Yeah. Did you see last night during that, during that uh, town hall, a night or two nights ago, when the gun control activist turns to him and says, hey, Mr. Yeah. Bloomberg, you, you've got armed yeah. security all over. Why can you have guns, but I'm no, not No, what he said to... is, do you think your life is more valuable yeah. than mine? Bloomberg said yes. Yes. <laughs> Bloomberg said, look, I'm a, I'm a mayor. I'm a billionaire. People are coming after me. This is not actually the worst problem with Bloomberg. The worst problem for Bloomberg is that he was not Trump in one specific way. Donald Trump has never apologized for anything. <laughs> Bloomberg started off this campaign by apologizing for yeah. every aspect of his record that was but actually successful and centralizing on all the parts of his record that were unsuccessful. But that's the entry ticket to the Democrat Party. But he didn't have to do that. He didn't. I mean, he didn't. I mean, if, if, Joe, if he had jumped into the race and they'd asked him about stop and frisk and he said, listen, I up here on the stage will save more black lives than anybody else on the stage, particularly you, Elizabeth Warren, who pretend to be a Native American. He'd have been thrown out. They, they, it would have been fantastic. He, he would have done better than he's doing tonight. Could he, he do worse as one American <laughs> Samoa? Right. He would have been okay. elected to a Republican Samoa. nominee, maybe. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right now, they're saying that Texas is uh, tilting Biden. I'm looking at the New York Times live forecast. The only states where they have Bernie ahead are Utah, Vermont, Colorado. Vermont and Colorado have already been called. In California, every other state wow, on Super wow. Tuesday, that's they worse. have leaning Biden. That's worse than I thought. Which it, right now, they're estimated yeah. delegates. They have Biden estimated delegates at 626 and Bernie at 575 after tonight. Which, by the way, do we have uh, my cumulative prediction, guys? Um, do we have the, the, I have my, my cumulative prediction from earlier in the evening as far as where I thought this Super Tuesday delegate count was going to work out. I can just give it to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, <laughs> And the, the superdelegate prediction and the, the delegate prediction that I had for tonight was Biden with 618 and Bernie with 543. That was just for the night. That didn't include the, the delegates yeah. earlier. You have to add about 50 for each. So you'd end up with Biden in about the 670 range and Bernie in about the 590 range. So not, not bad. I mean, not, not particularly far off the New York Times delegate estimate here. What is their estimate? Uh, their estimate is 626 for Biden and 575 for Bernie after tonight. Wow. And Bloomberg with 149 delegates. But I'm not sure. What, I assume that that means that they are assuming that he will win some delegates in California and yeah. Texas. I don't know, man. I, yeah, I, I have my doubts. I have my doubts that Bloomberg is going to like I had Bloomberg winning a grand total of 37 delegates so far. I'm looking better than The New York Times. <laughs> I had Warren winning about 140 delegates, but that assumed she was going to win Massachusetts, which apparently she is. She is not. What everybody has said, I think, but is true is you have to admire the Democrat Party for just blowing this guy up. Yeah. It was like a landmine. Well, they I, just blew him to pieces. I think I think to a certain extent he blew himself up. I, I think that that one week where he decided. Yeah, Bernie. <laughs> no, because he because. He has been saying this stuff for a long time, yeah. and then he didn't acclimate to being the front runner. And there is a difference between being yeah, the front runner and being the person but who follows. I, I'm not sure I understand what you're saying. Well, what I mean is that Bernie could have soft-pedaled this crap as soon as he started to take uh, the lead, because all of the media were ready to do it. Yeah. The media were ready to do it. Yeah. They started declaring that he wasn't actually a socialist. He was a democratic socialist, and really, is that so threatening anyway? He's not really going to get Medicare for all passed anyway because he's going to be you know, he's going to have a Senate that he's going to have to deal with. And instead, Bernie was like, no, I'm going to do all of these things. I'm going to do all, I'm going to collectivize the means of production. Yeah. Everyone's like, whoa, dude, like you're leading right now. Why don't you shut up? He's like, no, I like Cuba. I wish that I had healthcare in Cuba. If I had healthcare in Cuba, I'd be much better off. Yeah. And he's like, 
Bernie, like, stop. And he's like, no, I think that Israel is very bad, but Iran is very good. Like, why are you, why are you doing this? Why, Bernie, why? Because he's got the same tragic problem that Trump has. Logaria. If he's not, no, if he's not, if Trump is not Trump, he doesn't win. If Trump is Trump, he loses certain sectors of the population that he may well need. And Bernie has the same problem. This is who they're voting for. If he turns up, those Bernie bros are communist thugs. And that's stuff that Project Veritas got on them, where they're talking about gulag, and nobody reports it. Nobody reported that Project Veritas stuff, but that is real, that is the real deal. Can you imagine, can you imagine if O'Keefe got Trump supporters going around going, yeah, white supremacy, that's what I want. We'll throw them in concentration camps. Yeah, oh my God, you know, and this is just, just goes by the board. But this is who supports Bernie. He can't, how can he walk away from it? How can he walk away from it? I mean, it's also that Bernie Sanders is a true believer. He, yeah, and he does. He, yeah. And he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah. He actually doesn't know how to moderate himself because he is not moderate. Yeah. Not one moment of his life has he been moderate. Right. And he has been politically savvy in a few in a few moments. But being politically savvy with a vote is different than being politically savvy with a message. I think that a guy like Michael, uh, a guy like Bernie Sanders, it's almost admirable. Uh, you know, there's not much that I would give Bernie credit for in terms of virtue. But I do think that he's one of the few people in politics, maybe the only person right now in national politics, who actually in every instance says what he believes. Oh, yeah, there's, there's truth to that. Yeah. He says exactly what he believes. You know, is it so hard? I've been watching uh, Peaky Blinders, the latest season, which is really good. No, is it okay? It, 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 it kind of ebbed kind of for a little back. while. Yeah, so, okay, no, good. Back. However, however, it's about the evil of the fascist movement in Britain in the 30s, but it's also about the, the good side are the communists. Yeah. And I keep thinking, yeah. is it so hard, is it really so hard to conceive that the fascists can be bad and, and the communists can be bad? Is that so hard for artists to, to get in their heads? I mean, yes, because the, because the baseline assumption is that government is there to solve problems. As soon as you make this baseline assumption, yeah. then it really is just to pick your poison battle. Right then, and then it's it's the reds versus the versus the brown shirts at that it's point because it's because it, it, I had to explain this on my show today. Somebody emailed, somebody called in, and they said, "Why is it like, what would the the right gone wrong in America look like?" And I said, "Well, it, it, honestly, like in sort of the in sort of the traditional American conservative version, it would look more like anarchism than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like a government that doesn't function particularly well, where where government is not particularly powerful and is unable to s- solidify people's rights and, and that sort of thing. But the the, the 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 European version of right versus left is brown shirt versus red. I mean, on the on the extremes. Yeah. I mean, so yes, the Nazis were a right wing party by European standards. They are not a right wing party by American standards. Mm-hmm. And so American journalists refuse to get this. When you say the Nazis were left wing, they're like, yeah, but but they were anti red. And it's like, yeah, in Europe they were right wing. <laughs> right. But here, where we actually judge right versus left on the basis of the size and scope of government, they're not right wing. They're not even close to right wing. But, but, but it's a challenge. A our, it's a challenge in our movement right now because I've yeah. been making that argument for years. I, I wrote some letters to our friend Dennis Prager, who will be here this uh, with us uh, here in about an hour. I wrote him a series of letters during the 2016 election, and one, one of the things that I said that I think is borne out, as I said, I'm, I'm concerned that we're drifting toward being a European right-wing party and not a traditional American right-wing party. And the, we've seen things that I have not seen in my lifetime happening on the American right during the last three years. I'm not suggesting that this is Donald Trump's fault. I'm not Talking or that it's even Trump. the total mainstream. I'm not talking about Donald Trump at all. But I am saying that we, we have seen this sort of quote-unquote common good conservatism, this how to use the state to, uh, to exact our policy yeah. preferences, coupled with this real uh, isolationism, this real 
anti-immigrant sentiment and genuine anti-Semitism, genuine racism cropping up. You know, for my entire life, I've been able to say, it's amazing that they accuse us of being racist. Our, our position is the least racist position. Our position is all about the individual. Our position is... But we are seeing this happen on the right. But now. on this point of the common good and virtue, I, you know, I think this is a little bit of libertarian revisionism based on the last like 30 or 40 years of the conservative movement. You know, Alexander Hamilton wanted a king and Abraham Lincoln campaigned on tariffs. So I think there's, there's always been a kind of role of the state. This is why, this is why I was starting. He was, by the way, he was wrong about tariffs and he was wrong about a king. So this, is why, not... <laughs> this is why, before right. you guys jumped on, this is why I was though. saying that Trump has been so good for the Republican Party. Because I, I get your fears, I get your fears, but what is actually happening, what is actually happening is Donald Trump is going in front of these incredible rallies, these tens of thousands of people who line up for days, and he's saying, you know, I've been great for the African-American, and people are cheering. Yeah. He's appointing gay people to his cabinet. People H are cheering. Highest position ever. You know, this is the thing that is actually happening to the Republican Party under Donald Trump, which is an amazing fact. And at the same time, at CPAC, where, okay, they lined up for Michael Knowles, that's sad. <laughs> but, but they also, they're, they're going nuts over Donald Trump. And they exclude the Fuentes and the Michelle Malkins. Who they were banned. Spewing. They were kicked they just, out. Just go away. Go yeah, away. So, but but we, we do that to our extremes in the, in the Republican Party, and more so under right. Donald Trump, unbelievably, whereas they, their extremists are running for president. But I, I don't disagree with that. And I, and I said I'm not talking about Donald Trump. The, the movement is still doing a fairly good job of policing itself. Yeah. Nevertheless, there is this giant European right-wing movement in the country that's, that's happening. It's a youth movement. It's, it's not been mainstream. We haven't internalized it yet, but it's happening in a way that I've never seen it happen before. And you, you make this point from time to time, Michael, that you're, this is a very libertarian reimagining that's only true of the last 40 years. Yeah, the last 40 years is a generation. But the last, the last 40 years is my entire lifetime in the movement, my entire lifetime before I was a part of the movement. And we learn things through history and we change. So you could say, It'd be like if in 1880, if I said, America is dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And you said, that's only been true for 20 years. We had slavery until 20 years ago. Yeah, but they, but they and we don't it. now. They that's believed good. it in 1776. And we're conserving something that's older than 1960. And, and the, you know, uh, Roger Scruton had this great line. Roger Scruton would be considered an American conservative in many ways, even though he was a Brit. But he, they, they asked him to define conservatism. And if you ask 100 conservatives in a room, one will say it means total free trade. One will say it means the lowest taxes imaginable. One will say it means we get a king. You say, wait a second, what are you doing here? And you get all these different answers. And his answer was very simple. He said, conservatives like to conserve things. You know, we like to conserve this American tradition that we have. And the American tradition has deeper roots. It goes back further than William F. I disagree with this idea, what, what you were saying about the Nazis. The Nazis did start out as a national socialist movement, but the, the strain that goes through the Nazis after they expel, after all Hitler expels the socialists. Right. The, the strain that but goes through But still is calling for nationalized health care yeah, as well as But the strain that goes the through economy. them of this romanticized blood and soil, uh, you know, I, uh, idealized, romanticized idea of the nation, it is, a cons it is the, the extremist conservative point of view, the anti-immigrant point of view, yep. the, the idea of the nation uh, as being somehow a, a blood reality is the extremist 
point of view, and it's an anti-American point of view. Right? Yes. And I think that it, it does behoove all of us to say no. You know? Well, I mean, I yeah. disagree with that. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't disagree with anything you're yeah, saying like, there. Like, but I'm saying just in terms of the size and scope of government, that the battles between right and left in Europe are very different than the battles between right and left in the United it's States, or at least ideologically true. ought to be yeah, so. Yeah. And I, I obviously agree with, with Jeremy in terms of the sort of movement toward a, a conservatism that... W- the question is what exactly is being conserved. Right. So I've always had this objection to sort of the definition of conservatism by attitude as opposed to by principle. Yeah. Uh, the, the sort of difference between the, the Lockean version of Enlightenment conservatism that, that a lot of the founders embraced and the Russell, Kirk, Edmund Burke version of conservatism that is a little bit later of a graft because Edmund Burke really became a lot more popular in the United States actually following the founding. Um, but, w- but with that said, the, I, I'm happy with the graft so long as what you are actually conserving is a culture and tradition that led to the rise of enlightenment values that suggest that the individual has rights that pre-exist government and that those rights cannot be invaded by government. In terms of the in terms of social values, I think all that stuff ought to be done by things that are outside of government. And I'm very frightened to see people who are suggesting that the way to conserve the the society that leads to the enlightenment values that America has been based on, the way to conserve that is to get rid of the enlightenment values by bringing in a vast powerful government in order to re-enshrine things like it's, family. I don't trust the government to re-enshrine family. I think an, the government destroys. I do not think the government builds. It's an enlightenment value, if you want to use that term, at listed in the Federalist Papers, which we're going to be talking about on the PragerU Book Club. It's true. It's an enlightenment value, as, as Publius writes in the Federalist, to say that justice is the end of government. And what do we mean by justice? We could have a 10-hour conversation about that. No, but, that is the, but, that, but that's the entire conversation, meaning that the same people who are writing that justice in the, is the end of government were also writing that there ought to be checks and balances to prohibit the government from doing anything. I'm, I'm, they weren't arguing I'm, that the government I'm, ought to... I'm, I'm they with, said they wanted an energetic no, government. I'm, they said I'm they with, wanted an energetic, central executive, uh, an energetic, centralized government that was... And by energetic, they meant slightly stronger than the Articles of Confederation, which barely <laughs> had a country existing. <laughs> right. They did not mean by energetic, central government, a government that was going to expend hundreds of billions of dollars on a variety of social programs designed to shore up failing families. The problems in the United States are cultural problems, and they were exacerbated by a government that intervened. They cannot be fixed by government. Culture has to fix itself. I'm I'm amazed to watch the conservative movement reverse the polarity of culture as upstream of of government. I'm 100% in agreement with you about this. But... But it is important, the thing that the, I, I guess they're now the Catholic integralism people, the people who are saying that both, in, they're saying under libertarianism, both the right and the left are essentially supporting bigger government because they are, they are eliminating religion from the field. We're going to have to come back to oh. this. It's a, I, I want to hear this point, but we're being joined right now by our friend Glenn oh. Beck. He's the CEO and founder of The Blaze as well as the host of the Glenn Beck program. He's also quite a looker, a great dancer. (laughs) Glenn. Well, at least you speak the truth. That's the first truthful thing I've heard you say all night. (laughs) Uh, By the way, I have, you know, you guys have been here. I have quite a collection of really cool stuff. (laughs) I know you do. That, that Elizabeth Warren is the greatest thing. <laughs> Where did you get it? What did it cost? And what will you sell it for? That is tremendous. Well, Glenn, we're not very uh, good, but we're real expensive. I'll, yeah. I'll tell you the truth. I spent two years trying to pull this joke off. I went to, there are very few wooden cigar Indian makers left. <laughs> You'd be surprised to learn. And I went to them and they all thought that it was hilarious. And then they all turned me down because they were afraid uh, of the blowback. They were afraid that they would lose this little niche business that they, they've managed to stay under the radar and not have the woke culture take away from them. So then I went to Hollywood prop people 
to make it out of styrofoam. They all turned me down flat. <laughs> I kept pursuing it for two years. I'm going to tell you where this came from. I don't know. The reason I don't know, my, our, our set design uh, uh, person, Carol, our art director, found someone who would make it, but only if we would pay cash up front to her, <laughs> which she would then deliver to them and never have us know who they are. That is the honest <laughs> God truth. That is, that is America today, isn't it? That's a sad story. That's a, is it wood? Is it made out of wood? It is not, unfortunately. It's, it's a styrofoam made in a prop shop. You know, since we're acknowledging the well, statue, I, I, tell you, I would like to point out for you, the audio. the Blaze audience will make one for me out of wood. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to point out for the audience that Elizabeth is standing on a book that says Pow Wow Chow. So I just want to get all the detail in there. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, we have the Elizabeth Warren theme. Can we play the Elizabeth Warren theme? Uh, every time we talk about Elizabeth Warren, we, we play her uh, campaign song uh, here. Can you roll that so they can hear that? Um, there it is. Uh, <laughs> it's a snappy number, um, but maybe that's just me. Really I was using, on my show, I was using Colors of the Wind for at least a year. <laughs> <laughs> so, Glenn, you're in Texas. Is Bernie Sanders going to pull it off down there? It looks like it. I mean, that is insane. Unbelievable. Stop. You damn people in California. <laughs> Stop coming here. Now, Stop it. I'm going to defend Californians, which I rarely do. But when Ted Cruz was in that very tight race with Beto O'Rourke uh, two years ago now, in the polling that came out afterwards, it was actually native-born Texans who were more likely to support Beto, and all of the Californians who had moved to the state were more likely to vote really? for Ted Cruz. Because it's all the good Californians who leave. Yeah, the yeah. people who leave California are the actually the conservative yeah. Californians. I, I have to tell you that um, this I find really, really disturbing. There was an exit poll here in Texas that showed the support for those who were um, leaving the the uh, polling booth. What was it? Was it 54th? 57 percent yeah. of those that left the polling booth here in Texas were had a favorable opinion of socialism. Wow. In California, that number was 54. Wow. Unbelievable. Wow. Something is wrong. Something's very wrong. So uh, how do you feel about the fact that Joe Biden appears to be having a pretty good night? I'm, I'm excited about it, frankly, because anything that does not force half the country into embracing full on communism is a good thing for me. But I know a lot of people are more fearful of Biden beating Trump than, than Sanders beating Trump. So where, where are you coming down on this? Um, I think any day that uh, Joe Biden gets up and can find his shoes <laughs> is a good day <laughs> for Joe Biden. Uh, I, I don't think I, I think I, we were just talking about it. We kind of feel bad for Joe Biden as we don't like him. We don't like his policies. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But I don't revel in somebody declining yeah. in front of the United States. You know what I mean? It's sad. Yeah. Um, I do. I do. Yeah. I enjoy it. But I, I, a good person would not enjoy it. Yes. Also, the right, right. also the revision. And I'm pretending to be a good person. So the revision. I feel. I, I admire. Feel bad. So I don't think he's a vote for Joe Biden is a vote for whoever he picks <clears throat> as the vice president. Um, Sanders, I think, would put a nail in the coffin. I, I, I'm kind of worried that Sanders um, not getting the nomination, A, I mean, sell your home in Milwaukee, get the hell out of there, <laughs> buy a lot of fire extinguishers. Um, but uh, I'm afraid that the, what's happening with Sanders will be what happened on a very accelerated rate uh, to Buckley or to uh, Goldwater. That set up mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan. And mm -hmm. I think you're going to mm -hmm. see a snapback. I'd like to 
I don't like the risk of Bernie Sanders, uh, the possibility risk big, win big. This is a risk big, lose big. If he would win, we would lose our nation. Yeah. But I would love to see a defeat, an, an out and out, head to head battle between capitalism and socialism. Um, and 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 let's put this let put this to rest. Let's just put this to rest. I'm with you, Glenn. I think I, I would yeah. rather see the this is the conversation the country is having. Let's have it in the voting booth. Let's let's have it out. It's dangerous, but I'd rather see it. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I'm, I'm on the other side of that. I, I really think that it's incredibly dangerous because there's so many people who are just going to centralize around the Democratic nominee just to defeat Trump that you're going to get 25 yes. percent of the population embracing full blown communism just because they don't like Trump. Yeah. And and that I think is dangerous because I think that yeah, Bernie Sanders base is actually a quarter. After we're all in a gulag for 20, 30 years, they'll think twice. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to go down in history as a cautionary tale. That's not, <laughs> not my high yeah, ambition. No, I, we're headed. We're headed for that. You know, the one, the we're one hope, the one hope with Bernie though is. First of all, I agree. I want the honest conversation. I want the honest debate. I think Trump is going to win 57 states plus Samoa <laughs> plus Greenland. But uh, even if Bernie Sanders <laughs> wins, uh, the the con- consolation there is. The man has never accomplished anything on a legislative level, despite having been in government for half a century. He's, you know, I I hate to say this, Michael, because you're a smart guy and you know, um, but you sound like the people who are like, yeah, but if Hitler gets in, we're going to be able to maneuver around him. No, I mean, I mean he's this not going to. This is right. This is right. I mean, the yeah, fact he, is that yeah. the Bernie, the, where presidents do the most damage, and where Trump maybe has done the most good, is actually not on domestic policy. Everyone likes to talk about his domestic policy. Trump's foreign policy has been stellar. Yep. I mean, overall, it's been really stellar. Yep. And Bernie, because the commander-in-chief has such exorbitant powers in, in this particular area, Bernie as commander-in-chief scares the living daylights out of me. Bernie what gets he would Guantanamo do to the American to Cuba. Military. Like, day one, he gets Guantanamo. <laughs> he gets yeah. to Cuba, dude. I mean, yeah. forget about Guantanamo. Yeah. But then he gives so us to Cuba, and we can go get cigars. We were talking about the coronavirus uh, today in my office off-air, and uh, I believe the coronavirus is going to cause real impact economically. Hmm. We're all going to get it eventually, <laughs> just like we all have had the 1918 flu. I mean, this is a, just another strain of flu. I hope that it doesn't, you know, kill 2% of the population, um, but we're all going to get it. Um, it what Bur- um, Barack Obama didn't release any federal money until 1,000 people were killed by the swine flu. Mm-hmm. Everybody is freaking out about this. We're talking about closing schools, et cetera, et cetera. How much of this do you guys believe is real, and how much of this is... Uh, the left or yep. the the corporate media wanting this to be real to hurt the economy because that's the only thing that will will hurt Donald Trump. They so they so desire this to be a real disaster that they can blame on him. I think you know it's a flu. It's you know we're gonna have these things come through from time to time. It's going to be what a, what a flu is. The flu, what does the flu kill every year? 65,000 people or something yeah, like yeah. that? 60, 68, yeah, 68,000. The death rate on a traditional flu is 0.1%. The death rate on this one is somewhere between 1% and 2%. The transmission rate, they're still trying to figure out. It's sort of hard to tell what the death rate is you based on really the fact that, the, that I'm not sure it's that in China. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? I'm not sure that we the know death the death rate, rate yeah. because I don't think that we know when people have mild... Well, we don't know what the denominator is. Right. So, so it's okay, hard to so tell the, what that is, but yeah. So the, the r naught is, which is the infection rate, is... A, a lot higher than the flu, uh, and the um, death rate. CDC came out today and said we might want to readjust some of these numbers 
the death rate in the West may actually be higher. They've been projecting mm. that China is, is you know, in the twos, 2.9, but they thought it would come down in the West. It was at first hovering about 1.5 uh, per, uh, per thousand, but it looks like uh, they're talking now that it might be in the twos for the West as well. Mm. Except that's, that I'm not sure that if people have if people have mild versions of it, they may never know that it was that's right. the virus that they had. Yeah. I, I'll say this: well, that's, I, that's the that's I'm, the one thing that I think we're going to see these numbers start going yeah. through the roof because we're testing now. Right, we right. hadn't been testing before. Yeah. So what I think what I think to answer your question, obviously the coronavirus is real, and obviously it's a problem that we're going to have to confront. Uh, I think that the fact that the Dow went into correction within ten days of being at an all time high. That is all the media. It, are there going to be long-time economic uh, consequences, long-term to the fact that the supply chain's been disrupted, that international travel's yeah. been disrupted? There is some of that that's real, but even that is mostly, I think, being uh, a response to the hype. You know, when, when people are like, I'm but, canceling my travel and stocks and airlines are going to start to collapse, the media is desperate to... to promulgate this well, because they know that this is Trump's vulnerability. No, I'm, I'm, I'm less, I'm less, I'm more, actually more pessimistic about the, the reality of, of coronavirus's economic impact than everybody else here. Like, I think that the, the, the disruption okay. of the supply chains <laughs> are, are a very serious thing. I think that Europe's economy was already teetering on the brink of a, a recession or depression. Uh, they've done yep. horrible systemic things to the economy in Europe, and they've been propping it up with central bank inflation for a very long time. When President Trump says, we ought to look at Germany and how they inflate the currency. I read the GDP growth rates of Germany over the last couple of years, it's 0.1%, 0.2% per quarter. So yeah. trying to point at them and being like, look how they're handling it, it's fantastic. He did the same thing with and Australia, the- very silly. Also, it is 100% true that the, Dem- that, that the media and the Democrats are trying to pin this on Trump when the thing has nothing right. to do with Trump, right? I mean, it ha- it's China and Europe. Hey, Glenn, there's, where- a, there's a couple of things also. There's also a couple of things that I think you need to look at with the economy. On the good side, this was the coronavirus that brought the stock market. We've been, we've been waiting for a 15, yeah. 20% uh, correction in the market. Yep. Yep. This is a great correction in the market if it doesn't continue to go down. Great correction in the market because Trump doesn't get blamed by, right. it can right. be blamed by the media, but everybody right now is like, that's coronavirus. That's why right. they're all buying toilet paper. So that's the the, the good side uh, of it. The bad side is today the Fed um, cut by, what was it? Point, 50 basis uh, half points. Half a point? 50 basis points, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we are we're looking at a significant cut, and the market went down. But don't you think that's uh, you because went, the cut signaled to the market that the government yes. is concerned about this? Yes, they actually they actually. Yes. It's why Trump should stop shouting about the damn Fed. Yes. It's ridiculous. This is not what the Federal Reserve was designed for. Using the Federal Reserve as your as your solution of first resort to economic slowdowns is a disaster area. It doesn't yeah. figure out any of the underlying problems in an economy. And it's moronic for Trump to be saying, well, we should lower it to below so, zero. You want to tank the economy? Lower the interest rates to below zero. Go for it, dude. Yeah. So we were just, if I may, just hijack your broadcast <laughs> for a second. We were just talking about this, and I would love to get your opinion. Donald Trump, somebody, if the economy goes the way that everybody is believing it's going to in the media, and we have real disruption, we have people that are not working, the economy and the engine comes to a stop for a while. We've never seen the number one and number two manufacturer and consumer go down for a six-month period. If those things do happen, we're going to have to do or consider what they're doing now in China or Hong Kong, and that is 
stop mortgages or give people a minimum you know, wage or whatever it is to keep things floating, how does a conservative, because I think we should talk about this and design something and promote something so it's not taken over by socialists, how does a conservative handle an economy that's stopped and pay people's mortgage do we do a loan program where, look, we'll give you $1,500 a month or whatever it is, but you have 10 years, 20 years to pay it back, but it's a stopgap from a socialist coming in and saying, I'm going to give you free everything because they're stingy and they won't give you anything, or a new FDR that starts programs that never go away. How do we deal with this? I mean. In the past, in 1920, when there was a serious depression, that's exactly what happened. Private investors, people who are very wealthy, came out of the woodwork. They have enormous amounts of charity. Employers floated their employees' loans. People recognized that the only way to keep the economy running was to was to incur some debt. Uh, that's when you would see the that, that's when you would see the usefulness of the Fed actually lowering interest rates. At that point, when you have a serious crisis where the economy grounds to a halt, then the Fed makes it very cheap for you to borrow money, and presumably everybody lives on credit for a little while. But yeah, I mean, th that is but the scary that's not, thing. That's not today. because And now everybody's going to scream about, I can't afford health care, I can't afford my rent, where's the government? In 1920, they told people, go away, it's not the government's <laughs> job. Yeah, but I think that this uh, is, a, this is the, the coronavirus thing, the, the supply chains will come back online. It's just a question yeah. of how long it's going to take for the supply chains to come back online. Correct. If, if we're talking about you know, the underlying systemic issues in Europe and China, those are the ones that are scarier. Because the fact yeah. is that China's been using debt-led growth in order to make its economy grow at these false rates. And Europe yeah. has been doing the same thing, which is why they keep having to undergo austerity cuts they don't actually pursue. Uh, th those, are, those are more serious problems for the world in the long run. I'm not, I'm not so worried that the coronavirus is going to tip us into a depression as much as I'm worried that for a six-month period, everything sort of grinds to a halt. Nobody's, nobody's forecasting that this tips us into like a full-scale economic meltdown. That's why the adjustment was, was 10% and not 50% of the economy, mm -hmm. probably. I think it would go to a full-fledged meltdown if you had the second black swan, and that's Bernie Sanders. Yes, I agree. Uh, I agree with this. I agree with this. Yeah. We have to prevent yeah. Bernie Sanders from becoming president of the United States. Glenn, when you're uh, not busy taking over every conservative organization <laughs> online except for ours, <laughs> and you're not predicting... A I am working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Your CEO, Tyler Carden, uh, yeah. he's what's working against you. I think, he's the, I think he's the smartest guy in the business, and I'm only yes. willing to work for the second smartest guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Why don't we just join together and you work for you guys and we work for us and we just make sure that none of us go away and our voices are protected so we can last a long time. Well, we're always here for you guys. For one thing, you do produce Likewise. the greatest ashtray uh, in all of conservatism. <laughs> we appreciate that. You're such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you, Glenn. Glenn. See you, Glenn. Thank you. What a great guy. He, he's a great guy, but I have to say, if I were locked in a room with Ben and Glenn, I think I would have to kill myself. <laughs> you guys are the two, be most, too optimistic? the two most depressing human beings. <laughs> uh, I'm the realist. Glenn is the pessimist. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, yeah. Although Glenn has higher highs than I do. Also, when Glenn gets, when Glenn gets, like I don't have very high highs. No, and, and my lows are pretty low. <laughs> Your lows I go are from like low. a two to like a negative two hundred. Glenn goes from like a hundred to a negative four hundred. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we just got an update. Joe Biden is giving a Super Tuesday speech here. Uh -oh. 
uh, to all of th- all of his supporters and thank them. And he confused his wife with his sister. <laughs> well, so, who has yeah, who has it? In the middle of the night, you had a few drinks. You know? Biden said, he literally said, I'm here to report that we are very much alive. <laughs> Fact wow. check. That may be an overstatement. Kind of true. <laughs> Fact check mixed. Yeah. By the way, Elizabeth Warren's going to finish third in Massachusetts behind Biden and Sanders. Oh, my goodness. Brutality. I'm not sure deserved. she's going to pull out. You know, she should. I mean, you'd think that would be it for her, but I'm not sure. Well, it is it for her. Yeah. She may not pull out of the race. Yeah. I, I think her whole plan has been to be vice, Bernie's vice president. That was what I thought she was doing. I thought it was to put the ratchet yeah. on. Now she has no leverage. I mean, if she's lost Massachusetts, she has no leverage. The question is, what does she come out with as a delegate count? And I don't think it's going to be anything, right? No. Right. She's yeah. going to end up with 11 delegates yeah. or something. So, so, so she, she hasn't got any leverage whatsoever. She I do enjoy Biden got was interrupted by the direct action everywhere and anti-dairy, anti-dairy protesters who have been all over California. So I guess Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix was up there. Was there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, can you imagine the, the, the yeah. Trump-Biden debates? This is why we need yeah. to establish English as our national, as our national, <laughs> because like I, I am not going to know what is going on. It's like a Mad Lib filled in by my son who cannot read or write. I, I like, think, what is that even going to sound like? I think like? this is going to look like, you know, you ever see like a, a dog pick up the pup and just shake it? Yeah. That's, that's what I think Trump is going to do to Biden. Yeah, it's going to be very sad. You know, it's really going to be sad because even though obviously I like Trump, I don't like Joe Biden. The difference is the speed, okay? J- Donald Trump <laughs> Donald Trump is so quick on his feet. Yeah. When it's with, you remember in that debate with Hillary, she goes, I don't want to live in an America where Donald Trump is president. Doesn't miss a beat. He goes, yeah, because you'd be in jail. He just moves on like that. <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden can't remember his wife. Can't yeah. remember God. Can't remember anything. <laughs> yeah, when you can't remember the name of God, it's, I mean, it's only <laughs> <Yeah>. three letters. <laughs> I do, I do want to say one thing about our president, uh, and I don't mean this is in any way to be insulting. Donald Trump is an old man. Mm. He's, he is he's a young man in this race. Yeah. He's, he's practically the, the youth youngest. Now. Yeah. Donald Trump is an old man. He currently is the old, the oldest person ever to be elected to a first term as yeah. president. Uh-huh. If he wins re-election, he'll be the oldest person ever to be elected to a second term as president. We're only sort of we're cavalier about it because they're running like people who've been dead for six months. Yeah. Uh, when I see Donald Trump lately, he's still entertaining. He's still amusing. I, I am not sure that he is going to be the same sharp performer that he was in 2016. I don't know. The, the Bloomberg thing where he was at CPAC and he, he got crouched down to mimic Mike's height. Oh, my height God, that was funny. Uh, yeah. Some of these lines, I, to me, I, I noticed but this. He's a, but Joe Biden is, here's the thing. Hillary Clinton is a harridan. Everyone knows this. It's why she's unpopular. Yeah, she's the reason that she did poorly is because she is the most unlikable person yeah. in American politics outside of Elizabeth Warren, who finally surpassed her <laughs> to her great glory and but forever. Elizabeth Warren is not a criminal like she was. Uh, yeah, right. she, she was not, but she was more unlikable. Like, she, she Maybe was. Maybe so. Yeah. She, she was. Like, if you had to pick somebody to babysit your kids, Hillary Clinton or Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> yeah. your kids would be you like, go, bring I, Hillary. I'd be, you go Clinton they, all day long. All, all, all day long. Especially this fun grandpa might come Yeah, Bill might be over. showing the kids porn, and you're like, what are you doing, grandpa? Crazy He's like, I remember that. Time I was taking so, him two at a time in the Oval Office. I, I want but but to take it, a moment to reflect on all those who we have lost so far. <laughs> I, the guys put this together for us. I think it's really oh. touching mm. and worth a few moments. We call it In Memoriam. Tonight, an improbable hope became an undeniable reality. <laughs> The biggest misconception is that I'm boring, because I'm not. <laughs> um. We give every American $1,000 a month free and clear. This is about the closest I'll 
probably ever have in my life to an I am Spartacus moment. I, I, I don't know, like members of the press, what the f***? She was, looking back, perhaps the worst candidate ever to run from any party in the history of this country. The president used taxpayer dollars to ask the Ukrainians to help him cheat an election. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. You've got to get up and stand up and don't give up the fight. (laughs) I believe in reproductive justice. Let's also not forget someone in the trans community, a trans female. How did you feel you did tonight? Well, I didn't feel I did very good, but then I got off stage and I was told I did okay. It's so glorious. It's really beautiful. I can't We're a professional company with professional people. It would be disrespectful. It would be disrespectful to rob the fallen candidates. I don't know exactly. Joe Biden just said in his, he's giving a speech right now, like a victory speech. He said, my reach does exceed our grasp because there's no doubt in my mind we can grasp whatever we reach for. (laughs) I don't know what that means. That's not English. That is not a properly constructed sentence. I I don't know what is going on and neither does he. Grandpa, get off Facebook. <laughs> By the way, stocks are continuing to surge as Biden picks up a victory because people are like, oh, good, it won't be the communist. <laughs> really, that's, what, that's what's no. happening. People are like, oh, okay, I feel like it's okay for me to invest in my business because the communist isn't going to come I, take everything. That's absolutely true. I have to say this whole thing, this whole analysis of the stock market, I just think is far, far too sophisticated for what's actually happening in the stock market. I think, I think this is, you know, if you look at the Ebola virus and the SARS virus, there's a stock market well, it's a V. That's then a V. It comes back up. What? Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the second one could be. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, worth noting. So the the end of the the end of the point that I was making at at some length about Hillary Clinton being unlikable before we got into joking about who would babysit our kids uh, is is that Joe Biden is not unlikable in the same way as Hillary Clinton. No, he just is not. No, he, I mean even Ted Cruz is out there saying I like, agree with you. Yeah. And, and and that is a problem. The people yeah, who love is. Donald Trump love Donald Trump. Everybody else thinks he's unlikable. Mm-hmm. That's just the reality. And everybody has an opinion. It's not like there's a bunch of swing voters in the middle who are like, do I have an opinion on the likability of Donald Like, that's the one thing everyone has an no, opinion that's on. Right. They may disagree with his policies or agree with his policies. Yeah. Maybe he can change them on that. But on the likability factor, he is 100% known. It's all baked into the cake. With, with Biden, Biden is a much more likable candidate than Hillary Clinton. So if you're comparing... Trump to Trump, Trump 2016 to Trump 2020, say he picks up some votes because he's had a good presidency in terms of policy. Agreed. If you're looking at Hillary versus Biden, I think Biden gets more votes than Hillary Clinton. I do. I don't see how Biden gets fewer votes. Who voted for who voted for Hillary Clinton who won't vote for Joe Biden? Let me put it that way. As do you I, think as, that constituency as, exists? As, as I say, I think that the country is so volatile that anything I say is only true in the moment that I right. say it. Like, I'm not predicting the future. Not right, no, 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 but I'm saying in the moment. To, to, in, that, the, in the moment, I think Trump would win. Yeah. 48 states. Yeah. <laughs> Against Joe Biden? Seriously? Yeah. But answer, but the question that I asked, do you yeah. really think, like, who voted for Hillary? Who's going to be like, no, you know, Hillary, now for, now I'm, now I'm for, and now I'm not voting for Biden. I think there Biden. were, there were people, a lot of moderates and, and some conservatives who didn't just sit it out, but actually voted for Hillary. I, I know some of them who are friends of mine, you know, yeah. they say Trump Me is too. just too Me far. Too. And who have now said, you know, I really wish he didn't send those tweets, but he's doing a pretty good job. I, I, like I do think that that I exists, know a lot but I think that if I think the idea that Trump could win 48 states against Biden, even if the election were held today, is just that's delusional. Obviously, that, well, I mean, it's obviously, an exaggeration. I'm, 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 it's an exaggeration. You mean 37 states? <laughs> I think that he might could have won 48 states against. He might could win 48 states against Sanders. He could also lose to what? Sanders. I actually think Glenn is right. In a two in a binary election, anybody can win. Mm-hmm. But I do generally believe. 
Trump could win the national vote and could have a 40-plus state blowout with a Sanders. That's just not going to be the case. I, I, don't, I don't agree with this. I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I was exaggerating. I was being funny. But I, but I still think that you guys don't count in certain things that are actually true, like the fact that Trump is doing a great job, that, that a lot of people, a lot of people who, I, I know a lot of people who hated Trump as much as you hated Trump when you started, as much as I hated Trump during the yeah. primaries, right, who, are now, Trump is- who are now writing to me and saying, of course. you know. But there is a different group of people who held their nose and voted for Trump last time who have come to hate Donald Trump. Many of them are suburban housewives. One of them is Clint Eastwood. I mean, we keep, we keep kind of blowing past this, but Clint Eastwood's piece, his statement saw, about yeah. voting for Bloomberg does represent a sentiment. And I'll actually tell you something that makes it a little bit sadder. When I met Donald Trump, the very first words that he spoke to me were, is Clint Eastwood here? I was hosting uh, Donald Trump for an event, and the thing that was so important to him was to meet Clint Eastwood. Because Clint Eastwood is, especially to a, I mean, even to me, but especially to someone man. of that age. He's the man. He's the man. But you know, the same. To the lose same. Clint Eastwood is, a, is not a small That's thing. That's why yeah, against but, Sanders, it's a, it's a different thing. It's a whole different ballgame. That's game. right. Against, against Sanders, it's like, who's more off-putting? The octogenarian communist. Of course it's Who's more dangerous? The octogenarian communist. It is a different ballgame, but... but Biden is a, he's just going to get worse and he's getting worse fast. He's worse now than he was two months ago. Yeah. And he's going to be worse in two months than he is now. And I think, he, well, you know, he's, he's in serious. This is an important point because you have seen him deteriorate and it, yes. it is accelerating. Yeah. And the reason for that is it's very, very difficult to run for president. Very I've difficult. been on presidential campaign trails. The schedules these guys keep up are absolutely it's insane. It's to watch them on television. It's tiring to watch a 50-year-old <laughs> yeah. do it. It's yeah. tiring to watch it. So to watch a, a man who's now 77 years old at, he's still got, what, six months to go. He is going to get, day by day, the guy's going to be pulling 18-hour days. He's physically going to fall apart, I, yeah. I predict. And I, he's, he's, it's happening to him now. It's happening. Yeah. I, but but yeah. remember, he didn't campaign, and he's winning. I mean, Joe I mean, Biden like, like, all over God's Joe, Joe, Biden, Joe Biden isn't doing anything. Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe, Biden, Joe Biden has been doing less campaign events than any other candidate on yeah. the map. In the last week, he's done a few campaign events. That's it. Joe Biden has, been, Joe, Joe Biden has not spent a dime on advertising. He has not spent a dime on, on a staff. He has no staff. Okay, the, the, the going theory by the New York Times a week ago was that because Joe Biden had no staffers in any of the on-the-ground states in, in the South that he was going to underperform, he's wildly overperforming estimates in all yeah. of these areas. So he hasn't campaigned, he hasn't spent money, and he hasn't built a staff. You know what's a thing? Two of those three things, they're going to change by the time a general election comes. They're going to spend oodles of money, and he will indeed have ground staff. Particularly, he ain't going to forget to visit Wisconsin this time, guys. Let's not I mean, forget like that we watched Hillary completely physically deteriorate during the 2016 election. Legitimately, I know that it, she collapsed. She yeah. physically, she collapsed, physically into collapsed into a van and they drove her away. Yeah. And and she won the majority more, not the majority, more Americans voted for than voted for Donald Trump. And even to the extent that Trump won and legitimately won, it was by about a fewer than 100,000 votes by in the, critical places. By the same token that we were talking about healthcare, and you said people like what they have. The incumbent has a tremendous. I agree that absolutely. I agree that Obama. Obama was one of the most incompetent presidents we have ever had. Misery like, like him, agree high. with him. You know, whatever. He was an incompetent president, but he was the man. He was the guy who was but in this there. Is and a, that's how so first of all, I've said that I think it's Donald Trump's to lose. I do think that the incumbent comes with advantages. Yeah. I do think Donald Trump is in a favored position to win the election. I think the idea that he's going to sweep it, run with it, blow it out, forty-eight states, win the popular vote. I think that's delusional. Yeah. I think that he is in the favored position to win the race. But it is my, my pushback against everything else that you've said tonight is what you just said. People don't vote because there's food on the table. 
they do when a country is poor, and it's a literal question of food on the table or not food on the table, but we're so rich in this country that we can actually afford certain affects. And the proof of this is that Barack Obama is the first president ever in our lifetimes, or maybe in, in the 20th, since the beginning of the 20th century, to win under the economic conditions that he won. Because even though he was a terrible president, even though the country was doing horribly economically, that isn't actually people's prime motivation anymore. People's prime motivation in America today, because we are so rich, is the signaling of virtue. No, I don't that agree That is with the that. coin, I, that, the coin I, I, of as, as long as we're not in a full-scale depression, I think that's true. Meaning you know, that it, unless we're, know, when, uh, when, we're in danger. When Trump was running, I remember there was this moment where he was talking to one of his enormous rallies, and he said if the unemployment rate were actually 5%, this room wouldn't be full. The employment rate is now almost what they say it is. I mean, for, for the first time, right. people are actually working. It, You know, I'm sorry, but this is something that people feel in their lives, and they do vote for that. Well, just, it's different That's different than but they numbers. Did, you it's just said they didn't with Obama. But it's different than statistics. I mean, I, I'm I'm not talking about statistics. I'm saying that, that was the, the power, economy yeah. was actually bad during Obama. Yeah. And he won. Because that was the power of the incumbency, I think. Yeah, he also ran against two terrible candidates. And, the and the that, one yeah. counterpoint I would make to this, because I do generally agree people want to be perceived in a certain way. They want to feel that they're virtuous and they want to have some meaning. When did Elizabeth Warren's campaign fall apart? It fell apart when she released that health care yeah, plan, right? right? She releases this, by the large estimates, $52 trillion health care plan. Because she became out. scary. And she finally, she became scary and people looked at the policy. One thing I'm always shocked by, this sounds like one of those stories that people tell on the campaign trail, but it really did happen. I was in an Uber in the middle of nowhere. I, have, I don't remember what town I was in. I think it was in Alabama. And I get in and I'm talking to the Uber driver and she's this lovely woman. And we're talking about that. It was right when the tax plan was coming out. And she said, what do you think about the tax plan? And I said, well, you know, I'm a political commentator. So let me give my <laughs> yeah. dumb view about this. And I said, what do you think? And she she went through the tax yes, plan. Yes, I she agree with you. She explained to me yeah. the provisions yeah. of the tax plan. I had no idea what they were. I think people pay a little closer attention than okay. a lot of us give them. Policy. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, okay, so I know we like to pretend that polls don't mean anything because they. No, polls it, don't mean anything at a certain time. Okay, no, but even then, I don't actually buy this. And the reason I say this is I'm going to read you some polls. This is, this is the polls from Romney versus Obama. Okay, incumbent president versus, versus outsider. Barack Obama, who has, according to most of the numbers, you know, a, an approval rating somewhere in the neighborhood that Donald Trump does now. Right? Donald Trump's maybe a little bit lower by some estimates in the average, maybe a little bit higher by Rasmussen or whatever. Okay, so here are the polls from February of 2012. Okay, so that year, and Romney was wrapping up the nomination already. Here are the polls. Obama plus six, plus six, plus six, plus five, plus 10, plus eight, plus seven, plus six, plus five, plus four, plus two, plus four. Romney plus four. Obama plus eight, plus 10, plus six, plus five. The point that I'm making is that the polls were not wrong. Okay, no, Barack no. Obama was in the lead. Now, here are the polls for Joe Biden versus Donald Trump in February, okay? January and February, okay? When, when he's just wrapping it up now, so he hadn't even wrapped it up yet. Okay, Biden plus nine, plus nine, plus nine, plus four, plus one, plus six, plus seven, plus six, plus eight. Trump plus four. Biden plus seven, plus two, plus eight, plus nine. Okay, the, the point that I'm making is that when every single poll is in one direction, it takes a miracle, which is what Trump got, not in the national vote, but he did get a miracle in the Electoral College, in order to swing a victory. So the, the sort of sanguinity that I'm hearing is what bothers me. The reason it's not sanguinity is I'm talking about tonight. And I, I totally understand that the thing is up for grabs. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't believe the polls. You are right that the polls on Obama were much better than they were given. The national polls yeah. on Hillary versus Trump were correct. It was the state polls that were incorrect. They were within one <laughs> point on the national polls. They were. 
Oh. I mean, that, that is a fact. The real clear politics poll average was within, within a point on the national polling. Right. Well, where, where, where do the polls matter, right? They matter on the okay, state but, level. Okay, but, but, but the, the bottom line... That's, that's not actually my point. My, my point is that right at this moment, this is a, a, a tremendously volatile moment. We are going to have a, we are going to have a campaign. It, it, listen, if what, you're saying, if what you're saying is that baked into the electorate is a Biden victory, then if you're right, you're right. No, right. I, I'm not saying baked into the electorate okay. is a Biden victory. I'm saying that the, the advantages of incumbency have been worn away by Donald Trump's volatility. And that Donald Trump, not entirely, because the incumbent is always in a more powerful position. Incumbents sure. tend to win. He lands in Air Force One. But, right. I mean, he's the president of the United States. He gets credit for all the things that go right. And he has the power of the airwaves because he's on TV all the time, right. every day. But what I'm saying is that there is this, there's this idea in the, in the Republican Party that I don't think there is the appropriate level of concern about Donald Trump's antics that there ought to be inside the Republican Party. Well, and I, I think yeah. that if you, if you, 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 know, you Andrew Clavin, have made the point over and over and over that Donald Trump is capable of learning. And I've made the point that I'm concerned that Donald Trump is not capable of learning. And in some areas, he's shown evidence, I, I would say, of being able to learn, particularly on policy. In areas of personal conduct, I don't think he has shown tremendous Listen. evidence of learning. If you are right, and I pray that you are, then the best move that the Republican Party can make right now is to sit this man down and explain to him that this is not a walkover election, that this election is not easy, yeah. and that there is no, and that betting on miracles the second time around, like, at a certain point, God is going to say, like, dude, like, I sent you the <laughs> helicopter the first time. Like, could you just stop, please? You know, I mean, you, you and I have been in complete agreement on the antics of Donald Trump, and people, people I, know, I don't know about you, but they misunderstand me. They think I'm attacking him, when what I'm saying is, no, this is not smart. It's not smart right, to exactly. tell, like, to do, tell better. Barr, do better, just yeah. do better, just do better, right. just do better. It's, it is not smart to attack uh, Bill Barr when he's doing his job. That is not a smart move. Politically, I mean, right. politically, it doesn't matter what you think or who's, who's right and who's wrong. And it, it worries me. I'm not, I'm not sanguine. I'm not sanguine at all. I'm simply saying that right at this moment, you know, there's an old political saying. It's the old, it may be the oldest political saying. Is you can't beat someone with no one. Right now, the Democrats have no one. I want to. Yeah. I, I, I don't fully agree with Ben. I mean, we, we're generally on the same side of this. But what I'm saying is slightly different. What I'm saying is that tonight is a bad night for Donald Trump. I'm not saying I, that I, I think. I agree that it would be better if, if Bernie. Not just that. It's a, yes, it is a bad night for Donald Trump because the person who has the best chance at beating him, we thought was defeated. And that isn't true now. The guy's fully in it. It's a bad night for Donald Trump because the thing that Trump is, that is his greatest strength, which is his economy, is badly compromised for the first time. And the thing that's compromising it doesn't show any signs of letting up in the near term and provides enormous fodder for his opponents. And fundamentally, his opponents are the media. I'm yeah, saying that always, Donald always. Trump's yeah. And they are lying about him. And we all agree that they're lying about him with coronavirus, Donald Trump's, 100%. Donald Trump's best, Donald Trump's chances of weight, retaining the presidency were much better. His outlook was much better 10 days ago. And his outlook tonight, while it is still, I agree, it is his to lose. I agree that the incumbency has power. His chances tonight are worse, that this is a bad night. And I think that the Republican Party, you call it health, I'm not sure if it's health, but the one thing that I think we both agree, the Republican Party is as unified behind this president as they've been behind any president mm -hmm. uh, in, in my political <laughs> yeah, life. Ever, ever, by far ever, yeah. I worry that when I hear Republicans talk about the real America and America rose up and Donald Trump had a message for America, I think that we're using language from the sort of Nixonian 60s past when there was this silent majority and that was true. And we're pretending that our enthusiasm for him within our tent, in our bubble, equals real America's enthusiasm for him. 
And I worry that what we're missing is that real America has changed. And we may be the political, Republicans are good at winning elections. We are. We're good at, at wielding, uh, at, at stealing uh, victories from the jaws of defeat, I guess is that right? Yeah. yeah. But we're, but we have lost, as a, as a sheer matter of numbers, we've lost the culture. The fact that three or four million more people voted for Hillary is meaningful. The fact that his best voting demographic is the very old and that for the first time in 2020, the very old are no, the boomers are no longer the majority of voters is bad. Now you can say, yeah, but they're kids and they won't show up. Yeah, I hope all of that, that may all be true. That's how you win electoral victories. And again, we're good at electoral victories. All of, their, all, yeah, yeah. all of their advantages may not equal victory, I, but I do think that we're taking our enthusiasm and pretending that the country is something other I, I, than it is. I, I, first of all, I think I think you're right about this. I think that we have reached a tremendous watershed, as I've said from the very beginning, where I think that the old order has gone away. I don't think the new order has formed itself. And one of the things that we've been very uh, uh, fortunate in is that the Democrats have no ideas. Their ideas are from the 19th, literally from the 19th century, yes. that they're selling these ideas. What, it, what is weird to me and hopeful to me is I don't think Donald Trump has the vision for the future either, obviously. No. I don't think he has the idea of what's going on. But what I think is interesting is I think a Republican Party is forming around him yeah. that does have a vision for the future and that somebody is going to tap into yeah. eventually. And I think it is a Republican Party. Now, you're, you're right about America. America has deeply, deeply changed, but it's in flux. As I've said from the minute Trump was elected, the furniture, the gravity has left the building, the furniture is floating around the room. We don't know where it's going to land. <clears throat> but so far, what I've seen from the people gathering around Trump, not from Trump himself, because I, like I said, I don't think he has that vision, but from the people gathering around Trump is that a vision is forming on the right that has not yet formed on the left. Socialism never works. It doesn't work. It always fails. They are selling something that is so old. Well, this, so, is, this is the there's one a reason. There's a reason they're this is old because they're right. selling but something. This, so is, old. this is one of the reasons yeah. why you're right that it would be better for Trump if Sanders were the nominee because it gives you an opponent, an ideological opponent right. to, to bounce off of. Yeah. Joe Biden is just mush. Yeah. Right. Who, who the hell knows what Joe Biden? And, and you may be you may be right. That's enough to get him over the top. I'm, I'm yeah. doubtful. You know. By the way, they are projecting that Biden is <laughs> is now the winner of the Massachusetts primaries. He won Massachusetts and Minnesota. I mean, that's that's. That's By a, all measures, this is an great. excellent night. Well, this is why, to, to both of your for points, him. I think uh, certainly the president is more afraid of Joe Biden yeah. than of Bernie no Sanders. Question. And the evidence of this is pretty simple. He keeps defending Bernie Sanders <laughs> yeah, and he keeps yeah. attacking yeah. Sleepy <laughs> Joe and, and Little yeah. Mike, or Mini yeah. Mike, rather. Yeah. Right. So I love it. It's a very fun troll he does. He goes, they're robbing Bernie. They're yeah. stealing. You better go get him, Bernie. On, obviously, yeah. if he thought that Bernie were a real threat, he would not be cheering right. him right. By the way, again, Walsh... Uh, Walsh on Twitter on these nights is, is excellent. Yeah, he, he just tweeted out, by calling his sister his wife, Joe Biden is making a bold play for Ilhan Omar. <laughs> <laughs> speaking, of Joe, speaking of Matt Walsh, we have with us here the Matt man, Walsh. the myth, the oh, legend. Right. There it is. Okay, I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> Say his name three times and he appears in the mirror. He's a candy man over here. <laughs> Matt, how's it going out there? Good, good. I was going to I was gonna use that Ilhan Omar joke, but then you just took it from it. <laughs> I cited you, though. I cited you. So, <laughs> good, good. What, so, uh, what do, so what do you uh, what do you make of Joe Biden's sweeping victories tonight? Good for the country, bad for the country. Where are you on this? Uh, well, I, I'm, it's great for us as conservatives. I absolutely love it. I'm loving every minute of this. I, I think that uh, it's great that the Democrats kicked out all their moderately talented politicians <laughs> and left, <laughs> left us with the two decrepit old kooks. I, I just I absolutely love it. Uh, I guess you guys have already covered the 
Biden confusing his yeah sister with his wife. So, I mean, it's just it's it's amazing. It's amazing stuff. I, I really love it. I love every second of it. <laughs> what do you what do you make of the president's chances against Biden? Uh, I, one thing is I, I'm, I've discovered that I'm really bad at predicting things with Donald yeah, Trump. We all are, I, it, yeah. I really, I really have no idea. I would think that his chances are pretty good just because Joe Biden is, I mean, he really is coming apart mentally. And so I feel somewhat bad making jokes about it because I actually do think that he's suffering from dementia. The guy's yeah. going to be 78 years old. We have to keep in mind that at, and I've been, I've been beating this drum at, at 80, at the age of 80, your chance of getting dementia is about 20%. A 75-year-old man has a life expectancy of, of 10 years, and those are you know, those are for, for, for people that are retired and are just on the golf course all, all day. If you take on the most stressful job in the world, uh, how does that affect it? So plus, I really believe plus that— it's worse than that because I don't believe Joe Biden lives on fast food, and I think that he's actually done some exercise in his life. <laughs> and so if you compare him to our other 70-plus-year-old uh, president— he has much less life energy. He's depleted his He's energy. His yeah, yeah. Life I actually, on, on the Biden uh, sort of play here, I know, Matt, that you are very faithful and a strong believer in the thing. Do you believe that Joe <laughs> Biden is going to make inroads among evangelical th- thingians? <laughs> I, I think well he you know he's given all the glory to the thing today and that's why that's why I like about it. <laughs> uh, I, 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 it's hard for me to see how Christians could support Joe Biden considering that he has fallen in line and and he now supports as far as I know he supports abortion uh, through all stages of pregnancy because you have to in order to be a Democrat in the year 2020. That's right. But at the same time, you know he he I think that moment he had a couple uh, days ago where he was talking about his faith and and losing his his wife and his. Uh, and his kids. That, that was a real moment. And I do think that connects with people. That's the one thing I'll give to Joe Biden. The credit I'll give him is that he, he has suffered more than than um, than I certainly have ever in my life. It could ever conceive of suffering. And he's been able to move forward, at least after going through that, which I don't think I'd be able to do. I think to even go through something like that and just get up the next day and put one foot in front of another takes courage. So, you know, of course, um, that's true. But I, I do want to point out here and this is certainly going to come up if Biden gets the nomination, gets to a general. Uh, obviously, Biden suffers this horrific tragedy, yes. unimaginable tragedy. The, the driver who struck his wife's car and killed, killed his wife, was uh, it was just an accident. He was tested. He was not a drunk driver. It was just a horrible, horrible accident, which Joe Biden you know, would talk about for years. After that driver died, he began to slander him absolutely mm-hmm. baselessly as a drunk driver, and he did it repeatedly on the campaign trail in 2008. It was disgusting. It was despicable. It caused horrific pain to that man's family. That's going to come back up, and that's a really slimy, grimy thing to do. I will say this is one of the terrible things about politics. It's a, it, it ends up being true of any politician if they stay in politics long enough, is that they actually have to take what's real about themselves yeah. And morph it yeah. into something that's <clears throat> packageable. Air sass, yeah, that's correct. Yeah. It's terrible. That's correct. By the way, I, I'm just going to put it out there: the Trump versus Biden debates. As I, I said this back in December, I'm going to re-up this. They are going to be the Swedish Chef versus Chewbacca. That one of the things we've been uh, talking about, other than how great you are on Twitter on nights like this. <laughs> But we've been speaking over the course of the night about a vision for this sort of vision for a new conservatism that you hear a lot of people talking about right now. Where, where are you on this thing? Um, well, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I'm not exactly sure what conservatism is right now or what it has been. And uh, I think it's good, I guess, that we're talking about it. 
Um, so I think that we do need, I don't know if it's a new conservatism or at least conservatism to be defined as something, which, which I think comes down to a basic question, of course, which is what exactly are we trying to conserve? And if we can't agree on, on what that thing is, then I'm not even sure if we're all in the same movement or not. And so I guess, I guess that's the question. And the fact that we're at least having that discussion finally, uh, really for the first time in my life that I can remember, uh, I, I would say that's a, a positive well, step forward. Matt, you've made this point. I've noticed it on Twitter and on your show, which I think is really helpful to frame the discussion because I think each side, you know, mm -hmm. the more kind of socially traditional side, they'll point to the other guys and they'll say, you're crazy libertarians. And then the libertarians will point and they'll say, you're a bunch of Catholic integralists who want the Pope to rule America. But really the issue that you come back to a lot, Matt, is, hey, do we think that uh, drag queens should twerk in toddlers' faces? Do we think the founding fathers believed this was like a blessing of liberty and a glory of America? And uh, I think, uh, at least you and I would say no, but I think really all of us would say no. We shouldn't have that, right? No, the question is how to respond. Right, and the question is what government policy is <laughs> is well calibrated to achieve the, the goal of protecting the innocence of children. Right. And I think that the people who are like, well, the First Amendment needs to be, uh, needs to be adumbrated in order so that we can ensure that, that we can't have drag queens twerking at children. First of all, let's just be real about this. Yes, drag queen story hour is horrific. It's child abuse. Also, you know what happens? Those kids live in homes with parents who bring them to drag queen story hour. So in the life of the children I, yeah. and, and like I, the grand no, list of things that harm now. children. I, I, believe, I believe that child abuse is the number one health problem in this country. Mm. The number one health problem in this country. And the, and the, the normalization of child abuse. Yes. The fact that it's, yeah. it's mainstream, people defend it. And I think with something like drag queen drag queens twerking in front of kids, it should it would be really easy, actually, at least practically speaking, to make laws against this kind of thing, yep. I would think. Now, yeah. politically speaking, it, 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 of course, wouldn't be wouldn't be easy to do. But I think that's what the problem is. A lot of conservatives are very reluctant about calling for laws for the state to be used even to protect the innocent. And I think we have to get over that squeamishness, because when it comes to totally. our kids being abused uh, to the sound of applause, that one video of the of the you know the the drag queen performing a striptease essentially in front of a of a, of a six year old girl, uh, that's where I think the state needs to rise up and 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 do what it's supposed to. You know, to do. right now in the United States, in 19 states, adultery is illegal. Until the mid 20th century, cohabitation, fornication, and adultery were illegal in most states in America. How'd that work? And well, it worked <laughs> out very well. America was pretty good up until that point. You know, do you think and, that was because of the legal barriers, or do you think that was because, it was because we had a culture of people who scorned people? Do I think, think, we I think culture adulterers? affects politics, and politics affects culture too. No, politics is the last vestige of culture. No, I, but that I, means I, that I, once I, the culture is gone, the politics. It's more, it's more complicated than this. Yeah. I mean, people people now say to me, "Well, what good is an anti-abortion law when you can take a pill?" that gives you an abortion. And that is practically true, but culturally, I think it is important to say that life is, is protected, that you can't right. kill people. You can't solve your problems by killing people. I okay. think it's also so, important. So, so, let me ask you, so let me ask you this. I mean, he, yeah. he's going to brought it up. Do you think that adultery should be illegal? Do you think the state should prosecute adultery? Do I, no, I probably don't. But, but, I, but I have to say that once, you know, Ben, once you say this, once you say that you can have a no-fault divorce, there's no argument against letting gay people get I did, uh, well, well, no I, fault divorce. It, I, just I don't, I don't think, uh, this is why I don't think that the state should be the arbiter of morality. I think that the state, as the as the entity that determines whether I can divorce somebody, is ridiculous because the state's garbage at everything. Yeah, but I think my state, shul, I think my synagogue should determine whether I can divorce somebody. And guess what? Mine, mine is pretty damn strict about this sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, but this, the problem is, I mean, it, it is more complicated than this. It is true. It is true that the state that our laws reflect morality. That is what they reflect. Our laws say this is something you can't do. And they don't just reflect harm. They re actually reflect... Natural moral, rights uh, come from the natural law. That's right. Which yeah. is a moral But I, moral. I think where I would push back, I know what conservatism is. The conservatism I'm willing to fight for 
the thing that I want to conserve is American liberalism. Yeah. The only thing I'm too. interested in conserving from, you know, not the only thing I'm interested in conserving, the thing I am ultimately interested in conserving from uh, the point of view of the state, the use of the state is American liberalism. And yeah, but we, wouldn't you say, I mean, just uh, not just a slight interjection here. Obviously, at the time of the founding, all these sorts of things, there were laws against fornication, cohabitation, all these kind of moral laws that yeah. now we would say are antithetical con to conservatism, but all our wonderfully enlightened liberal founding fathers no, thought because, they were just Because morality, and this is where I disagree with you guys about morality. I don't agree that there is an absolute universal morality given to us by God. I don't think that's true. Morality, there may be an absolute standard given to us by God, but that is not the definition of morality. Morality is a cultural phenomenon. It's ethic, ethics is a cultural yes, phenomenon. Yes, ethics yeah. is a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. When, you live, when you live in a country where the vast majority of people agree that divorce is wrong, then the laws can reflect that belief this is the other side without the it being tyrannical. Yes. Yeah. When you live in a country where the vast majority of people believe that, uh, that divorce is right, then a law ex making divorce illegal is tyrannical. This is the other side of the problem, and this is the point where uh, by, Ben by, and I agree. I'm sorry, just, to, just one second yeah. here. If you then pass a law to make it illegal again, by definition, it's not tyrannical because the duly elected representatives are voting. Okay, well, now, no, you, no, now, no, now right. you've set up a principle that has no Slavery, slavery okay, once, was tyrannical. Once you say a majority... Right, once you say a majority makes a law, now it's not tyrannical. My premise is that it is a While we have Matt here, let me ask you, you're talking about something that I think can, does pass the smell test, which is protecting children. But what do you do when you get beyond this point? I mean, uh, for instance, Drag Queen Story Hour, as Ben says, is something that people bring their children to. Should you not be allowed to do that if you're in San Francisco where everybody's nuts? <laughs> I would say you shouldn't be allowed to do it. You, the parents should be arrested. I mean, if I were in charge, that's what I would do. I, yeah. would, I would just arrest the parents. I think you're, you're bringing your child in to be conditioned in a very pedophilic way that might not be the intention of the parent, but it's the same thing if, look, if, if I, I think we would, most of us would probably agree that it, that it should be legal, it probably is, to bring your, your six-year-old child to a, a burlesque show in, in Las Vegas. I don't think you can do that. And I think we would all agree that if a parent did that, that, that parent should be carted off to jail because that is so grotesque and obscene and you're abusing your child. It shouldn't be allowed in a decent society. It's the same thing with drag queens. Drag, drag queens, that is burlesque. The only difference is that it's a man dressed up like a woman. Uh, so I, I actually agree with this, but I, but I think this is why the Drag Queen Story Hour is not the proper example of, of this particular sort of conversation. Great. I think the adultery example is actually a better example of this sort of conversation, because there you're talking about consenting adults involved in activities that you disapprove of. Well, we're it, not is, really, it is on the continuum, because Jeremy says, well, in a, in a com community where everybody agrees adultery is wrong, you can pass an anti-adultery law, law, but in a community where everybody agrees that child abuse is right, they're all wrong. And, and somebody does have well, I mean, to stand uh, up uh, so obviously, So obviously I, I agree with that, but I also, I, I think one of the things that Jeremy and I also agree on is the, is the power of localism. And yeah, I think that, that one of the things that has yeah. happened here is that the conservative movement has decided to nationalize every issue because the left has decided to nationalize yeah, every yeah, issue. Yeah, and that's a disaster area in and of itself, that's except in cases where the non-harm principle is violated. This is why I keep saying I think Drag Queen Story Hour is a poor example. Abortion is a poor example. The non-harm principle is, in fact, violated in those cases. Right. You can be a full-on libertarian and still believe that children should not be dragged to burlesque shows and believe right. that children should not be aborted well, in the, the womb. The question, really, I mean, this was the debate that everyone had, the conservatives, at the end of 2019, which was, should we have regulations on pornography? Obviously, we do currently. Ten years ago, we jailed a pornographer for obscenity at the federal level, and you still need an ID if you want to buy a Playboy. But there are some people who say there should not be regulations on pornography. Matt? 
Yeah, and and I think the, the the strongest argument there, in my opinion, about the pornography thing that I, I didn't hear anyone give a an answer to, as far as I saw, was that uh, it's an it is an issue of of consent, and um, and right now children. If this stuff is all over the internet, then children will have access to it as they do. We know that children, you know, on average, I think the age is eight now that they're exposed to hardcore porn, which is insane. Um, but children are not able to consent to being exposed to that sort of thing just for the same reason that children aren't allowed to con- aren't able to consent to being involved in a sexual act or participating in one. Mm-hmm. I would say that they that they aren't able to psychologically psychologically consent to being a spectator in a um in a in a sexual act. So. I would say putting this stuff in the public domain automatically violates the consent of children because you're, you're, you're putting it in a place where they can find it and they can't consent to it. So when they're exposed to it, they are being abused for the same reason and I think that, that if, if you have... And I think that if the so-called uh, common good movement on the right were to make a suggestion that we should regulate uh, the distribution of pornography to make it far less accessible... To children, there's no argument. They would there. get a lot of buy-in from even the most ardent libertarian. Maybe not the very most ardent. Yeah. Not, not the folks of reason. <laughs> they would get everywhere, everywhere they, else. They everywhere would get a lot of buy-in from all the people who they slander by calling them libertarians. You know, yeah. you know that, but yeah. but that's not what they do. The argument online is: Should we ban porn? You're a pervert if you think the answer is no. That there's a major dis- difference between banning porn. Like, should we ban drag queens? Is a different question than should we. Allow and parents to bring children. Well, to well then drag let me bring this then into both of these arguments to the localism point, which is: Do you think it is perfectly right and American and just to allow local jurisdictions to pass their own regulations on pornography in their town or their their municipality? It used to be that used to be. I certainly yes, yeah. fine. But, yeah. but you know, I, I don't have a problem with that, the, the, especially because again, pornography is not a core right. But I think that when you get into areas where core right is implicated, yeah. then then things change what, very quickly. What's interesting about this, and the reason I call this such a huge health pro- problem, is the left actually agrees with us but doesn't know it. Hmm. it. When they look at Harvey Weinstein, they said, oh, how wonderful that the jury was able to convict even though these women continued in a relationship with their rapists. And the reason they continued in a relationship with their rapists is because they were all abused as children, every single hmm. one of them, every single one of the women that... Harvey uh, abused and then stuck with him had been abused as a child, and that conditions you to think of abuse as as affection, and and that is is the reason those people are in that situation, and those are the people that Harvey Weinstein fed off of. It's all one thing. And by the way, NBC, which killed the Harvey Weinstein story because they were protecting Matt Lauer, and ABC, which killed the Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein story, I mean, are all participating in this. And I think it's when we start to see right. this is a continuum, I actually think there is a consensus to be had here. Well, again, I think that consensus is largely, I go back to the localism point, I think the consensus is largely based on localism. The government, the, yeah. the founders did create a, when it came to these issues, an extraordinarily weak federal government. When it came to yep. issues of regulating speech, very, very weak. When it came to the states, even most states have protections for speech in the state constitution. When it comes to the local level and you're regulating zoning, like I, I don't know many conservatives who are like, I'm, I'm anti-zoning laws yeah. <laughs> when it comes to a pornography shop next to my right. house. Like everybody's like, nobody wants porn in their local community. I get it, Not I'm for backyard. it. I think, it, right. And, and that's fine. But I think that once you start getting to the issue of, what is government capable of doing and what should government do? The easy conflation of everything you'd want done on your local level with the federal government doing it to everybody is oh, a yeah, very, very different certainly. issue. It's a real problem, and it's also a problem in an Internet age when pornography is impossible to ban across state lines. Yeah. It's- well, it's actually not. We think of the Internet as working a certain way, yeah. which is that everything is everywhere. 
local servers can absolutely mm. preclude you from seeing sites that you could see if you were in a different jurisdiction. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. That was one of the things that the net neutrality fight was actually about. No, right. Yeah. And, we, and we won that fight. So you can say that you can look at pornography in San Francisco and can't look at it in Redding, California. Yeah. But they can we, absolutely make that happen. Can you make it foolproof? Well, no, but did none of you have a Playboy magazine when you were uh, Not even. I've never. I read it for the articles. <laughs> yeah, the my, articles. my point being, yeah, it was very hard to Norman access. It was hard to access. Yeah. What now amounts to not even pornography? It's just yeah, making it's like a catalog. Yeah, it's basically yeah. Victoria's Secret. But it was hard to access that when I was a teenager. But you still encountered it. You just didn't have unfettered, complete access. Like I had probably seen three naked women in a magazine by the time that I was uh, thirteen or fourteen. Not three or four or five thousand people engaged in the most defiling acts ever yeah. imaginable. <laughs> yeah, right, right. This is another place where I think conservatives make major mistakes. The modern because we're becoming very centralized in our focus, which I think is one of the things that I want to conserve against. Yeah. Is that we think everything has to be an all win or an I, all win. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page on this. Uh, quick, quick updates on, on California and Texas. California was called immediately out of the gate for Sanders. The exit polls are showing uh, Bernie up 38 to 23 over Biden, which is a fairly large victory, obviously, for Bernie. It also shows uh, Warren crossing the threshold, but not Bloomberg, from, from what I understand. Uh, so that, that is, uh, that's complicating things for Biden's final yeah. victory tonight. Also, Texas is incredibly close at mm-hmm. this point. Uh, Matt, and- give, us your, give us your final assessment of, uh, of where things stand. Well, I Who's just the big think- winner tonight? Uh, who knows? I, I, it sounds like Biden. I, and, I, and I think that uh, I could easily be wrong about that. But I keep going back. I keep thinking about Elizabeth Warren and uh, just what an absolute fraud and charlatan this woman is that she's got her ideological, her ideological ally who she's she's siphoning votes away from. And that's the only function she's serving at this point. I can't see any other reason that she's there. So once again, she's uh, expo- I guess that's not really the headline of tonight, but she is exposed yet again as a as an, as a total fraud which, well, I, which can't I've wait, also I can't wait to read on uh, the media matters twitter feed tomorrow about this white man condemning a native woman <laughs> <laughs> saying that she doesn't belong in the race uh matt thanks for hanging out with us uh pick up matt's new book church of cowards a wake-up call to complacent christians and tune in to the matt wall show right here at the daily wire matt thanks again thanks matt thanks a lot guys see you matt by the way some, some breaking news from california 84 percent of latinos under the age of 30 who came out to vote voted for bernie Ah, okay. That is wow. a that is a brutal showing for Joe Biden, and it, it does demonstrate that his youth appeal exists, yeah. even if the turnout is not necessarily up. So, hey, can can we stop for just a moment to celebrate the fact that this is the publication day of my book, The Nightmare Feast? This is I the publication. Oh, this really? Is the publication. What are you doing here? <laughs> you were the only guys who would give me free booze. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> the Nightmare Feast. Tell it's us a little the, bit about it, it. It is the second book in the Another Kingdom trilogy. It was a very popular podcast yeah. on our on our own Daily Wire, and it's been brought out absolutely. Put out a beautiful edition of it, and uh, it is the story of this uh, failed screenwriter who walks into a, a magical world and finds himself uh, a, a, a hero he didn't mean to be. And it's uh, I, I'm I'm so proud of this book, and I have to say, Knowles, who is going to be recording the audiobook. Um, has done a great job in bringing it to life. Well, that's very kind. It pains me, as you know, to compliment Drew on in this sort of <laughs> it seems to pain everybody. massive way. But it, the series is just magnificent. I mean, it's so, so good. There's a reason why it jumped to the top of the charts when we put out that very first season. Yeah. There's a reason it stayed very popular. Uh, but when you get to, it, it's one of these rare trilogies where the first one is good, the second one is better, 
And then the third one is best of all. But you got to read the second one if you want to get to the third one. And we got two million downloads on that third season. Yeah. So it was pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. That's pretty, all right. Now all of my compliments yes. are over. All right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right, and I'll forget. I'll forget them. Forget them all. <laughs> Go buy it wherever Drew's crappy book is. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear from a few more Daily Wire subscribers. They're the guys who keep us in business by going over to dailywire.com clicking on that subscribe button and giving us their hard-earned cash. Alicia, uh, do you have anything for us? Alicia, Absolutely. you don't you don't look like you've aged today, but I'm almost as old as Joe Biden since the beginning <laughs> of this <laughs> broadcast. It's professional hair and makeup and spanks. <laughs> and because it's Super Tuesday and because we're selfish, rich capitalists over here, we have some great savings in store for people who might not be subscribers but want to become one tonight. So right now, you can become a Daily Wire member for 25% off on any plan using the coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST. I mean... <laughs> We can all get on board with that, right? So use that coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST and Daily Wire members get an ad-free website experience. That's amazing. Access to all of our live broadcasts like this one and show libraries and so much more. Again, that's 25% off on Daily Wire memberships for all plans using the coupon code NEVERSOCIALIST. And after all, because we are capitalists and we want all of your money, as the God King would say, (laughs) Super Tuesday calls for those super savings. Oh, that's such a cheesy line. I love it. So head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Act now before it's too late. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. And by the way, we're still running that poll. So don't forget to text in who you think is going to win the Democratic nomination by texting either Biden, Sanders, Bloomberg, or Warren to 83400. That's 83400. And we'll reveal the results at the end of the night. Once again, that's not who's going to take tonight, which, you know, with the Sanders getting California, he's got a lot of delegates in his camp now, but who you think will end up being the DNC nominee. All right, so now we have a really good question. I like this one a lot. If Biden becomes the nominee and because he's kind of running as this moderate and everybody talks about him as being such a nice guy, what ads do you think that the GOP can cut to show his true liberal colors? Well, the clip that made our friend Andrew Breitbart, who, by the way, we just celebrated... I shouldn't say we didn't celebrate anything. Commemorated. We just commemorated yeah. the eighth anniversary yeah. of, of Andrew's death uh, this week. The moment that made Andrew a conservative was the the attack by mm. Biden and Kennedy right. on Clarence Thomas back during the the Anita Hill hearings. Uh, I think I think you're going to see a lot of Joe from the old days back. Uh, it's a back long before. history. It's a long history. One of the problems of being in public life, literally a hundred percent of your total yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is that there's an awful lot to pull from. Yeah, That's true, and it's going to be interesting because the left has played up Anita Hill, yep. who is making the allegations against Clarence Thomas. So they've tried to make her into some kind of hero. And for all the conservatives and normal-minded people, we say it was so outrageous. It was, to use Clarence Thomas's words, a high-tech lynching. Yeah. So that'll come up. I do think that his smearing of the, the guy involved in that car accident, I think that's going to come up. Just on a personal level, it's very ugly. And then, you know, he's held every position. He doesn't really believe in anything. And a lot of the views that he held in his career back in the 1970s are not going to play very well with progressives today. You saw Kamala Harris drag up busing. That was probably not a smart policy to bring up because it was always unpopular. But there's a lot of other stuff back there. So, and so The only, the only the, the, one the I disagree ads. with you on is I disagree with you that they're going to go after him about the drunken driving thing because no, losing too your, close to his family. Yeah, they're not, yeah, they're not yeah, going to touch that. Losing your family is just too hard. Uh, honestly, I don't, I don't think they're going to touch the Clarence Thomas thing. I don't, I don't think really? that's really? it. Yeah, because I think it's too long ago. I think that, that Clarence Thomas is not seen widely by the media as, as a victim. HBO made an entire series trying to rehabilitate Anita yeah. Hill. So I, I really don't think that's where they're going to go. I think it's going to be entirely about Hunter Biden. And then I think it's going to be entirely about Joe Biden saying that, for example, he would like to stop fracking. Uh-huh. They're going to run that ad 1,000 times in the state of, of Pennsylvania. Uh, I think that, that 
the, the problem for Biden is he doesn't say as sort of unbridled things as Bernie Sanders does. So it's a little bit harder to find. And, and again, when he does, he's so crazy and so out of it that it's like, do, yeah. do you attribute that to an actual position or do you I, attribute it to the fact that the man's nuts? I think they're going to play that, that ad. Well, I mean, yeah, the, the fact know, that he's yeah. too old yeah. and the fact that he can't string the sentences together, that for sure is going to come out and Trump's not going to be shy about any of that. <laughs> yeah. and, and that did Trump. hurt Hillary Clinton, right? I mean, yeah. all, all the questions about her help, they refused to answer. This is the part, the Hunter stuff is really going to be telling for, for Biden because yeah. it was. I mean, there, there was a study recently that looked at the, the words that people were using to describe various candidates. And for Biden, it was something like, Good guy and corrupt. Those were like the two, huh. yeah. and, and corruption was, was definitely in the top three because Republicans have been hammering the Hunter Biden stuff so hard. Yeah. And the fact is, every single person with the last name Biden has been enriching themselves off the back of Joe Biden. It so is amazing. It, it's incredible. Like his yeah. brothers, his son, like all of that stuff is going to become serious campaign fodder. It, it does neutralize the Trump is corrupt attack. Yep. The, the, the attack that, that is going to be hard to neutralize is the Trump is a mean person, whereas Joe Biden is a nice guy attack. That one's going to be tough with women. Yeah. yeah, you know, I've always thought the one thing about uh, Bernie Sanders, I've always thought is that it was it's hard for Trump to attack Bernie Sanders on certain on being like loud and crazy yeah. and all that because Trump is all those things yeah. and he's kind of right back at you. That's the one thing that Bernie was kind of uh, um, protected Listen, about. Bernie still has a shot at being the nominee. Oh, he does. The no way problem. the night's going, it's not it's not shaping up well, as well for so Biden. Well, he, he's he's won Texas. So they, they, I yeah. mean, Dave Wasserman from the New York Times just declared that, he, that that Biden won Texas. That was that contested. Biden won Texas. That Biden won Texas. Ah. Yeah, but uh, remember so the, the delegate count is going to still be the, pretty. The delegate easy. count. Yes. So the New York Times right now is putting the delegate count at Biden at six thirty one and Bernie at five seventy five. Uh, the, then the question becomes the upcoming states, and so we actually have to look to the the calendar, the, the Democratic presidential election calendar. So the states that are coming up after Super Tuesday, just looking ahead are Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, Washington. So you assume that Washington is locked up for Bernie. Uh, you assume that Michigan is a, is a dogfight because, yeah. because Biden really did right. well in Minnesota. So you yeah. assume Michigan is a dogfight. Mississippi and Missouri will be blowouts for Biden. Right. Yeah. Um, and Idaho will probably go for Bernie, you would imagine. Uh, then you move on to the next big states, March 17th, are Arizona, Florida, Illinois, and Ohio. Uh, Ohio, you would imagine, would be Biden territory because it's very blue-collar. Uh, you would imagine that Illinois is going to be a battle, particularly Biden is going to do well in Chicago, obviously, because, again, states with heavy black populations in the Democratic primary vote have been going very heavily for, for Biden. Florida, you would imagine, is a blowout in favor of Biden. And Arizona, you would imagine, is is probably yes. very competitive because mm. Bernie has been doing very well with Latino voters. So the Georgia is coming up. That's a Biden state. It, it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, yeah. this thing is not over you yet. Know, New York is, it, like, New York has tons of delegates. We have an updated national map right now that we can look at for yeah. just a second. It's uh, worth pointing out, right now in Texas, Bernie is still technically leading mm. with their 39% reporting. It's a very, very tight margin, but he is still in the lead. It's still when you consider what was going on a week ago, two weeks ago. It's pretty it's impressive for Biden. Yeah. And, and it, again, I think it has more to do with Bernie becoming the center of attention and people freaking out. The, and it has to do with Biden. his own party freaking out. Right, yeah, his own yeah. party looking at this and going, this guy's a nutty old commie. Yeah. What have we been doing this it's whole time? It's also true that Bloomberg's done even if he stays in the race and keeps spending money. Well, yeah. Because people will see him as unviable now. What do you think he'll do? You think he'll drop? I think I think. I think tomorrow he'll drop. drop. I think tomorrow he'll Me drop. Me too. I and so. I, think, I think Warren will drop too. I think, I think it'll do. be down to it. Yeah, I, I think because like, what, is she going to run the Jill Stein routine? Right. Like donate money to, to me and my friends and I'll still be president no matter what. Like, that, like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I don't think that's right. So it's it, what this night showed is that Bernie has a ceiling. Right. That was the that was the rap on Bernie. He had a floor and he had a ceiling. Mm. And Biden doesn't have a ceiling in those Democratic primaries. Mm -hmm. 
right? He's been winning over 50% in yeah. some of these Democratic primaries. Bernie was is capping out in like best case scenario for Bernie, like best case scenario aside from Vermont. Bernie has not won more than 35% of a state. Right. right. Biden is capping out at 62% in Alabama. Biden is capping out at 53% in Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. These are these are big, big numbers yeah. for Joe Biden. And yeah. again, the areas with heavy turnout are Joe Biden areas, not Bernie Sanders areas, which does speak to the Democratic priorities, right? If the Democratic win. priority were socialism, yeah. then the, the turnout would have been up in Iowa and New Hampshire. No, we always knew it was beating Trump. I mean, it's always been beating Trump. Right, which is, again, back to well, the main point of tonight. President Trump needs to run a great campaign. What this needs also, to run a great campaign. Yeah. It also might be the best possible outcome for conservatives, which is some are rooting for Bernie, some are rooting for Biden. Really, what you want is like the Iran-Iraq war. You just want mass, mass casualties. <laughs> right. I will say this in defense of, the, of both men, that we've seen these wild protesters now. For anyone who, who's been watching this show, you may have missed it, but uh, <laughs> when Biden was giving his uh, his speech tonight, these dairy-free yeah, Joaquin Phoenix charged the stage. <laughs> yeah, charged the stage. By it's the actually- way, Simone Sanders, did you see her? No. So, so security wasn't there because why would they be there for the former vice president and leading Democratic <laughs> presidential nominee? So well done, everyone. The security did not do its job. These people charged the stage. All credit to Simone Sanders. She just hit him like a linebacker. Really? I mean, oh, yeah. She yeah. went in there and clotheslined the guy. Like I said, points to Simone Sanders. Like a bipartisan <laughs> wow. moment of appreciation for a solid <laughs> upper body tackle. Right? She tackles with the body, not just the arms. Yeah. She takes this lady down the entire staircase. It's pretty fantastic. So Simone Sanders, <laughs> well done. Sanders and with Biden, I cannot believe that they're not protecting these guys. Yeah, better. really? Yeah. It is, it is incredible. It is incredible. But maybe they figure that nothing has been able to kill them so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, we have someone who's going to join us here uh, who has, has... Good, because we need a... We're yeah, all we dying here. We're all yeah. Come on. Uh, he's my favorite cigar smoker, my favorite uh, philosophical voice on the right. He's also the founder of Prager University, uh, which we, we consider a sister company. I mean, some of our not only some of our best friends, but uh, ideologically... Uh, kindred uh, friends. Dennis Prager is going to be joining us. He's the host of the Dennis Prager Show. He's also never one to pass up a free cigar. That's one thing I I know about him. Dennis, thanks for for joining us. You're entirely right about the cigar. I know. I just hope it's the quality that I would expect. I chose... Uh, what I hope is... Oh, that, no, I can tell. Cigars. It's a Padron Reserve. That's a Padron Reserve <laughs> cigar. Uh, if it'll do. <laughs> if okay. It'll do. All right, bye. <laughs> it's been great, though. So, Dennis, my only question is, exactly. can yes. you talk continuously for the next half hour? So can, no. can I talk no, continuously I mean, for a half hour? Perfect. That is perfect. hilarious. Do it. It's like, can I Make breathe it for a half hour? <laughs> Our energy no, reserves no, no. are I, I, uh, what, what is that? Oh, no. The, you're, you, you won't, I know, ben won't find this of interest. <laughs> but the question of what type of cut you uh, want a cigar, mm-hmm. that divides people. It's a big it it's a big I divide. forgot you're yes. a V cut guy, aren't you? I'm V and bullet, so I carry my own two bullets with me. Wow. I go for the moyle. <laughs> I go for the moyle. I like uh, the guillotine here. No, I, I, like, I like the V too. Uh, <laughs> then then your tongue is on rough tobacco. I, <laughs> I, I was listening to you guys, very fascinating analysis. So what's gonna be in California? By the way, do you know what the lines are like? Hours long. Yeah, I heard that. I heard because they have changed the system. I mean, you know, California. You, I have been living uh, here for thirty-five years. Uh, it took ten minutes for me to vote any time. Ten minutes. Today it took uh, an hour, hmm. and there are people waiting hours, four hours, because they have cut the number of polling stations by I think three quarters. 
Wow. Do you, you're not aware of this? No, oh, no are you not aware of no, this? No, oh, yes, yes, I know why. They want to make it easier for people. What is it? They want to make it easier for people. Oh, yes, you can now vote anywhere. You don't have to vote where you live. Yep. Oh. That's, that's, that was the thing. So, of course, they made it tougher. Right, yeah. right. Well, when the coronavirus breaks out tomorrow because of these long lines, <laughs> yeah. people waiting there for hours exactly. coughing on each other, it's all going to have been worth it. One thing they push in California a lot is this early voting or mail-in voting. Oh, I yes. do it every year. It's so easy. I can't is, help but do it. But it is unfair to the candidates. This of course is, it is. <laughs> this state is complete toast. I mean, the, the, the exit poll today shows Latino voters under the age of 30, Sanders 84 percent, mm. Warren 6, Biden 5, everyone else 4. Wow. So, uh, yeah, this state's this state's tough, And guys. right now, Sanders leading in California 27 and a half to Bloomberg's 19.7. Wow. Biden coming in 17. In the exit polls, they're showing uh, the ones that I saw were 38 to 23 for 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 Bernie over over Biden. But again, that, that was not wildly out of their own possibility. As long as Biden clears the hurdle. If Bloomberg and Warren clear the hurdle, that's great for, for Biden, right? Because that means that the delegates get split a lot more evenly. He doesn't get that big, clean win that he's looking for. You're, but, you're, you're, forgive me. Your, your point about it being depressing, the statistic you gave on Latino, young Latinos, I can't tell you, I, I, I could cry. Yeah. Hmm. That this is, that they, coming from Latin America, it, it, it is so backwards. Hmm. It is like New Yorkers fleeing the taxes of New York yeah. And then voting to have those taxes in Florida. Mm. Right. It is the same. You, you, you flee and want to reproduce what you fled. Yeah. It's, it's. Why do you think it is? We, we actually made a Prager video about it uh, many years ago. That's right. Oh, yeah. Th- yeah. Glad you remember that. <laughs> that is impressive. Prager University, say. recommended by Samantha B. Yeah. <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> but what, what's your theory? That, uh, the nearly all of the world uh, b- does not believe in capitalism, yeah. the uh, the uh, or or liberty. Yeah. the The American value system is unique, and we're losing it obviously because we're raising people to be like Latin Americans and Europeans and Asians and everybody else. So they come here and they don't know. Th- why doesn't the Latino just say, "Gee"? Why is America working and my beloved Honduras or Brazil or, or Costa, well, Costa Rica might be working? But why, they don't, isn't it odd that they don't ask that question? Well, I think they do, they, because they assume that the answer is we got the good land. Hmm. Isn't it just hmm. that simple? We got the good land. We got the good, uh-huh. I think this is really what the left basically posits is right. that it's just we, unfair it's unfair we got the good stuff i never heard that actually we got the good land we got the good land i don't know argentina is a pretty fertile yeah, place really. <laughs> it, was, it was the breadbasket of, of latin america yeah. for so many years i think when you talk to people from places like la raza and they say we're, we're living in occupied territory one of the reasons this is so important to them is because they right. think... Right, fertile Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> that is like a bad joke. <laughs> the breadbasket of, of the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I, I've many times suggested to my Latino friends that if you moved the border south, you'd be moving the line of the barrier, the border of prosperity south. Yeah. You'd basically That's be right, moving exactly. the, good line, the good land south. That's right. Well, I mean, Israel is the perfect test case, right? It's right. If you look, just fly over it, it's like this complete sandy plain, right. this little green sliver. You know, it's like it's not the good land. Yeah. 
Right. That's exactly right. I mean, the people don't know. They, they look at Tel Aviv today. Tel Aviv was, I know you know, swamp, literally yep. swampland. <laughs> they died of malaria. Wow, the wow. Jews who came to settle there died of malaria, as like the people building the Panama Canal. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, you can see, I mean, even, even in non-agricultural terms, I mean, East and West Berlin. I mean, they're, yep. they're perfectly obvious examples yep. of how policies make prosperity. And, mm-hmm. and the fact that people refuse to acknowledge this is is a serious problem. It's also true that the state of California has basically lied to the people who are growing up in the state of California. Endless resources. We're the most, we're the most prosperous state in the union. We're able to pay for everything. We're just going to provide you everything for free. So why wouldn't people vote for Bernie Sanders? The state has been campaigning on Bernie Sanders for as long as I've been alive, basically. Yeah. At, least right. since, at least since the Republicans lost gubernatorial power in the mid-90s. Am I right in assuming we're all rooting for Bernie Sanders? Absolutely. I've been rooting hard for Biden. Very hard for Biden. Because you think he'd be such an awful candidate? No, because I, because the, so I'm, I'm assessing upside versus downside risk. So here's my, here's my basic calculation. Let's say that Trump is the favorite regardless of who he runs against. Let's say that he's a slightly larger favorite against Sanders or even a, a significantly larger favorite against Sanders than he is against Biden. So let's say that he's a 55-45 favorite against Joe Biden. And let's say that he's a 60-40 favorite against Bernie Sanders. That seems sort of fair. Maybe 65-35 favorite against Bernie Sanders. And maybe that's a little too optimistic for Trump. Maybe not. Let's assume that the level of risk attendant on a Joe Biden presidency on a scale of zero to 100 is like a 75. And let's assume that the level of risk attendant on a Bernie Sanders presidency is 100. And let's also assume that when it comes to the actual nomination, that most Democrats are sort of in the Joe Biden wheelhouse in terms of what they think. But that if Bernie Sanders were nominated, everybody would consolidate around Bernie Sanders and start parroting his full on communism and anti-Americanism immediately in the course of the campaign. And that would become the new de facto normal in the Democratic Party. So with all of that said, the slightly higher risk of Joe Biden as president is significantly outweighed by the downside risk of Bernie Sanders as president and also the risk that the entire Democratic Party centralizes around an open communist who hates e- Even Bernie as the nominee, because I agree right. with that second part, that one of the lessons of 2016 that we is that during the primaries- Leaders make parties. Yeah, Leaders during, make parties. That's right. During the primaries, many, many people oppose sort of the Trumpian agenda. Uh, I have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, Knowles and I are on the other side of this. We, we believe that, I, I believe yep. that we should have the debate. Let's have, you I want it, you want honest. socialist? Let's let's come on out. It'll be yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I mean, but but I don't think that the debate will actually be had because first of all, the media have guarded Bernie's communism for years. I don't think that would stop in a general election. And, and because and, and, and because Donald Trump is not isn't unique. an effective uh, mouthpiece for ideology. Well, correct. He, I don't he, think he'll, he'll be, be attacking. Correct. He, this correct. is right. He'd be attacking Bernie on all of the affect that Bernie. That's right. You know, but not on the ideas. But, but like. He, he yeah, ask, ask Donald a crazy Trump. socialist. Uh, yes, but, but, that, but, but those are labels that don't have, you have to fill in the content for that's people to right, understand why socialism right, is bad. Right. So it's just shouting that he's a communist or a socialist yeah, yeah, isn't enough in an yeah, era when 57% so, of the primary voters so in the Democratic Party in California you, say based on what you just said. What, since you like numbers, and I do too, what numerically, so to speak, if the greatest difference could be opposites are a 10, a likes are a one, how different are Biden's views and, and Bernie's views? Um, I would say that, uh, so alike is one. Yeah. Okay, so I, I would say that they're like four. What I mean by that so is that Biden is- So they're closer to alike than, than different. Well, they're, they're, because they're Democrats, they're closer to alike right. than different. Right, so, so that in some ways challenges your uh, theory. It does, but, uh, but, it's, but only in terms of policy, in terms of what they say about the country- it's more like a six or a seven. And the reason I say that is because Biden will overtly say that free markets are good. He has said that during this campaign. He has said that capitalism is a good thing and he's not opposed to capitalism. That in and of itself 
is actually, I think, good for the country to have two parties that don't overtly <laughs> oppose capitalism. I, I also think that there's a little he bit more to it. He doesn't hate the country. He doesn't, he doesn't hate the country. For the country. He, he doesn't hate the country. And I, and I don't think they're as close together as you do. I think their rhetoric is. I think one of the reasons... Yeah, I was, I was doing policy more yeah, rhetoric, One of the but, reasons that the Democrats are trying so hard to stop Bernie from becoming the nominee is because they pay a lot of... They run to the left, and they pay a lot of lip service to leftism. But I actually think they fear Sanders almost more than we do. They don't want to be... By they, I mean Nancy Pelosi and, if you, if and Joe, Joe, if you, Joe Biden. Do you the, they don't want to be communists. Do you remember the original commercial that Joe Biden cut when he first jumped into the race? His first commercial, which was which lied about Trump and all, all of that, but put that aside, his original commercial was, America has been really good and was great under Obama, and then Trump ruined it. Yep. Right, but the initial point, which was that America R- has been a right. land that is good, yeah, right. is fundamentally opposed make, to Bernie Sanders. America great again. That, that, that effectively is what he's something saying. something that the British learned with Jeremy Corbyn is that they found on the exit polls that it wasn't Jeremy Corbyn's policies right. that people rejected. It was his hatred of Britain. They, they, yeah. That's exactly right. <laughs> like Joe, Joe Biden, like if you ask Joe Biden in a that. private area, and maybe in, even in a public area, whether he's like totally on board with the 1619 Project's vision of the country, and he weren't trying to stump for black votes at the time because he thinks that that's a way to win them, which obviously it is not, then I don't think he actually agrees with the generalized vision of the 1619 Project. I think that Bernie— Has he commented on the 1619 Project? He made very, very soft comments about how, you know, uh, the 1619 Project was right. I'm shocked that he knows about it. Like my he, my, my yeah. view is that he, he is truly empty. Yeah. Right. I think he's the emptiest of, of all the Democrats that have run. Well, Steyer is a close. <laughs> but, <laughs> empty, but, but no, em- empty. Empty is better I, for the country than full-on No, 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 no. That may so, well be. I'm just, yeah. I'm just commenting on him. Uh, he, there are two types of politicians, in my view. Those who want to be politicians, like some people would like to be lawyers and, mm-hmm. and others uh, nurses. They just want to be it. And, and others who have a message. Yep. Sanders is in the message. Right. Yes. Bernie uh, uh, Biden wants to be a politician. Yeah. He doesn't believe in anything. This is right. Yeah. <laughs> he he wants to, that's my belief. No, I, this I, is, I, you're exactly right. He wants to have Amtrak stations named after himself in Delaware. Yep. That's right. That, that, that's his his career aspiration is to be president so that he can have highways named after himself instead of just Amtrak stations. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not somebody who wants to fundamentally change the country in any real way, which is why he flamed out at every level until he had the imprimatur of Barack Obama as the president, you know, leading to him being successful in this run. Do you remember that he he made up a fact uh, in his in his debate with uh, with uh, with Ryan? Paul yes, Ryan. Paul Ryan. Do you remember that? And the one where he talked about, about uh, the kicking the yeah. Well, he, he talked about how the French had kicked the the Iranians out of Lebanon, yes. which came as dramatic news to everyone in Lebanon, which was generally <laughs> dominated by Hezbollah. Do you remember hearing it live? Yeah, I, I went what what, what? now? So yes, yeah, so what was your? So, I was like, why doesn't Paul Ryan know to call him on that? was my first reaction, honestly. But I, well, I, I admit, when, when I hear something that I have never heard in my life, yeah. <laughs> it is so hard for me to believe that the human saying it is lying. I, I will admit, I, checked I, I checked it. I did. Thought, I checked it. May, I guess I didn't know. Right. I don't know yeah. what he means. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I remember doing the same thing. I remember thinking to myself, that's bull crap. And then I was like, but maybe it's, maybe I missed way, it. How, and could he, like, how could he so <laughs> he, do, he does, he does make up something. So he does lie with the Joker grin with yeah. like yeah. An incre- with an amazing alacrity. He is very good. And he did it over and over in that Paul Ryan debate. He was lying about yeah. things over and over. Like, very it was, cynical. It was, it was very difficult to watch the Paul Ryan-Biden debate because I like Paul Ryan. I know Paul Ryan. He's, he's a nice guy. But the fact that he was unable to in real time, fact checked. Biden yep. saying things that were overtly false was very. I agree. Paul Ryan got beaten in that debate. When I, when I look back at the other 
controversial moment from those debates, which is when Mitt Romney got shut down on Candy Crowley by jumping Candy Crowley. in. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. I, I often hear people use that to criticize Romney and say that he was weak. That that's not what happened. It actually is what Dennis is, exp- this is, is expressing. Right. He actually came back very strong. Obama. Yeah. He said the thing. Obama hit him. He came back incredibly strong. Then Candy Crowley jumped in on the side of Obama. Yeah, she, and I think that a human being in that this moment. Is exactly right. Yeah. Any decent right. human being in that right. moment goes, oh my God, did I say something? Am I wrong? Right. That's exactly I must be wrong. That's and right. then this is the nice thing about being a politician is that if you're a really good politician, you don't care if you're wrong. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. And so and so if you're a good person, you can't really be a great politician. <laughs> because seriously, your first reaction is someone criticizes you, go, okay, well, let me let me think about that. Maybe yeah. that's maybe that's correct. Right. If you're a great politician, right. like whatever else you can say about Donald Trump, this is one thing that he has in spades. The man has never met a thing he thinks he did wrong. Like, he just, he doesn't. And that's actually a real asset on the campaign. It, it's Michael, it, like, Michael Bloomberg is not a good person. But Michael Bloomberg even started this campaign with, like, did I do all of these things wrong? I guess I'll apologize for all of those things. You <laughs> right. can't do that. You have to go out there, balls why, to the yeah, wall. I know. Just, why couldn't he, why couldn't, it, I, I lost, I, 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 didn't, I never knew him well. But mm-hmm. whatever respect I had for him, I no longer have for Bloomberg. <laughs> uh, but, he can buy it from you. I mean, he's <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, but that he couldn't say, you know, wait a minute. We saved a lot of lives. Correct. Yeah. 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 Doesn't that matter to you? No. That's no. the question. Does that matter to you, a- my fellow Democrats? We saved lives. This is his ticket, though. This is his ticket. Into, that is what you have to pay. He was, he was a decent mayor. He preserved Giuliani. Yeah. Giuliani took that city from a cesspool to the greatest city on the planet. And that was all Giuliani and his, uh, his police commissioners. And Bloomberg didn't blow it. Right. He managed is, the right, decline. Right. That's right. <laughs> Republicans save things. And that and in every country in the world, conservatives yep. are elected when things get really, That's really right. bad. They fix it somewhat. And then they're kicked out because right. people think, oh, now we can That's go right. back to right. what and we Then they elect Clinton. Usually, usually you, yeah. get right. Clinton, <laughs> you get a Clinton right. or a Biden who maintains it for a while. And then you get the Obama who just drives or the de Blasio right. who drives it into the, the ground. Right. Yeah. It's a cycle. Blasio and uh, these, the giants that were mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're up. It's like Pericles, Lincoln, and Blasio. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, I, I will say the shut and fright of watching Elizabeth Warren collapse tonight is really, oh, really quite delightful. wonderful. Yeah. It, it's really quite oh, wonderful. That you should mention schadenfreude. <laughs> I, I still have a little guilt over the amount of schadenfreude I had on 2016 night. Do you know that at the election night, I give you my word, I did not watch Fox News for one minute. I only watched CNN and MSNBC and only to experience joy at others' misery. I, I have worked on my character. I'm not saying I'm a terrific guy, but I have worked on my character since yeshiva, right where they just drum it into you. You fight your You need more muscle, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that night, everything I had learned in religious school was thrown out. It was pure joy. Well, I, I am going to enjoy the the recriminations from Camp Sanders as they lose their minds over the next Well, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Like, how he Camp, handles this is going to define he's, he's the rest gonna, of his He's going to lose his bleep. I mean, he I really think, is. Yeah. His, can you yeah, imagine Michael see, Moore But he tomorrow? won't be able to say that the, <clears throat> if Bloomberg had done it, he could have said we were robbed. He bought Can't it. No, say he, we're robbed right. by Biden. No, but he's, what he's going to say is that the DNC came in and exerted pressure on all these other candidates yeah. to get out That's and right. consolidate behind Biden. And that Biden offered and that Biden offered them bribes, which he did. I mean, there's no question. He went to Pete Buttigieg and he said to Pete Buttigieg, listen, dude, 
you're in Indiana. You ain't winning a statewide office. You're not governor. You're not senator. So either you're carpetbagging it to Massachusetts or your only shot at future glory is a cabinet appointment, which is obviously true for people to judge. And Buttigieg went, okay, that's fair. Biden <laughs> said that he said that. He said he said right. he, he said, said that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Didn't yeah. Buttigieg deny he was offered anything? Yeah, but then later that same night, Biden said, yeah, I offered him a job. Yeah, I offered him a thing, you know, the Jamagadji Putin. Do you know that, Tom, did you read the column by Thomas Friedman, you know? Who, Endorsing who, Bloomberg? The most sang- no, 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 the later column. He said, what we need is a national unity democratic thing, and here is who... They should announce the cabinet now. And, and, and so Elizabeth Warren will be, I think, at HUD or uh, whatever. And do you know who? Department of the Interior. Are, are you ready? <laughs> are you, no, no, this is going to blow your minds, gentlemen. Thomas Friedman of the New York Times advocated what famous Democrat to be, to be appointed ambassador to the U.N.? Try to guess. Who is the worst choice? Of, I'll try to make it as clear. <laughs> the, the worst choice possible, Who and the person is in Congress. Uh, a Democrat not, in Congress. It has to be Ilhan Omar. Very close. AOC. <laughs> AOC. Really? Yeah. This, <laughs> and he considers himself a moderate Oh See, this notion of a moderate Thomas Democrat well, is a Okay, so Thomas, a typical Thomas Friedman column goes like this. I was backpacking packking across the Himalayas <laughs> with a man I had paid $3,000, but don't worry, it was sponsored by the local government, when suddenly I chanced upon a taxi driver, and he had this very wise thing to tell me about international economics that just so happens to confirm all of my priors about international <laughs> economics. Also, I then went back to my five-star hotel, ate some filet mignon, had a nice wine, and wrote this column. That's, <laughs> oh, that's, no, that's no, every no, Thomas Friedman column. You're the key point. But on the way, I realized how hot it was. Is there, is there Every more? column, no matter what, goes back to global warming. It, 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 you could write about checkers in Madagascar, and, 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 and it goes back to global warming. So we have Alicia Krauss uh, taking questions from our DailyWire.com subscribers, and we want to get a few in while you're here, Dennis. Great. Alicia. Yeah, Dennis, good to see you. Even though from afar, they keep me up in the bat cave. (laughs) (laughs) It's great to see you. (laughs) All right. But by the way, before we get to those member questions from DailyWire.com, our amazing subscribers over there, as this night kind of wraps up here, even though Bernie Sanders and his supporters are apparently still waiting in lines by the droves at California polling places because people are confused, like Dennis mentioned before. Over 500 people in line at UCLA, Mm. getting lots of uh, people on Twitter saying that they are still waiting in line. Even Republican people that are waiting in line because we did have a couple of awful props. Anyway, I've been informed. Voting lines are good. You get to vote. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like bread lines. Bread lines vote. are good. Yeah. You get the bread. That's good. The, that's so, good. You, that's even though, <laughs> thankfully, though, when people texted, they didn't have to wait in line. So, we have some of the results from that nice. uh, text results that we got of the of who our audience thinks is going to win the Democratic nomination over the last couple of days. The results have stayed pretty steady across the board. And with several thousand votes coming in, here are the results. So, drum roll, please. Elizabeth Warren, 2%. Bloomberg is a close third at 3%. Bernie Bernie Sanders came in at 29%. And the majority of the Daily Wire audience, 66% of them think that Biden is going to be the clear front runner and end up getting the Democratic nomination. Alicia, could you please get me the telephone numbers of the three people who went Bloomberg? Because the amount that he must have paid them. (laughs) I want to pitch him on a movie I I was thinking, were there really 2% who believe Elizabeth Warren will get it? Yeah, I, I was thinking, how large is her immediate family? <laughs> that, that might be it. They're, but I'm well, not no, sure they all they're work following. Hollywood. Uh, they watch, oh, they might watch the Daily Wire because she has a military uh, siblings, right? Oh, is it her right. or is it Klobuchar? No, I think no, she always talks about her brothers are in the military. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, another state she lost. She lost both her home states today. <laughs> Unbelievable. Alicia. I mean, Elizabeth Warren and I have a couple things in common. Oklahoma and Cherokee being a couple of those. <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> and I actually did the 23andMe, so I know this. That, this is a kind of funny question, and it involves me. So I'm going to ask all of you guys. There's a Daily Wire member who wants to know, if I were to run in 2024, which, yes, I am now unfortunately old enough to do so, which is so scary, which of all of you guys, including the great Dennis Prager, would fight t- to the death to be my VP? <laughs> me. I want to be VP. I have been asked all of my career, run for office, run for office, and so on. I do not want to be president. I want, because I have no interest in power, I only have interest in influence. And you love funerals. (laughs) (laughs) Fundraising. Fundraising, too. God, did he get the air out of my balloon. (laughs) (laughs) And as vice president, I would just go around the world making the case for American values, for Judeo-Christian values, yeah. and that's what well, that's what I want. It's I mean, a great I'm job. You got a nice now. house. I'm sorry? You got a great house. I know I, I had uh, had dinner with uh, at the Pence's house. Yeah. yeah, it is a great wow. house. Nice. Agreed. You, but you would be a great uh, Anyway, yes, I, I'll, I'll, I'll run with you. That is fine. At least I'll run with yeah. you to watch your back. <laughs> Actually, Ben and I used to say for a very long time that one of these days when he's president, I'll be the communications director, or his children will take over the world and mine will be like the communications directors because <laughs> that's just how it is. I his actually ki- think, Ben, you would be a terrible vice president <laughs> because it really is about making people like you. Making people yeah. like you. Yeah. you go, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there's this, one this area. Been there's a, a, this has been at a state funeral for Elizabeth II. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, accurate. That she's dead. Is what is so she? Funny. She's dead. What does she care? <laughs> but uh, but I would be great at one thing. VP debates would be oh. unbelievable, right? Like fun. like good point. If somebody good nominated point. me for VP, I mean that the job of the VP is to be the attack dog. That's right. And like unleash the beast, my friend. All right. So of the four of you, who's the most lovable? Mm, true. Uh, yeah, clearly, he's the closest to death, so we have the least why. time to wait no, for clearly. it. It was clear. You all, it's, a, it's unanimous. <laughs> it's without question. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, that, talk about a dog's choice right there. <laughs> 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 You've got Jeremy who gets his kicks firing people. Mole's the least likable person on earth, and me, the person who hired him. <laughs> and Drew is like uh, Drew's like Biden, but with slightly more lively overtones. I can I can remember who is my wife. Right, exactly. We're three years removed from him slurring so his way. Gets it. Who would be the VP? I've been saying Sherrod Brown is the smart pick. Mm. Brown the senator from Ohio. Smart, that is a smart pick. That's the smart Why pick. Is that a smart pick? Because you, you need Ohio? You need Ohio. Ohio's been non-competitive since Obama days. Uh, you win Ohio, you probably do well in Michigan. You probably do well in Pennsylvania. D- he doesn't really need to lock up the black vote. The black vote likes him, right? I mean, Obama's going to be out there campaigning oh, for him. Oh, good point. You, you and know, so, I, I forgot about that. So uh, you really, you really got to, if I were him, I'd Sharon be picking. Sherrod Brown, uh, it's such painful. He's I, terrible. He's, he's terrible. Awful. He There's another be. option, though. Virginia's uh, going yeah, yeah, to be very important to win, so he could choose Ralph Northam if he wants some racial diversity on the ticket. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I, and I think he can get the party. Yeah, then he gets the, the black vote. He so, does, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, he has a strong position on infanticide. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Very, very strong. The progressives yeah. love it. Very strong right. position. <laughs> Alicia. Wow. Back to more serious things. Uh, speaking of VP, by the way, did you guys see this crazy thing that Paul Begala said that he thinks yes. that mm-hmm. Trump is putting Pence in charge of handling the coronavirus outbreak so then uh, he can replace him with Nikki Haley? I have yeah. to say that did flash into my mind when he gave him that job. Wait, I don't really? Know, wait. 
Why? So that he would contract the disease? No. I'm missing a link here. It's a thankless job. The, the disease is, the virus has got to spread, right? So it's, you're, you're gonna, he's going to get blamed for something along the way. So I just thought the minute they put him God, in there, I, no, I had the same thought. No, I don't no, think no. that... Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't no, believe that. I don't believe that's why I did it. But no. I just I didn't have the thought there, that like no this, I could there's see no way he's dumping sweat pens. It demonstrates, no, no, it demonstrates no, exactly. such weakness in a presidential candidate to dump their VP. No, 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 it's, it's a desperation issue, move. Exactly. Not, not going to happen. The way that I know it's not going to happen is that Paul Begala said it was. Yeah. He said it was an absolute guarantee too. Absolute guarantee. Well, it's also Donna Brazil say should go to hell. Oh, to Ronna McDaniel, the chairwoman of the Republican Party. She actually said that. She said go to hell on television. Wow. And as as Noah pointed out on Twitter, what does imply? McDaniel is pointing out that it's going to be chaos at the Democratic convention and that the Democrats can't make up their minds and it's a mess. And so Brazil got very angry at the factual statement that the, that the Democratic Party is actually said that. She on, said, on, on. stay the hell out of our primary Republicans and you go to hell, Rana. And then she reiterated it, too. Yeah. See, they can get away with that. They can that, is, that is the amazing thing. I mean, thing. Dennis, I, I would be remiss if I did not point out that Donald Trump is the president of the United States. Yeah, He's gotten away know, with a few know, things. You know, the National Correct. Review ran well, an article. He doesn't get away with it because yeah. the, the press He's the president. He kind of got away with it. Well, he gets away with it in, the, in that he survives, <laughs> but he doesn't get away with it in that it's not attacked by right. the press right. constantly. We, right, but, but that's, also true. that's also true if he doesn't curse, right? I mean, like, I'm sorry? That's also true if he doesn't curse. Trump, but it's not. Well, a no, I agree. It's you know this Donna Brazil thing yelling at Ron yeah. McDaniel. It's not a headline. People no, watching politics right, know right. it happened. I mean, it happened on Fox News I for mean, goodness sake. I mean, Joe Biden has actually threatened to punch Donald Trump. Yeah, and that's not a headline. First either. of all, I would totally watch a physical <laughs> fist fight between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. It would be the most amusing thing. Because all would that be, life energy. Yeah, it would be like watching from, from not exercising. Like, exercising. It's like watching pangolins on roller skates. <laughs> like just watching them swing on each other. And Joe Biden just, the, the, can you imagine the amounts of insure that will have to be imbibed just to provide the life energy <laughs> for that to fight to go forward? Yeah. I mean, that is, that is I, I would be so amused. Like the walkers with the tennis balls flying at each other. And it's just, it's- <laughs> Hey, Alicia, I'm curious. Do, do you find, and I'm, this is totally serious. Do you find Biden in any way appealing? Uh... I think that Megan McCain and I obviously being a good friend of Mary Catherine Hamm and, and other people that have experienced grief, and I think Matt Walsh touched on this earlier, when he talks about grief and family and faith, I believe him. But, you know, I'm I'm too hardcore pro-life and love love the 2A and the First Amendment too much to, to pull the lever for him. But Ben brings up a good point, and he's brought it up before. Suburban women kind of like Joe Biden, and Donald Trump has consistently had a problem that's, with that's suburban scary. women, including well, women that have typically uh, voted Republican in the past. Well, er, right. Earlier in the in the show, I made the case to Drew that that Biden is uh, Biden is strong in precisely the areas where Trump is weak. That Sanders is a lot weaker in the areas where Trump right, is weak. Right, right. That's a big deal. Uh, that, that is, is a that big is a big deal. deal. He's very strong with minority voters. He is very strong with older voters. Actually, he's he's very strong with suburban women. Those are all areas where Trump lacks. And I can't really see Biden doing worse than Hillary Clinton in a lot of ways, right? Hillary was really off-putting and really terrible. And for all the talk about Joe Biden, he's basically a dead person. Yeah. Uh, and right. it's, it's hard to get really that exercised about a dead guy. And he, and he has suffered. Uh, yeah, the, and he's likable. He's likable. The, Every the, single person I've talked to. Oh, I don't find him likable at all. I, I only find, I only understand, though, Alicia's point about the suffering. Yeah. yeah. And he's uh, just his, his But own. I don't find him likable in the least. I think he's, he, I think he is a fraud. He is a he. He stands for nothing. That bothers me. He stands for Elizabeth Warren stands for something. Sanders stands for something. He stands for nothing. He stands for being elected. 
the purpose of his life is to be elected. Yeah, since he was 29 years old. That's correct, but, since but he was 29 you know, years old. You know, for people who are like that, though, who just live to get elected and they'll change their positions, and they'll, yes. you, they do develop this skill. The fact that Joe Biden is still around, that he's right now winning Super Tuesday, shows you if his only job in life has been to get people to like him, he has succeeded yeah, at that job. Well, also, also more than that, the, the very pitch against him is the pitch for him in the sense that you're, you're saying he doesn't believe in anything? Right. That's the pitch. I mean, really, like, did, right. do you find that deeply threatening, a man who doesn't believe in anything? Bill Clinton didn't believe in anything, and he was repealing, he was repealing capital right. gains tax Therefore, increases by 1997, he puts his right? his finger like, up and yeah. feels where the winds are blowing, so it, yeah. and then he takes that position. Right, and so it's hard to get, like, okay, well, we got to stop this guy did or the country's over, Did he speak at right? APAC? Uh, Nope. No, I don't think he did. Nope, not this year. He's done in past years. Okay, well, that proves right. my point. No, of course, right. you're exactly right, of course. I mean, he's never taken a hard, I mean, just watch him on the crime bill, which was one of his chief achievements, and then him running directly away from the crime bill. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he's done this his entire career. But again, the fact that he's just a typical politician who's 80 years old and non-threatening, I haven't seen this all along. And he's connected to the Obama era. And he's connected to the Obama era. He's got that, that halo pleasant. around him and all of this. Like the, the, the media's reaction to Trump is, it's not true. But the media story about the last 15 years in politics is that there was the horrible Bush era, particularly the last couple of years when the economy collapsed. And then Obama came in and had a scandal free, gloriously clean, honorable and dignified written administration. And then along came Donald Trump and he broke all of the fundamental institutions (laughs) of the United States. And Donald Trump is not only out of the box, he's cruel, evil and corrupt. And so if you just want a restoration of what was... If people believed that entirely, they wouldn't have voted every Democrat on earth out of office during the Obama era. They liked Obama. Everybody liked Obama, but they didn't like his policies. Right, but but Joe Biden is running as Obama, not as Obama's policy. Well, if you're rooting, <laughs> if you're like me and you're just rooting for mass casualties, let's look at the numbers coming out of Texas right now. Mm. Uh, the idea of this thing going all, all the way to the convention, they are within one-tenth wow, of a that. point of each other right now. Wow. Bernie yeah, Sanders but that, that argues for Biden because... Yeah. Sanders was supposed to win Texas big. Yeah, I think ultimately Biden prevails, but I want it to be and, as and bloody as possible between here and there. To Biden, and then it's a rump. Yeah, because that the Bloomberg people are not going to vote for Sanders. Well, and also add just Buttigieg and Amy. You add those two in there, and you've got almost ten percent. But that's not how it's going to work because right. the fight at the convention will be over total delegates. Right, right. And if you can keep if you can keep Bernie, the Bernie with the plurality of delegates, Bernie's jacked so himself. Up. He made the argument that the delegate yeah. leader in the clubhouse should take the nomination. Yeah. And now he's not going to be the clubhouse leader. Yeah. Democrats are never held to a standard. Bernie, <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, Bernie right. can say, whoever has the plurality, I can't do it. Whoever has the plurality must be. The only person in America who can't do a Bernie Sanders <laughs> One, it's anti-Semitic, though, Maybe. if I do it. This <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't believe that for one second, Dennis. I guarantee you. You, you, grew, up, you grew up in New York. You can 100% do a Bernie <laughs> Put a frog <laughs> in your throat so and move your hands. That is so and speak funny. slowly. You can no totally question. do it. Uh-huh. I don't believe for one second you what, can't do a Bernie Sanders By the way, what is his accent? Is it a New York accent? It's a Brooklyn accent. He's got the Brooklyn going on. Brooklyn. Yeah, but this I, is what I'm saying. Yeah. If you applied I, I, your mind to this, Dennis, no, I have I, great I, faith in you. You're right. If I did. Right. <laughs> if my grandmother had, uh, you know what, well, she'd, she'd be, be my like... grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> you and, you and uh, Bernie Sanders actually have quite a lot in common. You both grew up in Brooklyn. You both spent time in the Soviet Union. That's right. That's that true. is such a good point. Yeah. We breathe. You breathe. <laughs> you breathe. That's great. You're both very proud Jews, right Dennis. You're a proud oh, Jew, and exactly. so is Bernie Sanders. Proud Jew. That is a proud. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Do you know what my bar mitzvah? I'll never forget this. <laughs> One of the gifts I got 
was Great Jews in Sports, a book. It's a thin book. <laughs> very large. I'm not joking. I had a copy very of Very large. Or remember mitzvah. Very gigantic pictures. A lot, a lot of Sandy Koufax in there. You will find this of interest. <laughs> maybe, maybe even you will. I had no interest in it. And I'm a, I'm a very active Jew. I, you know, introduction to Judaism in English. I found it at a Jewish school. I mean, my life has been in Jewish life. But I, had, I have no ethnic uh, pride. It mm. doesn't mean anything to me that uh, Benny Leonard was a Jewish boxer or Al Rosen was a great third baseman mm. and Jewish. For the Cleveland I don't Indians. understand why. <laughs> I don't think that way. No. I, 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 love the, I love the Torah. I love the Ten Commandments. I, I love Jewish contributions to the moral world. I totally but, agree with this, obviously. Huh? I, I totally agree with oh, this, wait, obviously. Wait, can I just break, I said that, I said that I Bernie, I said Bernie Sanders on my show is as Jewish as a ham sandwich. Because he is. That's he's, perfect. He's, he's, uh, yes. he's ethnically Jewish. Yes. Who cares? Noam Chomsky's ethnically I, I, Jewish. Yes, and Soros. But can I, can yes. I break in here and just say that my grandfather is in that book? <laughs> really? is he really? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. No, he's a hockey player. He was a, he was a basketball player for NYU. Really? Yeah, and he was uh, in he was in the great. If a basketball player for NYU <laughs> makes it into great Jews in sports, you know there are it's not a, many great Jews. It's like Sandy sports. Kovacs. That's and my, my grandpa. Yeah, that's <laughs> One of the things that we're seeing happen in the country right now that I think is is a negative and is is heartbreaking to me, and it's happening on the right is the sort of right uh, the rise on the on the right of a white identity. And I, and I think about it sometimes in relation to Judaism or Christianity. I don't see myself as a Christian in any sense other than that I believe in Christ. I, I guess that if I were in Israel on a vacation and the Y2K happened and tax cuts and net neutrality all at the same time, civilization <laughs> just collapsed into a zombie apocalypse and the Jews decided that they had to purge Christians out of the Holy Land and they started pursuing us to, to kill us on the basis of our Christianity, probably for the first time, I would look at some other Christian and go, we ought to team up. Right, right. We ought to be on a side. Right, right. I get it. But totally. In my day-to-day right. life, yeah. not in any way am yeah. I affected by that, right. but I think that the left, because they have teamed up to attack the white man, yeah. and one of the things that's happening in reaction to that is that this sort of white identity politics thing is starting to form, and it's a very dangerous it will, thing. Well, it, it, uh, forgive me, I just want to yeah. say, I have actually thought about writing about, about that in, in this way. Yes, whites have done all these terrible things, but I'd like you to just know all the uniquely great things that yeah. they did. I would be called a white supremacist. Right. That's right. You so you can, you can only attack whites. You yeah. cannot defend whites. You know, it's interesting. They, uh, obviously this white identity movement, which is very, very small. I don't think it's really happening on a large scale. But it's a reaction to leftist racial identity politics. And of they course. say, wait a second, you keep condemning us. You keep saying that we are an identity group. So maybe we should take you at your word, leftists. What's interesting is a lot of the leaders of it, you can look at them. A lot of them grew up in foreign countries. So they grew up in places mm. where they didn't look like the people, and which, which I think fosters a, a separate identity. Obviously, in America, that's just that has not been the, yeah. uh, the custom. But it, I think it is happening in response to a left, which, is, which has become hysterical about racial identity politics. No, it's the most racist philosophy I can remember in my, in my lifetime. Like, I remember the real anti-black racism in the South a little bit. Yeah. But this stuff about whiteness, isn't, yes. it's disgusting. Yes. Yeah. Cool. But I was taught in college that not, almost nothing is new. New, new yeah. is that there are 56 genders. I'm yeah. not being cute. <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah. there's almost nothing else is new. Uh, I, went, I was at Columbia in, in the early 70s. Columbia University, and the uh, we were taught. I was taught as, as 
as a given, like E equals MC square, a black cannot be racist. Really? <laughs> they you did, did you know that? You yeah. didn't know that? I've yeah. heard that. This, uh, this is because a racism, given. It right. is a given. This is right. Because racism is, is belief in the inferiority or superiority of race plus power. Plus they add, so what they do is they add the plus power. Right. So, immediately, always, right. so they said plus power. Plus power. So then I'd say that, that okay, so where blacks have power in Africa, can they be racist? No. Okay. Right. So, <laughs> so it's a because, lie. Because, because, the they, because, they're, a because lie. their exercise of power in the, in the new term is a direct reaction to the exercise of power by white people in the old term. So if you say that seizing white Afrikaner farmers land in South Africa is a racist and policy. And burning them. And burning them. Or, or that Zimbabwe is, is pursuing racist policy, for example. Then they will say, well, that's not racist policy because that's just a response to colonialism. Right? It's a reactionary response to colonialism in the same way that folks in the United States it's obviously not the same argument in order to the same extent, but the, the analogy is correct. That, and for folks in Media Matters, the word analogy doesn't mean they're exactly equal. It means they're analogous. Okay, so the, the analogy that I'm about to make is to affirmative action. So, if you, so the argument by the left is that if, you, that if you use overt racial terminology in affirmative action, if you say that this black person should get in but this Asian person should not, that that's not actually racism because that's just white people who are complaining that they've lost the power to run the system themselves. Now that other people run the system and are doing it for their own benefit, now they have problems with it, but before they didn't. It's like, well, those aren't the same white people. First of all, like I'm, I'm, I'm very offended by this notion that I'm the same white person as the person 50 years ago who was not letting black people into college. Like that, like I'm not that, like I'm not that person. So who are you discriminating against? You're discriminating against people. And by the way, you're discriminating against Asians. Where was the great Asian hierarchical power of 1942 banning black people from being privy to the GI Bill? Like, what are you even talking about? Yeah, I I spoke at Purdue last year, and last month the Purdue student paper, the exponent, the you'll love this, the vice provost. I got to get this. It took me a while to memorize (laughs) the vice. Provost of uh, of diversity and inclusion wow. wrote that he was at my lecture. He wrote this like eight months later, and I said that slavery was not bad. So I have had that sounds just probably like you. thousands. Yeah. Of people. Huh? Sounds just like you. Yeah, yeah of course. That uh, that's why I wrote a, a commentary on Exodus <laughs> to show that God loves slavery. That was exactly that was my whole point. It's a bestseller. So the, uh, the, the so he, you will love this. So I, I fight back, and uh, I, I, I I wrote a piece on this. Real Clear Politics published it as well as uh, you know you guys, which I'm very grateful for. And, and town hall and so on. And anyway, uh, it, uh, thousands, I'm sure a thousand people wrote to the president of, of Mitch Daniels, the president of, of Purdue. And so finally, last week, I got a letter. Because uh, uh, the guy wrote to me after the original deluge of letters, uh, you know what, Let's, why don't we just get together for a drink? And, I, and I, so I wrote back, if I would have said as a Jew, that you said the Holocaust wasn't bad, and I then invited you for a drink, would you accept or would you demand that I apologize? So I demand that you apologize. Finally, after all this pressure, including from the president of Purdue, I get a letter last week. You know, I may miss, I may, I sent him a video of the talk. No. Yes. And, and he said, I watched the video, and I, I may have misunderstood. <laughs> so that was it. That's the apology. Wow. Isn't that astonishing? That's more, and not yeah. public. And not public. Wow. So, so this, this is, these are the rules that govern the left. The guy is black, so of course, 
you can't. I didn't even know he was black when he wrote the thing. I looked him up. What relevance does that have anyway? Who cares? Yeah. Of I mean, like, course. Yeah. Well, it only cares in that it makes him even less attackable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, That's I mean, where it matters. Then, uh, yeah. I mean, you and I, because we speak on campus, we have the same experience a lot. So, I mean, I spoke at Boston University. And I gave an entire speech about how America was based in 1776, not 1619. It was right. directed against the 1619 Project. Half the speech was about the evils of slavery. I suggested that we put Frederick Douglass on the currency, which we absolutely should do. Frederick Douglass is a great American hero. Or Booker Washington. Bo- yeah, Booker Washington would be great. Um, and people protested and called the speech racist anyway. They suggested I was making light of slavery after I spent literally half the speech talking about the horrors That's of correct. slavery and the evils of Jim Crow. Because I mean, it's unbelievable. The, the definition of racism today is a belief that people should be treated as individuals and not on the <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. correct. Yeah. The, there is a list from the University of California of microaggressions, things that are really racist, yes. even if you don't think they are, and one of them is, you can look it up, yeah. anyone watching could look this up, and this statement is considered racist. There is only one race, the human race. Yeah. Wow. No, they, they Which is the them. essence of non-racism, of, decency, of, of non-racism, yeah. and of every yeah. biblical Judeo-Christian value. I don't know. Did you watch Joaquin Phoenix? Cows are people too. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I said, did you watch Joaquin Phoenix's speech at the Oscars? Cows are people too. That's true. Yeah. Cows are people too. Cows are people too. One race. I know I missed that. Oh yeah, at the Oscars, he got up there and he talked about how it was cruelty to drink milk and put milk in your coffee because but, cows oh. are cows suffer. You know, it's, what's interesting about that is, you know, there's this book, Yuval. Cows by, suffer if you don't milk them. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, 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 I, hey, I'm hey, sorry. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, I, you know, it, it's my farming it background. <laughs> <laughs> great Jewish farmers. I'm in that. <laughs> you know, there's this book, Sapiens, by Yuval Harari. Yeah. I don't know if you've read, yeah. And he, yes. he has this whole thing where he talks about women as humans with uteruses and only mythology has caused them to have female roles in society. But he then goes on to talk about the passionate love that yous feel for their lambs. <laughs> it's like, it is classic that if you deny humanity, you elevate animals to this yeah. human level. <laughs> but it was crafted by the mythology. Yeah, that's all, what I keep saying. Yeah. Who told the yous the mythology? Yeah. Somebody needs to write a critique of that book. I did. <laughs> you did? I did in City Journal. I, I mentioned it. I wrote a, Wait, an article. Just, just, just on that book or in passing? No, it was a, a, about, it was called Can We Believe about whether or not religion, whether or not faith had become obsolete yeah. because of science. And, uh, oh, God. And, uh, and that was one of the main books I said. So we're not going to get results from California. Never. These lines are too this long. Week, yeah. We've yeah. been on the air for four hours. Enough, damn it, enough. <laughs> but I do want to take a look so at I'm the So I'm sort of a pinch hitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. a reliever. Yeah. <laughs> I can yeah, you guys, the, closer, the, the starting the pitchers are all a little tired. They're a lefty one out guy. <laughs> By the way, just, just a little excitement before we go. In terms of the percentage of votes, Joe Biden has pulled ahead in Texas. He's now slightly ahead of wow. Bernie Sanders, but Bernie is still ahead in the delegate count. Wow. Is that for a cliffhanger? Unbelievable. You're going to want to tune in tomorrow to the Dennis Prager Show, the Andrew Clavin Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Ben Shapiro Show to find out what I think about, <laughs> about how all this shapes up when I wake up in the morning. We want to thank all of our Daily Wire subscribers for tuning in, all of our great guests tonight, and we will see you back here next time. Thank you. Daily Wire Backstage is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, me. Supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Technical producer is Austin Stevens. Assistant director, Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Daily Wire Backstage is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire. 
2020.